uh, the people square they don't really do that very much anymore but um Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special edition of the People's Square. Uh, this is going to be a charity live stream. Uh, we're going to go until midnight for six hours straight. I have my uh, Starbucks Nitro Cold Brew because, yes, I am a libtard. Um, and uh, it's for a good cause. A friend of ours, his, his son was diagnosed with a very rare cancer, and he needs some money because even if your insurance covers it, there's actually a lot of different expenses in America, like having to move your entire family closer to the hospital or uh, just various things like having to take off of work and things like that. So we're going to try to get this man some uh, some help. That's what the nationalist community is here to do. That's what the, the, the National Justice Party believes in. That's what the TRS ethos is. That's how we build our revolution. It's by creating uh, a strong community that looks after each other. And is impossible to uh, break off into little pieces so that they can get people individually. No, we stick together. And so that's what we're building here. And, and we hope that the public will help us and join us, frankly, and help a good cause. So anyway, let's, uh, let's start entertaining you. Okay. So we have already collected... $500 in worths of super chats before the stream even started, which is very nice, very positive. I'm very happy about this. Um, the one that I got a special request to do is to actually read a quote from America's eminent right-wing Christian intellectual, Rod Dreher. And this is apparently the quote, so... <laughs> Oh, Jesus, man. Oh, my God. I have never given circumcision a single thought other than to consent to my son's circumcision. Europeans think it's weird for American Gentiles to be circumcised. I have never given circumcision a single thought other than to consent to my son's circumcision. Europeans think it's weird for American Gentiles to be circumcised. And I think they're right. But I remember the one kid we had in my elementary school class, a black boy who had been born at home, who was not circumcised. All of us boys wanted to stare at his primitive root wiener when we were at the urinal during recess because it was monstrous. Nobody told us that wieners could look like that. The kid didn't know why his penis was so strange looking, and neither did we. Third grade, man. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, do, Mike, do, do you remember looking at, at your uh, another little boy's penis in third grade? Uh, we talked about this on on tedious uh, yesterday. We had a, we had some fun with this. No, I don't. In fact, I remember taking pains not to do it. Well, uh, I, I, we, we had the in, in the school I was at. In third grade, we had the individual urinals, but I know some some kids actually still went to school, so they had like the trough. 
Oh. And I've been to bars and stuff like that where sometimes they, they do have the trough and it's like everybody just kind of stares at the wall or says the ceiling or something like that in an effort to not accidentally glance at another guy's dick or even be, be have, do something that can be construed as, as doing that. And I know there's some cultures like might think that's a little weird and overreactive, but hey, America is America. It's a weird fucking place. Well, one thing I but, find yeah. about this quote is he doesn't say that Rod Dreher, I'm, I'm saying here, doesn't specify that he was in third grade when he was looking at third graders' penises. So that's something I find a bit disturbing. Oh, oh wow! I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even pick up on that. I didn't even. Pick All up. he says is, "My elementary school class." Now, if I'm not mistaken, Roger was a teacher at some point. I could be, mis- I could be mixing him up for another conservative faggot. Um, but oh man, I didn't even think of that. I mean, well, there's also a lot of. Issues there. It's like Rodrigo. D- didn't you know that you're talking about a black kid's penis, and you're you're calling a black kid like a primitive? Gross. Also, the fact that black kid was born at home, and also like- also the idea that uh, a mutilated penis is more uh, advanced. Really, which one's the primitive one? The 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 Bronze Age desert practice of mutilating a baby's penis. Or right. not doing that. Which one is actually more primitive? Right. I mean, why why are you characterizing the the natural the natural form in as like primitive just because you're not you're not used to it is what it is because you're not used to it. No, it's actually because well he just assumes that the Jews that anything Jews do is 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 forward thinking. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he assumes it's advanced when it's actually right. it's actually not advanced. It's a very the the, the, the practice of circumcision. I mean. There's really, I see no moral difference between that and uh, female genital mutilation. And it's based on same barbaric, primitive religious superstition. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, look, and I know a lot of guys in America were cut. You know, I know I was. Uh, don't feel bad if it was done to you. You had no choice. It wasn't your fault. Um, you know, but I understand that there's a lot of uh, well, weird first stuff. First of all, how about the that, concept but, yeah. of a man of a man saying, "I prefer circumcision because it makes penises look better." Well, look, I mean, <laughs> right? That, no, I, that's I, I, yeah. already. That's already. You know, well, you there's, there's a lot. A lot. This, this, this this quote begs the question. There there are many many questions that there's arise. A lot of, I have a lot of questions. I have a lot, of, a questions. lot of questions that come up when you read this quote. Did you hear his? Did you hear his um, follow up today on Twitter? Did you see this? Oh no, no, I didn't. He had a follow up today on Twitter. So today on Twitter, I guess there was a bit of a of a of a, of a hubbub about this post, and and people were making fun of him about it. So he says this on today on Twitter: "I am committed to turning primitive root wiener into a beloved TV bathroom personality like Mister Hanky the Christmas Pooh." Maybe he can be Silent Bob to Mr. Hanky's J. He can't speak on account of he's so primitive and all. I mean, the series just writes itself. And I'm like, where? where this, is, like, this is who Victor Orban is relying on for respectability. Right. Like the- <laughs> well, this is, this, is, this is respectable. I mean, this guy is like just, he's kind of like, he's actually just stupid. Like you, people want you can insinuate. Oh, he's got like some perverse issue. Like I think he's actually just dumb. There's a, there's just, an like, Italian stupid and like doesn't know how to talk about things. Th- there's an Italian journalist that thinks he's a CIA operative that's there to like ruin the right in Europe. But I don't even think it's that. I think he's probably too dumb for that. The CIA probably thought smart. about it and they're like, no, this guy's kind of a moron. Yeah. Well, you know, I know. You know, I'm not saying that 
you know, that, that it's, it seems a little paranoid to say that, but who knows, man? They've done it before. Well, I'll just uh, say this. I'll say one thing for sure. For European nationalists out there, I don't know if any are listening, but I want to just put this message out there. Don't listen to this guy. He's going to ruin it. <laughs> Do not listen to him and tell everybody, like, he's not giving you respectability. He's not giving you class. In fact, he's bringing, he is the vanguard. It's really funny because he always talks about how uh, Eastern Europe is is better and Hungary is better. Something you never thought you'd hear a conservative say, right, during the Cold War. But he's, he mainly is focusing on Hungary. And I'm saying, you are the vanguard of what's going to ruin Hungary. Rod, like, you bring your ideas to Hungary, and, and they're, you're going to ruin it. Let, let me just say one thing about, you know, about measuring the character of a man. Roger has changed his religion three times. He was... I, I'm assuming he's a he's a he's some kind he's he's like a he's from the south so he's probably like a wasp or, or he's probably a pro, born a Protestant. Then he converted to Catholicism in his 30s and he made this like his thing. I all the way like even as recently as 2014 or 15, I remember reading Rod Dreher talking about how deep his Catholic faith was and how loyal. He, well, all of a sudden, then he then moves on to. Um, Orthodoxy. He's an Orthodox Christian now. And so somebody who radically changes their, like, you know, there, there are very significant, deep distinctions between Protestantism, Christian, uh, Catholicism, right, and right. Orthodoxy. And even further, Orthodoxy is extremely ethnically tied. Okay. So th- this, this interloper is marching into a Russian church talking about root, black root wieners. And uh, I, I simply don't trust someone who has a radical religious change that many times in such a short period of time. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's just that, that's a sign of a, of a person who either has ulterior motives or is someone who is like almost like a hipster and just wants to kind of sample things and doesn't well, take is, anything seriously. Yeah. He's a he's a hipster. He's absolutely he's even referred to himself as such before, I think. But he also had, you know, when we were looking at that, I, I glanced at some of his other recent columns. He did talk about this issue of the FBI and school boards. Right. Um, and of course, he threw cold water all over it. So he says wow. that like his people were mad about it. And, and look, he was even quoting like Christopher Rufo, who look, I don't like Christopher Rufo, but what he said on this was correct. Like I mean, now it's not that hard to say the correct thing on this because it's pretty cut and dry with like the, the answer to this is. But Rod Dreher managed to f- find out a way to like pretend the conservative position was something different where he was saying like like people really shouldn't be acting up at these school board meetings. There actually have been some attacks and some really bad behavior, but uh, wow, like libtards are overreacting a lot to this. Don't you think that like libtards need to just like get learn to get along, or, or you know, not everything needs to be an issue for the feds or something like that? And I'm like, dude, Rod, like that's not that you. He doesn't. You know what it is? He doesn't have any. Um, and I think this happens with a lot of conservative pundits. He doesn't feel any connection to the people he's supposed to be advocating for. Right. So as a result, he'll like he doesn't uh, feel like he wants to get in the trenches, so to speak. Right. Like right. He doesn't want to just jump in and be on his side and be like, you know what? Fuck you. Like, leave these people alone, which is my, my instinct. Right. Yes. Um, it's like these people aren't doing anything wrong. You know, like we you know, I'm like parsing through their behavior 
like to find problems so you could take this big brain like centrist view it's like dude fuck off rod just well, fuck off well, what, what, I sorry, is, what, what i think is what i think what i think is causing indignation in people about the, the setting the fbi after moms that don't like uh their children being taught to hate themselves what, what frustrates people about that is that while they criminalize speech, white speech, that's what this is. It's a racial attack. The FBI is an anti – It's the FBI is basically like an Antifa group. It's yeah. uh, Quantico, the Quantico chapter of Antifa. And so you know, anytime someone feels inconvenienced by a political argument and they're losing the argument, they simply call in the artillery, which is the FBI – to go right. and arrest the fuck with you're, you're gonna you're gonna see shit like the FBI is gonna be like entrapping a soccer mom and shit like <laughs> like yes so yeah no they're gonna be they're gonna be like seriously they're they're, they're gonna like and, and it's just because of like sins against their ideology right because like, that's, that's, that's it that's clearly the they don't they don't take they violence and terrorism seriously obviously I, mean, just now, I just saw Timothy Simpkins. The uh, the black guy who shot the black kid that <laughs> shot up his school just got he just got out on bond. Friggin' simp. He, yeah, well, simp my ass. This guy's out on yeah. bond. He got bonded out of jail. Uh, he shot, after, he, yeah, he was the one that shot up the school yesterday, right? You shoot, you. Sh- I mean, name me one white school shooter that gets bonded out of jail. He's, it's not like he's a he's a he's a minor either. He's eighteen years old. He shot four people at his school. What was it? Mutual combat. Well, that's another thing that happened, of course, in Chicago. Um, you had, you know, like like the 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 standoff it happened at the, a number of times. The, dude. You had the standoff at the OK Corral, and apparently now we have uh, the frontier laws in, in the middle of uh, Chicago, where oh well, it's mutual combat, so we can't charge anyone. There's no evidence, you know. There's actually a video of them shooting each other, including shooting one of them dead. That's out. It's a mm-hmm. video. But since they all the, no they, evidence. They agreed to it, yeah. No, we talked about all this stuff yesterday. Yeah, the mutual combat thing is – it would be funny if it wasn't like what the hell is going on. Like, but I think though in a way it's like this kind of stuff. Like you, you bring this to people that are kind of politically unaware or on the fence or you know, don't want to dip their full toe in or whatever like that. And, and you could and just be like it doesn't make any sense. Like it doesn't like what? explain this to me. Explain this to me. I, I want I want someone to explain all of these things that are happening to me in a way that makes sense. That's not actually just our political point of view, right? Because you can't. Right. You cannot do it. I mean, you can try. Oh, I'm going to apply the Gramscian theory of hegemony. I'm going to blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah, but uh, it does not. It's not. Let's just let's just say it what it is. The Jews are enemy. He's doing it on purpose. They're malicious. Yeah, they want is, to yeah. criminalize speech and uh, liberalize crime. Yeah, and that's why we're at where we're at in this country. And I find that, um, you know, it's not a coincidence that the, the federal government is more concerned with suppressing speech, because if you don't suppress speech, then this other stuff can't happen. I mean, just now I just saw that there's an updated version of the national homicide rate for 2020, where the actual real homicide rate is 7.8 per hundred thousand. Holy shit. That is that's a significant increase. That 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 that's is a, a huge increase over six point five. That that is a twenty six year high, and the murder rate hasn't been this high really since the eighties. And, and it's going to be worse this year. This year is mm, going to be worse. It's already worse. So this this is what's going on. So clearly, the FBI is not concerned with terror. I mean, the let, let's you know we we've talked a lot about the Jacksonville. Um, 
I know I know Larry Ridgway is claiming he came up with it first, but he actually stole it from me. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, look, I've, I've everybody some. reports on what they see. Yeah. No, no, uh, he he focuses a lot on on black people stuff though, so yeah, it doesn't surprise no, me. No, actually, stuff he, too. he is actually uh, probably the premier. Sorry, Colin Flaherty, Larry Ridgway. Like, <laughs> Larry Ridgway is the premier um, black documentarian, as in he, he documents. Yes. He's a, yes. He's, yes. A, he's he's like the um, he, who's that Australian guy, uh, but for black people, like. <laughs> Yeah, he's like the, the crocodile hunter for blacks, except for blacks. So, yeah. so Larry Ridgway's got your number, Colin Flaherty. Um, so you know, can't can't uh, can't beat him on that. But you know, one thing that we've discussed in depth. I mean, it's actually quite a rabbit hole. There, there's basically an African civil war happening in this in the largest city of Florida. Well, not only is it a rabbit hole, dude. Not only is it a rabbit hole. But there's this guy on YouTube who's like a he's like a hipster bug man white he's a he's like a white bug man who literally does videos documenting this and other gang and rap beefs yeah and he gets millions of views but and he just goes through it like in detail and doc and and he's doing almost like a racism because their names are also stupid like all their nicknames are so dumb. And he says it like they're like totally deadpan, like it's completely serious. And it's like the the effect of that is that it, it's it almost feels like racism, right? And so uh, we just got a fifty dollar donation. I see that from Super Male Fatality. Thanks a lot. Um, yes, we're not calling we'll, out all we'll, the donations because we're we'll, getting... we'll get to it in a minute. We'll we'll read okay. through them in a minute. Uh, yeah. But one thing I'll say about this is that you were talking about this before. The role that YouTube. And social media play yes. in yes. intensifying I, this beef because yeah, I saw they an absolutely with, intensify it. I saw a, a, a video with one of the, uh, the the gang members. His name is Fulio. Fulio. Yes, yeah, yeah. We did, and, some and he Fulio actually yesterday. he has a music video with 23 million views on YouTube, which is actually filmed at the cemetery where the three the three guys that he shot to death are buried, and he's like rapping. <laughs> On their graves and shit. He's like dancing on their graves and shit. Well, he in, might not have shot them, but he definitely knows people this, that did. And well, he's, he's recently, taking credit for it in the video. So. Yeah, he's taking credit for it, and he's basically taking credit for it on behalf of his crew. Right. So, like in in that in that. So let me like I looked into a little bit of this today. This is this is just kind of interesting, but this kind of illustrates the point. So in that who I smoke video, that the first the first black person that they call out that they've that has been killed is Bibby. this guy. Bibby, right? So that was like, the little is, brother of, I think, Fulio. That's Fulio's little brother. It might be. I don't know. I'm not. I didn't actually see that. in what I found out, it doesn't really matter though. He was in his crew or something like that. So I looked into it, and Bibby was like a 16 year old black kid, and I assume he was in a gang or something like that because they targeted him for a reason. I mean, he was shot in 2019, and this black guy, uh, this rapper K. Sue, yeah, took credit for it, and he did. Like, he's got a ton of songs taking credit for it now this guy's actually been arrested but like we said because there's actually uh the aclu will sue you or try and get yep. charges thrown out if you use rap lyrics and rap videos right in a in a charge against a black person right you can't do that so what they did was they relied on on social media posts because this guy was also bragging on instagram i guess that this guy case sued that he had done it and he's actually the one that pulled the trigger He's right. just in the crew of those other guys, but he yes. actually pulled the trigger. So he actually, because he was, I mean, I guess also 2019, it wasn't, we weren't quite at where we are now. So he's been arrested and he's being charged with this one murder. 
as far right. as the other ones, they don't they don't necessarily know. But the other thing is, K. Sue has videos with millions and millions of views where he's just bragging about killing this kid. Yep. So the thing is, now that's a that's still he's a he's glorifying violence. Now he's glorifying violence, and in the video he's all strapped with guns and he's got body <laughs> armor on and stuff. It's like you, you've seen it before. These blacks yeah. with all the guns jumping around like monkeys yep. and looking like idiots. Okay, so that's going on. So that's obviously glorifying violence, right? Yeah. That's one of the things that they say gets you kicked off. Right. And on top of that, it's like instigating and encouraging violence because if you think about it, if you're – think about it like if you're in a crew and not only does one of your homies get killed or even just – even if you're white, you can relate to this. One of your yeah. friends get killed. The people that do it make a video like dancing on their grave. Yeah. Like there's no – there's no correcting for that. Like you have to go and hit them back. Like there's no yes. other option at that point, right? Yes. Especially just, when and, tens millions of people see it. Like yes, that's when another millions of people have seen it. Because it also incentivizes you financially yes. to do that. I mean, yeah. this is to keep this going on. I mean, the guy, the leader of the gang, ATK, is on so Twitter un- and he has a blue check mark. Yeah. His name is Youngin Youngin Ace. Youngin Ace, yeah. So it's yeah. un it's un- a blue check mark on Twitter. It's indisputable. Almost it's a million in, followers. It's indisputable that these videos are like making this particular outbreak of violence spiral out of control. That literally YouTube is aiding and abetting a string of multiple up to like fifty there's probably like fifty murders so 50, far. No, they said the police say that there has been fifty murders already between these gangs. So Right, that's what I'm saying. So fifty murders. The overwhelming majority of them unsolved, by the way. They got So YouTube is aiding and abetting the, this gang war and, yep. and making it worse. It's probably not the only one. There's probably it's probably, probably going on other places as well. So you want to talk about glorifying, amplifying, and promoting violence. Well these guys do it. But their videos are never going to get taken down. Meanwhile, nope. we simply make a political critique of Jewish power with no implication towards violence, and there we are. Whoa. Okay, wow. We've got, okay. we've got $1,650 in donations already. Thank amazing, you so much, people. Amazing, guys. I'm so fucking happy about this. Let, let, let's read some of the, uh, the Super Chats, Frank, if we can. Yeah. Yeah, you want me to read them or send them to you? Just can. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tam donated 200 Good old Tam. No, oh, good old Sam. Yep. Uh, Donkey Hote donated fifty and says, "Check out <laughs> <laughs> check out americaner.org for more pro white content. We are on the path to victory because the Jews' masks keep slipping, and nobody wants mm-hmm. to look at the awful, dishonorable pigman of face." Yeah, indeed, I agree. Thanks, man. Beautiful. All right. Uh, Reprobate sent uh, sent two hundred in XMR. No message, just bully my fellow online only bros into donating. Nice. <laughs> uh, Borzetta yes. donates 25. I-, I can get behind that. Yes. <laughs> Borzette donates 25 and says, Pray- prayers for the family. Oh, yes. that's nice. Oh, that's that's so sweet. sweet. Mm-hmm. Glenn, the chairman, Chinaman, excuse me. Glenn, the Chinaman <laughs> donates 10 and asks, uh, do you know that not only... Do you know that not only are Europeans protected by anti-discrimination laws in Singapore, but they do Chinese privilege, not white privilege. Europeans are encouraged to join other minorities in complaining about Chinese oppression. And he sends a oh, yeah. clip. Yeah, you'll, you'll see that in Japan as well. Well, it's a, it's a strategy, right? Like, right. It's, like this kind of thing is a strategy. The thing is that like – it's nowhere been more. The, the thing is, it wasn't a strategy until it was sort of pioneered in America. 
this sort of minoritarian yeah. like culture undermining like grab for power um and uh other people see a successful strategy they're, they're going to copy it right right and and the only thing is the, the thing is the thing we got to convince to uh not necessarily copy it but to fight it is, is like white people themselves because white people themselves they they see it but they don't totally get it not all of them and they get it in like a distorted form or sometimes they totally get it and they're just afraid right uh you know i, I saw a poll today uh 84 percent of people that voted for trump think that white people are under attack in america mm-hmm. 84 percent. so right. that's also why this group in particular is targeted yes. by like really stupid media like one american news network yes. and news, stop the steal stuff and news yeah Max, and like yes. all of the really stupid they want to distract them with a lot of really dumb At, things emerald robinson they know just the other if day they don't yeah. You, you know, you know the um, the obviously the Israeli-owned talent agency that I wrote about in July. Mm-hmm. There's someone on Twitter that's actually finding more prominent conservative influencers that are that were recruited from the site. And one of them is Emerald Robinson, who's a um, big anchor on Newsmax. And I remember seeing her. I'm like, this girl's really pretty. What what's she doing? Uh, you know, running this this crap. This is this really shit tier. Um, kind Dude. of media, and the All answer like- the answer is that she's an actress and that yeah. she's being paid uh, in that capacity to work. Well, conservative this angle. like anchors for conservative news are always like dime pieces. Yes, you know what I mean. They're, they're yes. always and a lot of times they're also meant to appeal particularly to like a white boomer. They're like blonde with big tits, and they've yeah. got you know what I mean. They've got like that in their forties. Yeah, in their they've 40s got like that all America like kind of all American girl look to them, like that right. you know that like blonde, like, yeah, mi- hot chick like, look, mi- you know? Miss Alabama. 19, yeah, exactly right. Nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, yeah, they've got that look to yeah. them. Not all of them are forty. A lot of them are young, like too. Like yeah. they're you know. And uh, Fox now has like some some light skinned uh, black ones that you know they've yeah. got Candace Owens of course but there's some there's some other woman on Fox now who's like it, she does a show with like two or three other like white bimbos and yeah. and she's very light skinned I'm not saying she's pretty because I don't think that she is right um, but like yeah it's so it's just like these are obviously this they're is models. just eye candy this is just eye they're candy they're models yes they read yeah, the this script. is not the script. these are not people that even really I know mean, what I'm, they're I'm saying. A- but Emerald Robinson had, I believe, a White House press pass too. So that that's that's like hey. she was in the White House and yeah, I, give uh, a, I give a press yeah. pass. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, and also a lot of the the minorities that do conservative politics are also recruited from talent agencies. Like I, I have I have my suspicions. There's a couple of of these kind of non non white like you know MAGA influencers and stuff. Here, think about it this way, you know, like. You know, uh, if if you're paying for political consulting and advertising, if you're a political operative, what is the the most cost efficient way of getting your your message, your product out? Right. If you're a conservative influence, well, it's it's to pay influencers, right? Yeah. Social media pay influencers. You just pay people on Instagram to use your product. The product in this case is uh, conservatism, and you you pay them you know a couple thousand bucks a month and you, that actually goes a long way because actually paying internet influencers is actually kind of cheap in many cases and so you get some you get a, a guy with a, a big audience or you get a really hot woman or something and that that allows you to influence the political ecosystem 
towards your politics. And that's why you see people like Emerald Robinson on Twitter. And then you see various guys like, a, was it Jair Rodriguez on uh, YouTube? I think that's his name, Jair something. Um, people like this, you know, good, good optics. They, they, they're, they're the right race, the right look for a woman and so on. So that's how they, they probably operate because every other, you know, if you're selling, uh, I don't know if you're selling a, a, any other product on the internet, that's how people get it out. Now it's not so much like advertisements on television. It's increasingly internet focus. And these people are very cheap to buy off. So yeah, that's, like it doesn't it doesn't particularly these people that are like desperate for a modeling or acting career like you can see the desperation if you read some of the stuff on the profiles on that site like they're all just like <laughs> it's pathetic actually it makes me sad it makes me depressed to see it right. but you know there it is and and the other thing is it's like you know as you were telling me yesterday one American news which is like the the sort of like Trumpist for complete because Fox News is like divided. Like there's some like Rhino or whatever you want to call them, like older school yeah. Republicans, and there's some there's Tucker, and like there's some Trump. And there's also going an editorial there. standard. Like they can't actually just outright lie about things. That's another. Well, I mean, I, I mean they do lie about things all the time, but I'm talking like really stupid lies, like the ones that like Rudy and Trump come up with. Yeah, like, yeah, they, they, they have make to. They actually really retarded shit up. This really most dumb ass like election fraud narratives and stuff right. like that. They they're like skeptical of that. Yes, and yes. um, or they, or they just won't they won't repeat it, and it's because right. they can't because it's dumb. This is not and true, it be, and it will be proven to be false right. as well. So, so that stuff gets relegated to this one American news network, right? Which is all retardation all the time. Yes. Like, <laughs> That's yes. what Paso- I think that's where Posobiec is. Is an yeah, I think he used to be on there. Yeah. Oh, he used to be. Is he gone now? Well, he was a he was an anchor on there for a while, um, and yeah. So and of course, of course, they just get and it's all owned, these. And the point we're getting at here is that it's owned by the same. So yeah, oh, yes. Ninety percent of their investment comes from AT and T, which owns right. Warner Media, which owns CNN. Right. So the people. So you get the 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 kooky conspiratards. From the from the MAGA side of things, putting out all kinds of really outlandish, like it's not even good conspiracy theories that get you on the ramp to something better. No, it's they're a lot just, of it they're just nihilistic, retardation, yeah. apolitical. It's just like, oh, Rich stole the election in, in Arizona, and then you they counted the votes and that didn't come out true. Whatever. The point I'm getting at though is that the um, the, the the people that fund that stuff also own and fund the people on CNN saying, oh, look at these dangerous conspiracy theorists on the, on the right. You know, look at these, these crazy Trump supporters and crazy conspiracy. And it's funded by the same fucking corporation. Yeah. It's funded by the same company. All that, that shit. Actually, it should actually be like that should be put out there because and, and it'll also show you the limits of, of the liberal outrage, right? Because I guarantee you. That if you put that in front of like the right kind of liberals, particularly like you know like white libtards, like these suburban white libtards and stuff that are used to doing like social media activism and used to doing outrage mob stuff and used to like whipping people up and not getting any pushback and getting approval for that, they'll yeah. do something like force AT and T to like defund OANN. Like yes. they would do something like that, right? But the problem is they would just get ignored. And in fact, yes. AT and T not only would ignore them. They wouldn't even respond to it. Like they they wouldn't say no. They would they would just refuse to even comment on the whole thing. Right. Or they might have somebody be like, "Oh, we can't 
we don't comment on like corporate strategy or you know I don't know what they would say, but they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't respond to it. And you could get libtards all like mad about it, and uh, you know yes. put some pressure on them that way because and it be creates great. actually it creates more white on white hatred. Yes, that you know you don't see this kind of this kind of partisanship in Europe. It's increasingly starting to happen there, but the kind of the the the, the absolute hatred that whites have for other whites over fucking sometimes shit. really stupid bullshit, really dumb shit that is that is completely compounded by both CNN and OAN. That this is the is, goal. I mean, right? This it just is keeps us the fighting Arthur Finkelstein Jewish like you know, political like consultant. Take the abortion issue. I'm increasingly seeing on the right narratives that are frankly anti-white. On the abortion issue, you see that you know every single anti-abortion activist, for the most part, is it's a it's a white movement. You could say it's a overwhelming. The anti-abortion movement is overwhelmingly white. Okay. Right. Yet the arguments they make are that abortion is a white man's conspiracy to kill black people in order to do a eugenics experiment to uh, to 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 decrease the black population that's the narrative that that dominates the anti-abortion movement in the united increasingly that that narrative is dominating the anti-vaccine movement now we saw the ad with that with that black republican where he's giving howard zinn tier arguments about the, he's saying the COVID vaccine is the white man's conspiracy to do an, ex, an experiment on blacks. And the, the ad is sponsored by Win Red, which is the official Republican Party fundraiser. Right. And so, so what that does, what that does, anti-white mindset. OK, what that does is it inculcates the anti-white mindset. It inculcates in people the mindset that um, white people are ultimately the problem. Even right. if you're even if you're white and you're against the vaccine, it's that you can never advocate for white people on their own behalf. No. Uh, everything has to be filtered through something about black people. Uh, that this is the one it it creates. This is a winning argument that you'll win by making this argument. People think that even there's probably people that are cynical about it, but they think, well, this will work because oh, they respond oh. to stuff about blacks. But show me the last time. Anything. Show me the last time. The Democrats are real racist. Yeah, one argument. It's, it's never worked. DR3 has never worked. This is just more DR3. So it inculcates that. It also makes this is, like. This is an escalation of DR3. Yeah, it's, it's even so worse. It's just that they're the real racist. This is actually white people, white liberals, they say. He says white liberals. This is yes, black it's, it says white dear white liberals. Want to kill black people. That's right. different than saying they're racist. They're saying they're trying to kill black white, people. White, white, whites are like the real genociders. Yeah. And all that shit, and that's that's increasing all issues that that emanate from the conservative movement take on that form. Yes, and it gets even more ridiculous when you see them trying to use that kind of stuff for um, the George Floyd stuff, right? So you'll get like some people like Josh Mandel, who is a Trump endorsed Jewish candidate oh, in Ohio, God. and that guy was saying this putting up George Floyd's statue next to John Lewis's statue is an insult to John Lewis and the civil rights movement. Well, John Lewis no, died. After John Lewis doesn't think so. John Lewis was cheering on the riots before right. he died. Okay, so why don't you actually ask? Can you name me one single civil rights movement icon that does not absolutely loathe conservatives? And, and, and can you name me one that, that would that would counter signal George Floyd stuff? Can you name me one that would counter signal Black Lives Matter or even the riots? 
even the riots. No, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. You couldn't find any. On the fringes, you could find some like Black Panthers and stuff like that that were like they were yeah. talking about how stupid black people have become and things like that. But um, that's different, though. That's not the same thing. That's not. That's, the, can you find me a member, uh, uh, an activist? Can you find me? A, I, I said this the other day about Rod Dreher. Is Rod Dreher was saying, if only Martin Luther King could see all the anti-white stuff. No, dude, out. dude. You love it. He'd be all about it. Dude, this is the... <laughs> Martin Luther King is just was just Al Sharpton before his day. Like, there's nothing he was Al like died before you could actually yeah, like. He would he like that's that's if there was a conspiracy to kill him, it was so they could actually make him into an icon. Because if he lived long enough, he would have been another joke like Al Sharpton or Jesse Martin Jackson. Jackson, those guys are the real inheritors of Martin. Luther there King. is no difference fundamentally between him and those guys. They are the same. They were cut from the same exact mold that he was cut from. The same exact mold, the 1960s civil rights black preacher mold. Those two guys, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, were better than Martin Luther King because at least they would bite the hand of the Jews well, once in a well, while. Well, they didn't get shot. Right, they would. They would eventually. <laughs> they they actually like you know. Let's be honest. Al Sharpton was the leader of America's first and last anti-Jewish pogrom. It's called the Crown Heights riots. Yeah, that was an anti-Jewish <laughs> pogrom instigated by Al Sharpton. So actually, I I, I prefer Al Sharpton. <laughs> Do you think? Yeah, Martin Luther King would he have would he have sided with the with the black community on that? Well, Probably not. Pro-Israel. Yeah, and that wasn't not. because of some ethical thing. It was because that's who was paying him. Yes, that's what Stanley Levinson was was doing, right? He was handling and paying him and writing his speeches. So, yeah. So when it comes to that shit, like again, this is the conservative movement is getting more and more uh, marginal, self marginalizing as well. So there's a lot of things going on with this that we could talk about at another date. But yeah. it's like you know. Like, did you learn nothing from 2016? You know, I, I, I sometimes I get laughed at. I'm going to talk to Warren about this when he gets on later, but because he used to know Sam Francis. But I've been rereading a lot of Sam Francis stuff lately. And listen, there's big problems at Sam Francis. Don't get me wrong. Big problems. Um, but he was the one that invented the Trump movement. OK, he died before, obviously, before Trump ran. But he invented the Trump movement in 1992 with Pat Buchanan. Okay, so Sam Francis was the was the one that told Pat Buchanan to run as America First, to to reject the label of conservative, um, to oppose free trade. This is the height of free trade and globalism for mm -hmm. the right, right big business. He said to protect Social Security, protect uh, entitlements, as they call them while at the same time appealing to the white race. So uh, Sam Francis actually based his electoral theory on the research of a man named Donald Warren. He was a sociologist. Donald Warren was the first one to coin the term middle American radical. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the book is called, if I recall correctly, it was, um, fuck, what was it called? Let me, let me, let me think for a second. Uh, I, I don't remember what Donald Warren's book was called, but Basically, Donald Warren in the 70s found that there was this like hidden 25% of the American population that was working class, but like lower middle class, right? We would call them middle class. They were just, they're people that work with their hands though, not, mm -hmm. but they work with their hands, but they're skilled, like skilled or semi-skilled workers. And they were um, skeptical of big business and capitalism even. They're pro-union. But they don't like school busing. 
Um, they believe in r- traditions of America, but they actually don't know that much about the American traditions of private property and liberty and free market, all that shit. These are actually more so urban ethnic. That's Donald Warren's uh, classification of urban ethnic whites that work with their hands that are left leaning on economics. They hate free trade. They're pro-union. They, they believe in entitlements. They like subsidized uh, loans for buying a house. However, they don't want blacks in their neighborhood. They see um, crime as a threat, and they want, the, they want to empower the police. They're against wars abroad. And he was, he was studying this in the context of George Wallace, right? So George Wallace right, who right, got right. a lot of this vote, even though he was um, – George Wallace was, was synonymous with the South. Um, he won a lot of the middle American radicals, urban ethnic whites, Irish, Italian, Polish, maybe German. And um, he, Fran, Sam Francis's theory was that you could actually build a grassroots movement with this demographic because it's not represented by the Republican establishment. He was saying this all the way in the 80s and 90s. Um, and Pat Buchanan was the first one to play to this crowd, right, to this right. demographic. The first one in post-war history really after Nixon. And uh, basically Buchanan was able to, at the very least, ruin George, w- George H.W. Bush's re-election campaign, Okay. Um, later on. But the point is, though, is that um, this is the model that Donald Trump used to get elected in 2016. This is who he played to. And here we are in 2021, and it seems that all of the lessons that Donald Trump taught the Republican Party on how to win an election have been forgotten. Well, I think they just got a different lesson. I think that the lesson that they got, and I think that... um, Pat Buchanan, you know, Sam Francis called attention to this, and Pat Buchanan capitalized on it, but Pat Buchanan never really won, so it never became, like, this huge, big national deal. Uh, Donald Trump did win, and he won by having this, as they were saying, they kept commenting throughout the 2015-2016 campaign that there's this just there's this basement, there's this floor of support that you cannot break through with with Trump. It's like this this iron floor. You can't nothing we say, nothing we do. The media can't do gay ops. They can't do pussy grabbing or any, you know any of that stuff to and make it's people probably not like people. The middle of no, America. it was it was exactly this group of people. It was exactly this group of people. And so my view, this is my theory that I'm working with. I don't you know it's a theory, so just bear with me. It's it's kind of putting things all together that this this was an identif- this group was identified and so Trump won based on this now they got Trump in hand politically but this group of people wasn't totally in hand politically so they were basically strategizing on what to do with them like right. this is throughout all the Trump presidency and one of the things they've ultimately the strategy they've adopted is a combination of criminalizing them and making them believe really retarded shit. Yeah, like just yes. like bombarding them with like like folks think, think actually about, think actually about the outcome of that. If if they because believe if you think about it, QAnon and stop and all that and, and some of the more kooky zany stuff that alienates the smart the smarter people that could protect them. It also that, doesn't go anywhere. That, there's no there's no it doesn't go anywhere. Right. So, so what it is 
also being incited to be like Fed posting and and mm -hmm. like, and then they can be arrested and stuff. And and yeah, and no, the come and get them, and it's just like a fucking disaster. And the yeah. Republican Party is playing to this for sure. No, they're they're, they're they're encouraging it because this is, I think, a, a overall strategy of how to deal with this particular uncooperative white population. And um, I think that that is why we're seeing so much retarded stuff. They're being encouraged to be stupid. They're being encouraged to say dumb things. They're, they're being fed deliberately. And they're, and they're, of course, choking out stuff like us because we could reach these people. Um, and, and, and it would be intuitive. With, they, with would good, fucking, yeah. they would come to us like a hand right. in a glove. Because right. remember, Sam Francis, this is something Warren heard from Sam Francis' own mouth. He said... I am a national socialist. I was simply trying to get my ideas into the ecosystem. Because Sam Francis was unpopular in the conservative movement. Like He used yeah, to fight George yeah. Will and, and all these scumbags. Oh, and it was because they, they would call him like a socialist and a communist. and Because and he right. was economically left-leaning. Left well, if you think about it, think about where the discourse of America was in 2015. Right. Um, I it would be a huge boon to us to be able to go back to that. Oh yeah. Because as stupid as the mainstream conservative discourse was, it had zero appeal to the kind of people we want to reach. Mm -hmm. Right. And it wasn't it wasn't directed at them. It wasn't like focused on them. It was focused, frankly, even though they they residually scooped up the Republican Party residually was scooping up a good percentage of these white these white voters. Uh, just in elections, just because they hate the libtards, um, none of their rhetoric was focused on them. All of their rhetoric was focused on like upper middle class, high income, uh, you know, suburban con like Republicans that don't ah, pay let taxes. Let me stop you there for one second. Start businesses. Yeah, what? Sam Francis. Sam Francis actually talks about this too. He says that the Republican Party's platform in the 1980s was geared towards an America that no longer existed: low taxes, spreading liberalism abroad. Uh, this is for an America that has strong labor unions, strong churches, that everyone is middle class. It's not the America of the late 80s and 90s. And so the GOP... It's even less the America today. The GOP never changed its platform from the 50s. And so that whole shit about we're going to save you tax money and uh, stuff like that, that shit, it didn't really land in the 90s and it definitely doesn't really resonate with anyone right and now. if that were the rhetoric we would be we would easily be out competing the gop oh yeah on a lot of these things so they're like okay well we have to find something other than that stuff so they decided it, they were just gonna frankly just do conspiracy <laughs> theories like i mean i know that that's a word that upsets people because they want to feel like and i know there are conspiracies out there and blah 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 but like they decided that they were going to take this group of people and distract them with stuff that is QAnon like, is it, bigger than anything we've ever done okay yeah and, and it's in, in things that are like kind of getting at something that like, people feel like okay like i definitely think that there's pedophiles and the 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 government does seem to be covering for pedophiles like that's yes. true that is but true. why is it because well, most of them are every, Jewish. Every conspiracy theory has a grain, of, strong grain of many times yeah. are true, you know. But in the case of QAnon, it's very obvious that this was something to just make people look really dumb. And uh, and when when you're <laughs> you out know, of power, when you're yeah. out of power, it's also easier to get people. That, like the reason libtards 
don't believe conspiracy theories or, or, or don't appear to be believing. Like, they believe things that are really stupid as well and things that are not empirical, things that you can't prove. But they it's have just their that own these conspiracy things, theories. Yeah. yeah, they're not. They're just not cast as such, right? Like, they're, yeah. not, they're not in the mainstream like Russia, discourse. Russiagate is a Yeah, big, that's just as retarded that as That was their version of QAnon. Because remember, right. what was the promise of Russiagate? Is that if we keep following and trusting the Russiagate plan, if we trust Mueller, Eventually, we're going like, to get Trump yeah. out of power. Trump will be impeached, yeah. He will be impeached. That was the promise of Russia, Anon. And when that didn't happen, the libs were very much furious about it. The QAnon version is just like a, a smaller, like l- less significant version of that. But it was still like they had a lot of people on that. You know, libs also believe um, they get a lot of these these like libtards who, who like libtardism, but they don't really have – they're kind of like just fans. They're not like – they're not like in power. They're not like in. They're act, you know. They're not actually affecting things. They're just they're like fans of liberalism. They get them on like oh the Republicans want to create um they they want to create like a, a a white supremacist Christian theocracy and you know what I mean like like yeah. they get them on that kind of shit too. That's equally retarded and like yeah. this guy Jared Yates Sexton is a big promoter of this. Like Jared Yates Sexton, if you ever look at this guy, he's a libtard. He promotes this this kind of he promotes literally this that the whole like there's a lo- direct line. From like the Nazi Party to the Republican Party of today, oh my God. Prom- promoting an attempt to create, and it's like, yeah, because the Nazis were about creating like a Protestant Christian yeah. theocracy. Yeah, like, it's fucking put stupid. This, right? the Southern Baptist Convention in power. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. That's all. That's actually a direct line from that to the Nazi Party. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> so it's so it's really it's it's retarded, and it's just as retarded as QAnon. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is he's given respect and clout, and it's not because anything he's saying is true. It's because Jews like this to be what like their libtard like surrogates and and their like managerial, managerial class. Read yeah, this is what they like them to believe. Yeah, read Burnham. Burnham, listen, Burnham was a conservative homo. Um, he's in the. I believe he's he got his got his teeth in the National Review, but he wrote the book on the managerial class that actually. The managerial revolution, his theory on the managerial revolution basically uses Marxism to a point, and it's essentially that technology is advancing. Society is moving towards a a place where the bourgeoisie will indeed wither away, but their replacement will not be a proletarian-led socialist revolution, but instead will be an expert and credential class of technocrats. That will mm-hmm. run things using their expertise as their rationale for running everything. Yeah, Quigley uh, actually says much the same thing that he he says like uh, the forties to the sixties was like a transitional period in the post nineteen sixties world. What he calls the pluralistic economy, yes. which is not it's not it's kind of his word for that same phenomena. Well, He's actually, like, it's yeah. not quite clear that the bourgeoisie are in total control anymore. He's like, there's other groups of technocrats, and then he also says non. Uh, he talks about NGOs. And, yes, and like yes. activist Peter groups Turchin. and stuff like that also having power too. So yeah. Well, here here's here's where Peter Turchin and his theory of elite over reproduction, overproduction, not over reproduction. The elites don't reproduce, <laughs> but um, elite overproduction is the idea that there's a glut of educated people and not enough jobs for them. And so what happens is, and this actually could explain some of the, the problems with like the, all these like grifts of like the critical race theory pack, like an NGO stuff, like yeah, uh, yeah. people that, that sell like like anti-racism services. Basically, <laughs> what it is, like that, that that's what it is. We, we like sell that, the opposite. We- 
<laughs> yeah, well, we do. <laughs> no, but honestly, though, that that his theory basically is that what happens is that these these people that are not that have been educated, they've gone through the university system, but they can't find jobs. Uh, essentially, what happens? Something that is like they organize into they have, yeah. yes, they organize into a bitter parasitical class. Uh, and that's where you get the the explosion of NGOs, of anti-racism yeah. coordinators. And, and they all all of them are really nasty. They've all like they, they they pretend like they're so humanitarian on the outside, but their agenda is real nasty when you get down to it. Yes, and and here's another thing that's interesting, and this actually could explain the woke, the rise of the wokes. You know, oh yeah, uh, absolutely. In the last year, what what happened was that in 2016, parallel to the Middle American Radical Revolution of Trump. Um, there was also a, a parallel revolution, which was the Democratic Socialists, right? Now, if you look at the Democratic Socialists of America, the average member is a college educated but spurned. Like, it's like some dude live. It's like the, the average yeah, they, member yeah. was a guy living in Brooklyn in a little tiny shithole making $25,000 a year. Uh, yeah. But with a trust, but fund. they've got like a co- multiple college degrees, and and they yes. know a lot of yeah, they got master's degrees and even PhDs. And they come, they probably also come from a family that is very well off. Yes, they, they all they do. grew up in a well off suburb. They all do, like and yeah. so their manifestation is that of the DSA, the Democratic Socialist yeah. of America. Now you'll notice that the DSA has fallen off the map. Yeah, DSA doesn't really have much clout. Now, anymore. what has happened in the last five years? Well, well they got somebody. People, well, no. Well, also th- that, but what happened was that these people have been finally integrated into a lot of these institutions. And what I mean by that is the problem, the one theory I've heard from someone about the DSA and uh, why it rose up is because a lot of these college-educated wannabe technocrats, they're eager to finally get into the field, to start working, to start writing for the New York Times, to start joining these uh, different uh, um, media groups and educational groups and academic, you know, teaching at universities. But what the problem is that the boomers won't retire. And so uh, I was chatting with them about this, and they're saying, like, basically, when they attack liberalism – what they mm-hmm. actually are talking about is the boomers holding all the positions that won't retire. Now the boomers are starting to retire. And so now they're rising into positions of power. Now you have them going into the FBI. Now you have them going to the Department of Justice. You have them right. Ri- Joe Biden's administration, the Jews that run it, are actually appointing them to different positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, if you look, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the Jews that Joe Biden has – uh, in top positions aren't all that old. Like some of them are are older, but like some of them are young. Like um, that yes. woman Ann no- Ann Neuberger is not particularly old, and no. she's been doing like she does like CIA cyber terrorism stuff. Um, there's a few other yo- younger Jews that are right. are some like in very top positions in his thing. Yes, yeah. and so they've kind of bought off the D- the feelings of the DSA, which were also in their own sense kind of an elite revolution of 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 spurned right. elites. Well, a good example is what's her name? That woman, uh, not AOC. AOC is one example, but the yeah. who's that other woman that pretended she was Jewish? What's her name? Oh, Sal Salazar. Yeah, Salazar. So Salazar yeah. was big DSA, right? And yeah. and uh, she even actually did a protest outside my my house in New York City a long time ago. Like she, <laughs> I she led. That. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So she and of course, so she was she was obviously <laughs> like kissing up to to Jews when she did that. 
But uh, yeah, this Ein Neuberger is only one year older than I am. <laughs> yeah, I just looked her up. But anyway, so Julia Salazar. So then she got elected to. Uh, she's not in the Congress Congress. She's elected to the state Congress, New York State Congress, right? And as soon as that happened, like all of her radicalism stopped, and now she's a standard Democrat. So she just got she was yes. bought off with the position of now that's a position of more influence than than like an average, like certainly a white male in the DSA could expect to get. Um, but you know the point the point remains like this is the kind of thing you do you give them some kind of sinecure and she'll have sinecure well, the rest you of her life. Just let them do what they're what they're mad about. Like they're mad right. about not being able to do it now. So when you see things like the erosion of free speech, you know now now you have the teachers, the, the teachers, yeah. the millennial teachers. Uh, that once upon a time in the 90s, if parents went to, to protest something they're teaching at school, the teachers would just be like, OK, we're going to have to meet them halfway. Now, the millennial teachers who are full of spite, they're full of hatred, they're full of anger. They've been sidelined for so long. Now they're they're in the game. And now what do they do? Well, they call up their fellow millennial FBI agents to go after these parents and these these teachers, these uh, the parents complaining about the teachers. So what's going on here is two things. One, the educational establishment has completely changed, right? So a boomer's, even a liberal boomer, a left-wing boomer, is going to have different ways of seeing how to, what free speech is, how oh, to, yeah. you have to respect people's civil liberties, things like that. That's what the boomers were taught when they were younger. The yeah, people don't the, care about that. The millennials that are now replacing the boomers in this new transition, this is a managerial transition that we're in, engaging in. The Jews are leading it because when you hear, again, when you hear people at the New York Times complain, like the older people at the New York Times always complain, like the younger people keep bullying us. They bully ah. us to silence and shit. And, and you know what I say to that? Okay, what does Arthur Salzberger think? The guy who owns the New York Times, what yeah. does he think? Because clearly he is hiring them. He makes not the ultimate call. Side. So he must approve of what's happening. So this is something the actual the, the actual very tip of the pyramid is the Jewish establishment. They're the ones that are changing out the guard. They're retiring the boomers off. Yeah. And they're changing out the guard. And I think Joe Biden will be the last boomer that in the Demo leading the Democratic Party. Oh, of course, obviously, yeah, and probably the last be, I uh, have to be the last white man too, because this yes. like the the thing is the the, the boomer what liberals would be willing to accept a, a white man. Um I don't see this younger group being willing to accept that, which of course is something that, you know, if it was a real political if it was actually a real political debate or a real political rivalry and not just two th two groups essentially working together to make sure that nobody gets anything. Uh, I mean, there are some differences and probably even people that hate each other between the parties. But the one thing the Republican Party will never do is racial. They'll never do right. racial stuff. That's the one line they'll never cross because the Jews that run the Republican Party do not want them to do it. And I'll tell you, one group of people that absolutely is friendly with each other, it's Jews that fund Democrats and Jews that fund Republicans. They're oh, happy yeah. to have – they're happy to go to shul together. They're happy to go to Pesach together. They're right. happy to drink wine. Oh, they're not fighting together. each other over QAnon. They don't give any fucks. They don't give any fucks about like they they, they see what they both understand what each the other is doing, in that case. But right. uh, it's the Gentiles who who think they're part of something real that start fucking hating each other. Yes. and it's all fucking bullshit. Right, and that actually goes into um, the I, I I believe it was um again you you have to understand the world like 
Pareto, you know, the, the, the Italian Pareto. Pareto, mm. Pareto was yeah. unique because he observed history rather than philosophy in terms of trying to predict human and elite actions. Yes, you have to look at it as a, a Pareto optimized uh, <laughs> We used to make fun of people for talking about that. But yeah, anyway. But it's true. Okay, yeah. and so basically, what what he's saying is that minorities can can actually rule um, a majority by creating fake myths, <coughs> the Holocaust, by creating fake moral rationalizations of their power that are self perpetuating, and so this is actually something that they've inculcated. The Zionists have inculcated into our elite class. I mean, all people that go to college are taught that you should violate people on the rights of civil liberties, you should put people in prison for disagreeing with you, that that mere political disagreement means killing people, right? They, this is what they're taught at our universities. They're not taught anything useful. They're taught pure ideology. And so, essentially, according to this, this Pareto's... Yeah, uh, Pareto uh, was a liberal, but he supported Mussolini, which pissed a lot of people off. Right, right. And it's because, you know, he saw that from from a pure because he wasn't ideological he hated he hated yeah philosophy. he thought it would literally be the optimal the optimal thing for Italy's economy because Mussolini that was, was what that was literally just what he said well M Mussolini was beyond left and right right he was beyond left and right partisanship his perspective was that we can actually be a comprehensive movement where there are elements of socialism of nationalism of even liberalism in Italian fascism. And so, um, basically, anyway, one of one of the, the 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 deductions you could make from Pareto is that you know you can actually a minority can only control a majority by deracinating them, you know, because if they don't right. have right. A, yeah. a, a a a way to organize, if they don't have a common yeah. cause, and that seems so obvious, like ob like a majority that is unified yes. is impossible to defeat, basically. Yes, and so there's that, no way to do it. That is where multiracialism comes into play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it creates a deracinated people. They can be easily managed. You know, I mean, you can go all the way back to ancient history of different emperors that would try and mix up their their subjects in in their imperial pursuits with the intention of managing them easily. You know, so anyway, the point is though is that yes, the 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 the, the one if you're going to study the mechanism of woke, and I don't see a lot of people writing about this. This is this is something that you can actually see though that what's going on right now the the radical distinction in in terms of America today versus even 5 years ago is that there has been a change of the guards basically Jews so the boomers weren't retire so Jews have actually forced the boomers out of the picture and how do they retire the boomers well oh you know this boomer uh he took a picture in blackface in 1979 he's canceled um, you know, this, this other boomer, uh, he said the N word in a certain context where he's talking about the N word. Where he he's read like to, saying you shouldn't he read say to it. Kill a <laughs> he read to kill a mockingbird. He's talking about how bad the N word is. And then he says it. And so we have to cancel him for saying, so a lot of the hypersensitivity that, that people complain about, about cancel culture, where you're, you're constantly yeah. seeing conservatives say, this is a liberal. And all they did was say it in a certain unambiguous context. They said this word. And yet they got fired.
But what is the the actual motive behind yeah, that? Yeah, right? that's what actually is, really interesting. What yeah, is the esoteric yeah, motive? It's not just. It's not just it's, about. Yeah, it's because the younger people want to take his job. Right. Okay, that's what it is. And the younger people also are instructed in the pronouns in how you never say the n word no matter what. And so the boomers that did not get that instruction, they're constantly stepping on mines. And they can be easily canceled because of right. That. And and it's it's sort of it's makes sense. Like if you think about, and I'm sure that this sort of thing has happened before uh, in history. You could probably find other examples. I can't think of one off the top of my head where basically, <clears throat> as sort of like a hostile class takeover, if you will, like inventing all kinds of like even within even within a movement or within a a subgroup of people. Uh, like inventing like doctrines and then just tripping people up for like running afoul of them as a way of 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 you know just taking power over them. Yes, uh, is probably is probably I'm sure. I mean, we know that that strategy's been used before in history, but it's it's interesting. A lot of people analyze like the latest woke outrage, and it is outrageous. I mean, you can find plenty of that stuff, but it's like you know people are not very many people are looking behind. At what's really going on, like what what is motivating it and what's driving it, and um, yeah, that's really interesting. It that does make sense. That does yes, make sense. It's a it's a it's literally an internal revolution that's happening and and ha- is actually accelerating. And the Jews felt the need to accelerate it because of us, right? And from uh, yes, they felt the need to accelerate because of us because liberals. And this is another thing that's happened since uh, the tw- 2015, 2016. And it really does come down to Charlottesville. Like, Ann Neuberger is the one that said that when she was at the CIA and she saw Charlottesville, yes, she basically made it her... She she was really stunned, and she made it her life's work to destroy every single person and every single person that uh, that even thought like the people... That even looks like those people. That were at Charlottesville. That yeah, and just, dragnet, just do dragnet attacks on all whites because, like, you know, why not? Yeah. And so... The thing is, like a lot of that was the moment everything changed. It was when the thousand attractive, normal looking white people without masks, without fear, were chanting, Jews will not replace us. That is going to go down in the history books as the moment that America began its its collapse, frankly. Because if you're going to descend into this form of totalitarianism, which we're in, this is totalitarianism. um, Oh, yeah. It's then, like it's like then the, everything it's like a becomes unsustainable. Bad form of it too. Yeah. Yes, it's just unsustainable to keep this pressure up. I mean, additionally, there's probably this changing of the guard in the managerial class also probably has a lot to do with, um, you know, why thing. I mean, just to bring it back, why things like these rap beefs and shit go out of control because these yes. people don't want to do. They just don't. I mean, it's not even like it's not even like they want blacks doing this. It's just that. They're not interested. Like mm-hmm. they, one, a lot of them probably <laughs> like this kind of music, right? They're just like fans of it. So you know, Dave Chappelle, Alex was telling me today, Dave Chappelle made some jokes in his new special, which is getting—he's going to get canceled. He's getting canceled oh, as yeah. we speak right now, because yeah. he basically made the point. He wasn't talking about the—he was talking about the baby, who I guess is an, another rapper that killed somebody. <laughs> they said this guy killed somebody, and his fans didn't cancel him. He said something about trans people and he got yeah. canceled he's like y'all need to think about that <laughs> now uh he's right he's utterly right. right and the funny thing is so not only are they canceling him all these reviewers and stuff are saying like um oh well dave Chappelle is like his it's not working his latest comedy stand-up it's 
It's just it's a yeah. fail. He just he's he's made, taking cheap cheap shots at vulnerable groups and calling it comedy. It's not what he's doing. That's a very biting point. That's like one of art style points. Right. Right. He's making basically an identical point to to the kind of point we make. It's very cutting. It it hits right 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 home. And they have no answer for it, so he's just gone. Like they're just gonna get rid of him. Now I don't. I Dave, Dave Chappelle does. You know he's a mixed bag, like any black comedian. He's sometimes really funny, and sometimes he does stupid anti-white. Hey, shit. he's gonna say things. anti-white shit. So what, man? So what? I don't really I don't care, care that much care, because really. it's like it is jokes. He, he like, goes against everyone, man. So yeah, it's Plus, either we go, say stuff about black people all the time. <laughs> well, he says shit about Jews, man. You ever heard his no. joke about space Jews? Yeah, that's. Well, a- they they actually said that he opened. I don't know what the joke was because they didn't repeat it. Yeah. But NPR was saying he opened up his show with like a like a totally unnecessary swipe, anti-Semitic swipe. I'm like, ah. what did he say? They didn't repeat it. Well, they didn't repeat what it was. I was kind of curious. Well, it, well there, there's actually a debate going on. I'm not going to get into it with someone that you and I both know about this joke. But uh, anyway. Uh, this oh, space really? Jews I, joke, yes, hey, I'm not gonna get into it. Let's not get into it. But, I don't even know or care, but yeah. my point is that, yeah. like, um, the one of the reasons that the liberals had the the older school liberal boomers had to be taken out is because they actually would accept free speech to some extent, to a certain extent. Yes. They would. There were certain things, and that it's they simply because their their software was different. Yeah, right. Because they were raised on. Because basically, back then, free speech and attacks on conservatism. And and the conservative establishment was like free speech was being used as an attack on the establishment the Jews were taking over in the sixties, right? Right, like the cultural the cultural establishment because yes. we talked about Jews own yes. Jews they own took, certain they they complain about not having free speech they got their free speech and they use their free speech to take your free speech I mean that's that's yeah. an adult way of looking at see that's right. something that you would know would happen if you look if you read Pareto if you read Schmidt if you read people right. that use history rather than philosophical speculation to actually judge human actions and and fights for power and so because of that though all these like even like you know i I know my parents particularly were very liberal yeah and they would all say like well you know yeah we don't we don't like what you're saying it's it's deeply offensive or whatever but you know you do have a right to say we don't uh, you know my mother would sometimes get gaslit about the terrorism stuff, and I would just be like, "Mom, do you really think that about me?" And she'd be like, "Not you, but maybe some of the people." Oh. I mean, Mom, it's not true, but you agree, like, yeah. you know. But she would always be like, "Well, you have." She would do the like, "I don't agree, but I'll defend your right to say it." Right. Right. Now, right. That that stuff that became a thing that the younger libtards make fun of. Like yes. that statement became like uh, they you would see them like mocking it on things like Chapo and stuff like that. Like, yep. Not even just Chapo, but even the more woke types, they they would mock that because they would say that's like they and they would they would say like That's not how you, power works. And what they would say, yeah, it's not how power works, but it's not that that is not that that point of view is not necessary for their will to power. So in what? fact it's a hindrance to it. So what they'd say That's why when conservatives say, Aren't you isn't the ACLU worried that the FBI will come after them too? No. The, the answer is absolutely no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. The answer is no, because they know they're in charge. Absolutely not, and and you know the the thing that these um what these younger uh, libtards would say the older ones is like so you care about and we saw Talia Lavin even to some extent saying this in her discussion yeah. with that black girl what's her name where she's saying these people care about their self image yes of being more of being about free speech and open debate and marketplace of ideas and all that crap that she hates that she doesn't believe in right rather than 
the safety, this is how she's framed it, the safety of myself yeah. and like other marginalized people implying that Talia Lavin, who's from a yeah. wealthy Jewish uh, upper, family, is, upper is marginalized. Side, fucking yeah, like, fuck that. But, anyway, dollars but that's, how they, that's how they justify it. They're like, <laughs> you know, if you let white people speak, yes, like, it's going to be dangerous to, to, like, blacks and minorities and Jews. Right. Right. If there's a free-flowing discussion, they will lose. Right, dis- which is really what that – that's how you can really interpret that, interpret that is that they just lose. It's not that it's – it's dangerous to their their power if they're – Their power. They have power. Their power. They don't want to share on- it. They don't want to share power with the majority of people in this country. That is what this is about. Okay? It's elite self-perpetuation and self-preservation. There's no – you know, you can read – there's a French guy, uh, Christophe Guillet, I believe, one of those guys – he wrote a book about that profiled Antifa in France, and um, in, in the sociological studies he, he used, he found that the average anarchist in France, like active Antifa member, was the, the came from an affluent home, usually professional, usually upper middle class. And this actually is an interesting take on these people becoming communists and 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 uh, anarchists and shit, because you know according to the Marxist theory. That is impossible. But here's here's the spin. If the Marxist theory is incorrect, which it is, and it's actually the bourgeoisie will be replaced by the managerial class, then these are these Antifa are just people that are reactionary punching down, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. They're rising, they're ascending to power. Antifa, the types of assholes that join Antifa that come from these PhD, they're often I mean I remember New York City back in the day, um, the Antifa, when they were before Trump, when they were still kind of marginal, uh, every single one of them was in the CUNY Graduate Center. And that was yeah. like the, the CUNY Graduate, was a, yeah. it's a grad school. Mm-hmm. So these are all grad students that were the active Antifas in, in New Columbia, York too, was a nest of them. Yes, but but I was I remember when I when I was dealing with this shit. They're all they, they, over Columbia. They're all yes, but they but they used to actually meet at the CUNY okay, Grant. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and that was their, their little nest where they where they recruited people, where people were on board, they were down. And so what does that tell you? Well, the new bourgeoisie is just fighting the working class. Okay, that's what this is actually about. Mm-hmm. And they they see sharing power with the lower middle class white worker as uh, kind of almost like a, a, a sabotage of what they want to do. And here's another thing that I was talking to someone about recently that, that has known some of these people very well. And one thing that, that's interesting about them is that there's a kind of nihilism to what they're doing. And what I mean by that is that they are people who, the, the average Antifa, like they, they actually on some level know the outcome of what they're going to do. Like they know what, what's going to happen if the police stop arresting blacks. There's just going to be thousands of extra deaths every year. They know that's going to happen. But there's a sort of nihilism where they feel aggrieved because they're so narcissistic and they want other people to suffer. Mm-hmm. They want to inflict pain on people. That is one actual subtle motivator that if you get one of these anarchists drunk and you fucking start pushing them on this they'll they'll, they'll literally say and they want they want except the one thing that they might prefer is if the blacks just started going after like white people yes 
They're like they're like you know they're probably disappointed that what blacks actually do is go after each other. Right. <clears throat> uh, I mean, they do go after whites. Don't get me wrong, but overwhelmingly too. they go after they, they. And it's not even just. There's also a, a bit of a myth that blacks are just totally undiscerning in their targets and they're just animals. And that, there's some blacks that are like that, but there's a lot of them that actually do target. The, they're targeting the people they're going after. They're not just purely, sure. you know. And so, and when when it's that case, like you know, whites just you're not going to see whites in a position to just be in things like the Jacksonville beef. Like they're just not going to be there. Right. So <laughs> well, there's obviously one, actually, yeah, there's one, <laughs> there's like this Irish guy who is like a member of one of these gangs, he looks, which is so fucking bizarre. He looks like, he looks like a wigger am that dude. Have you seen him? <laughs> Yeah, he's like, he's like real skinny. He's like a skinny nerd. And I, I tried watching one of his videos today. It was like YT. Oh man, YT. What is his name? I got it. What's his name? YT Killer Ace or something like that. YC Slugger Ace. Slugger, it's y, oh, no, Slugger YNR Slugger Ace. I think that's no, what no, it is. Slugger T. Slugger T. Slugger T. YNR Slugger T. Just look that up, Frank. And and get like his YouTube channel and and show one yeah, of his fucking kids videos. Slug a T. Y and R. Slug a T. Y and R. Slug a T. I don't even know what the fuck that means, but there it is. Yeah, he's like this like like skinny like like Southern guy or something. Like he's uh, not. He's got yeah, like he's, he's, he's got like the dirt, one of these Florida crews. Mustache, like. dirt lip mustache. He looks like nineteen or something. Like he's not. No, like this kid is probably. Like Here, I'll, I'll, I can find. It. I can find it. I can find Slug a T. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, he's going to put the but, link in. I, actually, Frank, it's actually not a good idea to play it because we might get a copyright strike for it. Yeah. Uh, just look yeah, it up. Yeah, just get a picture of him. T-A-T-E-E. All right. Okay. If you'll mute it, fine. But <laughs> Yeah, definitely mute it. Don't play the music. Mute it. Mute it. Yeah. Don't play, just play it for a couple minutes. It's fair just, use. I'll play it for like 30 seconds. Yeah. Fair use, fair use for making fun of him. It's fair use. <laughs> yeah, every, and everybody wants to make fun of him. You know, there, it's funny because blacks... Like some of the blacks that like like this kind of rap have been saying like that feel when this guy's actually just racist and this is his best way of like killing black people. This is him. This is the. <laughs> but yo, know, it's kind of it's kind of new that that a black gang would he uses the N word too. He he drops the N word. Yeah, that they would allow a white kid into their group. That's that was unthinkable. Well, also, when I- you know what else I've noticed about these Jacksonville blacks? Yeah. And it's not just them. I think it's blacks everywhere, but it's because I was looking at They're all really young. So these are like the young upcoming yeah. rappers. One, they all, none of them have any talents at all. They're all using auto-tune. Yes. Right? They're all using auto-tune in their songs. So they can't actually even rap. Right. Uh, and, and second of all, they're all like skinny nerds. Like that guy, Fulio, ha- looks like a fucking clown. He looks, he's got like big oh, old, he's real skinny. He's got like big old sneakers, yes. dreadlocks, and he's skinny his arms. Skinny his jeans. arms are like twigs, and yeah. his legs are like twigs. And the same with all those dudes in that video. They're all like these weird, skinny well, mutants. I was, like, I, was, I was talking to someone about this that it really shows how suggestible blacks are that just like 10 years ago, the look was to have extremely baggy pants, and now the look is to have extremely skinny jeans. That's like the gangster look now. But it's they not have, even just that. Like they, I feel like blacks are degenerating. Like whites are definitely degenerating in terms of of going well, downhill. Yeah, I bet. But I've blacks are too. Like they're like, dude. I was looking at this video. Yo, compare, I, I compare any of these guys are like LL Cool J, right? Well, that's what I was saying. I was looking at like this video uh, again because I was going I was going down a bit of a rabbit hole in this, and I saw this video. Of this guy Whack One Hundred. Who's yeah. like a, a crip or a blood or something like that from from L.A. from the old school days, and he was like dissing six nine or something like that. He's no. like probably in forty or fifty, 
And yeah. he's like big. He's like a little. He's a kind of fat, but he's big. He's muscular. He's big, and he's but, like tough. And he's like this old school, like L.A. gangster black. And I keep trying not to say the N word. Yeah, um, yeah. you know what I mean. And and so <laughs> look at this guy in comparison, right? Like <laughs> this is a very different kind of look to yeah. the way the blacks look today. No, they you just know? have. They're, they're just much lower testosterone yeah they don't have any tea and they're they're like skinny they're nerds and you might be right this is why they just kill each other with abandon because they cannot fight they can't fight they can't <laughs> throw I, I was talking to a black dude the other day about this like i was at a bar and this black dude was chatting with and i was chatting with him and we were talking about this really bad neighborhood where there's a lot of shootings happening and this guy was like telling me he's like you know even back in the day there was some gunplay but like you know, you didn't go after like people's daughters and fucking like, even blacks like that. He was saying, like, at least in this area, whatever he was saying that, like, you know, the whole thing about like shooting someone's nine year old and stuff or like shooting at them when they're walking out with their kid. Like and another thing, too, is like you would at least try to fight it out first with your hands before going to gunplay. Now, like these guys rap about it. He's like, oh, you insulted me. So I just shot you. Like that's that's how and, they all, and if you if you actually no decipher more, no what they're saying and you said too that they lack in right so they they're really yeah, they, he talks about like caught somebody they basically ambush them they're not yes. it's not like any kind of it's not like any kind of a yeah like know. some dudes out with his daughter it's actually and, like not mutual combat no no the, the, <laughs> they're, they're obsessed with catching catching yeah on, they catch you when you're when you're sleeping and when you're lacking and, and really, it's really cowardly sneak and sneaky. Yeah, it's sneak yeah. shit, sniper shit. You know, that's, a, that's that shit used to kind of be looked down upon even amongst blacks to do that shit. Like, but well, yeah, dude, I was okay because I was watching this black one hundred guy going off on six nine for being a fake gangster, and he's like, yo. He's like, when you ever get put on, when you ever like actually do this, he was basically saying like, you know, when have you actually ever done crime in the street and when have you actually, he's like, how many fights have you had behind this stuff? He's like, you wave that flag, but I ain't never seen you say, yo, I'll be at this block at this time. You want to, you want trouble with me? Come get me. Like, I've never seen you do that. And he, and 6ix9ine looked at him. He's like, do you think I'm stupid? Like, I'm not going to tell people just to come and kill me. He's like, that's right. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yo, Frank. It's almost like you have to respect the ethics Frankie, of the old. Why, how, how much? Frank. How much money have we raised so far? Um, last last total was about forty two hundred. Woohoo! Wow, thanks everybody. This Amazing, is great. This thanks. Is great. I, I'm gonna. I think you got other people coming on soon. I got uh, I got Robert Robert Rundo coming on in five minutes. So okay. yeah, you got to go in five minutes. I got I, I got to take a piss to drink a lot of coffee. I drink a lot of my libtard Starbucks. So you want me to uh, filibuster? Fil filibuster for for thirty oh, seconds. I don't, I don't even. Okay, all right, hurry up. I don't. I don't even know what. Uh, yeah, Do I don't know. I, I, don't wanna talk, I don't want to talk about rappers anymore. Like I confess that um, I did go down a rabbit hole on this just because it was it was interesting to me, and I kind of I kind of enjoyed being like the Larry Ridgeway for a day and doing the documentarianism of of like the black feuds, and it is. And it is uh, it is interesting how much they've they've sort of degenerated. Much how you know white people have gotten worse, and you can visibly see the degeneration of the white community is very sad. Uh, where it's funny, where white people gotten fat, black people have gotten like skinny. At least black men, black women have always been fat, but black <laughs> black dudes have gotten like thinner. Yeah. Uh, you know they're very they're all like these skinny nerds and stuff. It's very strange. Um, apparently, this Timothy Simpkins kid. He his his family said it was okay what he did because he was bullied because his family was wealthy. 
That's a kid that shot up the school in Texas. You know, I was talking about this yesterday with Fenn, is that when that school shooting happened, um, I don't know if people can relate to this. If they remember when, when shootings used to happen, particularly during, I would say, like the first few years of Trump and stuff like that, uh, I was always worried that, you know, it was going to be like a white person or a crazy white person. And there was going to be like yet another thing that they were going to be able to pin on us or, or try and use against us or something like that. I'm not particularly worried about that anymore. One, because it's it's increasingly rare that one of these mass shooting events is a white person. Um, and also, like, even if it is, even if you get even if there is one, like, it's unlikely that it's going to be anything closely related to anything that we would be pushing. And also, like, it just doesn't really matter because I feel like people just aren't, don't even, it's like, it's like America is such a shit show now that it's like people almost just don't even care. Like, these things come and go so fast. I'm back. So, uh, yeah. So I was saying about, um, if you remember talking about that school shooting yesterday, which is just like going to be forgotten in in another hour or two. um, If you remember, I don't know if you ever had this, like the sort of shooting anxiety you know, because you would, because yes. particularly social media was promoting this idea, and of like which who which political tendency can be blamed for this latest shooting right, atrocity, right. right? And because of that, I had I sometimes would have a bit of anxiety, like oh, is this going to be a white guy? And sometimes you could tell yeah. if it if it was a white guy and such. Um, I, that just doesn't happen anymore. No, to me. it doesn't. Like I I don't I because one, it's increasingly just not white people. No. That are doing it because of the how diverse America really is. I think the census yeah. underestimates how diverse it really is. Oh yeah, and also yeah. it just—I don't feel politically threatened, even if it is a white person that lost their shit anymore. Like I just don't. Oh, who gives a feel fuck, politically? A, I never really how's did. That, how's that anyone's fault? Like I mean, no, I fun. never really did feel actually. But I was always like, this is a narrative I'm going to have to develop, right? right. But now right. we don't have to. Like it's just—it's like. Okay, like, yeah, I'm surprised more people aren't losing their shit in this environment. I mean, it makes no sense. This is a well, country. Now, well, the thing, the thing is that also, like, blacks are going to be, like, just doing this more and more. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, nothing yeah, they don't. Nothing, there's no reason for them not to do it. I mean, we were like talking about how this is like the black golden age and and shit Oh, yeah, like this that. is, this is, the black, it's like the, it's like the world is their oyster right now. All they have yeah. to do. You know, I have one rule, and that's just don't don't cross Jews, and that's they don't really feel any need to do that anyway. So, right, right, all right. Let's see where my where, where my guy is. Let's see if he can still come on. Yeah, but yeah, so, no. That we we were talking the other night about. I'm sure you talked about this on on tedious too. Like uh, the, the the black guy that worked at Tesla, he got 170. Oh, we haven't talked hours. about that yet because I okay, we, yeah. we did. Uh, we can talk about that for a second. We did that on. Um, we didn't do that. We talked about that after we finished Wednesday's tedious, and then uh, I saw that news item. So this black guy <laughs> was a contractor elevator and one of the reasons they're saying that he was able to do this is he wasn't a full-time employee so he didn't sign arbitration agreement because he was a contractor mm-hmm. so he's a contractor at a tesla plant and he won 137 million dollars because he claims that people at the tesla plant were calling him and <laughs> n-word yeah I mean, we're on YouTube, right? I would say. Yeah, no, yeah, this uh, is this uh, is not I, I just will, on will, YouTube. I'm not sure about Odyssey. Dude, so. I try not to uh, abuse 
yeah, uh, Odyssey I'll... with that. But, uh, you know, because I, I don't want to give Odyssey any excuses. I want to stay up on there for as long as I can. So exactly. people are like, why are you bleeping your Odyssey videos? I'm like, God, I'm just not I'm just happy. To... I'm just happy to get my my completely dispassionate right. political perspective out there. Right. Yeah. That's all I, do I want. I don't even feel the need to, to say any racial slurs or anything unless I have Well, it's, to. it's relevant in this case, like, but I don't. Yeah. Like, you know, right. I mean, right. the, whatever, like, yeah, whatever. Anyway, anyway. So he was saying that people were saying that. Right. Yeah. And the hilarious thing is, well, he didn't have any. And he was saying he personally was then suffering like racial abuse and harassment and that like drawings of swastikas right. and cartoons of black people, and nooses All and stuff fake. like that. All of that shit. Never proven fake. in court. Never proven in never, court. The only thing but a got- San Francisco jury found in favor of him anyway. He had no proof of any of his allegations. None of it. The, the people at Tesla, you know, someone else is saying this to me before. It's like, you know, if the lawyers at Tesla can't yeah. win at trial, okay, remember, what Elon chance Musk, does the average white person have? Elon Musk is the richest, if, one of the richest, if not the richest people in the world. Okay. There was a time period last year where he was the richest man in the world. Uh, if his attorneys cannot fend off, like you might not have any personal sympathy for him, which is like whatever. Right. That's that's yeah. whatever, right? But it's like that's not the issue here. If right. his attorneys, the, if the wealthiest man in the world, or one of one of the top five at least, right. cannot his attorney, his legal team cannot fend off this obviously fake and gay, frivolous bullshit, right. totally made up accusations, totally, and not only made up like incredible. Anybody that's worked in a workplace in America knows this is fake. Anybody. Right. Everybody knows it's fake. Exactly. Uh, one thing they did actually prove, one thing that he, they did get corroborating evidence on is that, yes, people did use the N-word, but they were all blacks addressing each other in a friendly way. Right. And that's it. And I'm like, think about this for a second. Think about, so if, if the N-word is uttered on your work premises, theoretically, any black person can then complain and win money from you. But if you have black workers and they're referring to each other that way, you cannot bring them into a room and discipline them and say, listen, you've got to watch. You can't talk like that on my workplace because you'll get in trouble for like interfering with their lives or something like that or, you know, being. So it's just like, (laughs) yeah, it's just. But the other thing is this. It's like, you know, in a way, you know, this is just a total lie and a grift. And I think also some kind of jab, some kind of political, possibly political jab at Elon Musk is going on as well with this. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, well, again, I, think I don't that, feel a need to come to his defense. But, yeah, no, no, this, is, this is bad him. in its, it's own way. It's not about way. him. It's, that, it like, also, it's also mo- like, it also shows the American court system is a anybody. joke. The court system, yes. the, the American legal system is a complete and utter it's joke. An utter joke. It's You're not going to get a fair trial. You're not going to get a fair show. You just I mean, got, you, you have to deal with this polit- politically. Yes, this is $173 million because some black guy claims someone called 137, him. 137, but still, same difference. 137. Sorry. Yeah, no, yes. it's judicial theft. And then you were, you were making a funny point where you were saying, like, well, this, this black guy, he's going to just buy a giant mansion and put an elevator in it and hire another black guy to work in the elevator, and he's going to call him the Edward. He's going to call him Edward. <laughs> and he's probably going to treat him a lot worse. He's gonna call the. Enemy. He's probably gonna be like abusive towards him and stuff. But, He'll be like demean, like demeaning toward. He'll treat him like crap, you know, and like not with like the actual respect he was probably treated with at the Tesla plant. Right. Like also, here's the other funny thing I thought about. Because okay, so what do you need an elevator operator for in like the year 2020, yeah. 2021? You don't need one. There's buttons in the elevator. You press them. You go to the floor. So why is a black person? Because they need they need to hire blacks. 
Right. And they don't want to give them the actual kind of sense because they're working with high tech, super high tech stuff. Right. You can't, you can't have black ships. people. Literally rocket ship. You need literally have, scientists. Like, yeah, or like computerized you know, robot cars and stuff. You can't yeah. have blacks working on that, but you can have them like pressing buttons in an elevator. The, you know, the only place where you might find a, a, a black rocket scientist is at a talent agency that they play rocket scientists in movies. Right, yeah, they play a rocket scientist on TV or like for the, a conservative uh, pundit show. Tough. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, think about it. Like, why do you have an elevator operator? There's no, that's that's a throwback to when you actually had somebody actually had to turn a crank to make the elevator go, and that they would have black people do that back in the day. Why you deserve to be fucking bullwhipped by a Cossack? Oh. What the fuck are you doing? Oh, what is that? Oh, is uh, is that uh, our buddy? What's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't. But Rob has joined the chat here. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Oh. Where'd that come from? I, I don't know. That was just a draw, bro. <laughs> okay, that's good stuff. I like that. I think I said that a while ago. That's Striking Mike 25. Oh, yeah. shit. Fuck. Yo, you there, Rob? I am, I am. I just figured it out. You know what? I was sitting here waiting for a second, and I didn't realize that I had to click the join thing, but now I'm in. Yeah, you're on a fucking live stream with two two New York, New Jersey assholes. So What's good up, man? How's it going? What's going on, man? Yeah, it's like back at home now. The, the whole yeah, family's right? here. Oh, yeah, right. oh my god! <laughs> Yo, I, I read that. I never read that interview of you talking about Queens, like you know, because we kind of grew up in the same place, and uh, it's really amazing because it, it sounded to me. You tell me about that guy interviewing him. You did that guy ask to suck your dick afterwards? Just ask it. Oh my god! <laughs> no, it, you know what? That was actually a very nice article. He sent sent me that. Like, uh, man, I met with that guy. I must have been like. I don't know. It's like right when I got out of jail, I was like 22 or something like this. So it was like a little after I got out. Yeah, I met I met with him. I wanted to actually put together like a little uh, type of story just about Queens, like a, let's say like a revamped Bronx style, except the real story and not loving, you know what I mean? You know, like a, a so real wait, story or something. Yeah. Did this guy give a complimentary interview and now you're just making fun of him? No, no, no. It, okay. <laughs> I, I could tell if he was like he started off hostile. And then he got to know you, and he liked you. Like, do you do you think that's what it was, Rob? Yeah, I mean, well, again, like when I met him, we only talked about Queens, so it wasn't like politics. And th again, this was so many years ago, so it wasn't like uh, I wasn't who I was today. You know what I mean? Put it that way. So he didn't know, you know. But yeah, I mean, I met with him. We, I just wanted to. Uh, I was trying to like put together like some type of story. You know what I mean about like growing up in Queens, etc. So I met with him. Yeah. Uh, spoke to him about that, and then like. Years later, he wrote me and he just sent me that article and he was like, hey, you know, I saw you on the news. Uh, so he's like, uh, what do you say? He said something. He's like, oh, it seems like you're still adding chapters to that book you, you wanted to make or something <laughs> like this. And I was like, ah, yeah, I'm working on it. You know what I mean? I, I was like, the first thing that I did wasn't big enough. You know, I was, I'm trying to really uh, hit the high life. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You know, I, I was just like thinking about that today. Like, you know, the, 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 the area, just the general area where we grew up, like, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I used to resent my parents for making me fucking live there. <laughs> Cause I was like, you know, this is like hell. It's hell. Yeah. Central Queens is hell on earth. And it's not a coincidence that a lot of guys in this thing come from there. Okay. It's not a coincidence that, like within a five mile radius of where I grew up, there are at least like 10 like high profile white nationalists that I know uh, 
that I've met. Yeah, I've, I've even seen, I saw, I, I even saw like not too long ago, I think it was a uh, Patriot Front video, and I saw them do a banner, and I was like, it was it was like near Bell Boulevard. I can't remember what oh overpass it was. And I was like, holy shit, I used to walk down there all the time, and I was like, where were these guys when I was there? You know, like, I mean, guys always, of course, That's- in Queens kind of see things racial, but, yes. you know. It, it's pretty crazy. When I saw that banner, I was like, man, that's, that's crazy. Cause I was like, that, that was like not too far away from me. That's the thing. You know, one thing that I, that I learned recently is that I met, I met a couple of guys and they were doing shit back in the day. And it was like parallel. Like there was another Nazi group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they, <laughs> yeah. And it's just, we just never crossed paths. You know, it's just like, it's just amazing. Like people have to understand that if you grow up in a place like that, like you are, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys listen to this. You've never been the only white person on the bus. You've never been fucking, you, know, you never had MS 13 move next door. Like, yeah. you know, you might have a problem. Oh, my neighbor, they play music really loud or they, they're constantly, their, their, their lawn is overgrown. No, no. Very different world, man. Very different world. But, uh, you know, I hope one day you and me, we can go back to Fontana's, man. I fucking miss. Uh, yeah, yeah, the good yeah. Good you know. The, the good old days, yeah. The good old, yeah. The good old no, days, I, Queens, man, yeah. I, I try to explain to, to people out here in, like, Europe and stuff. Like, you know, I was, I was, like, in one place, and I mean, like, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty freaking white. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they were like telling me like, oh, over here down this one street, there's like, I don't know, a handful of something, you know? And I was just yes. like, man, that, that's like that. I was like, you don't understand how good you have it. Like, you know, like you, you have it so good. It's unbelievable. They you know, and that you're, yeah. You're, yeah. You're not, not, when I was not, in not, Oslo, when I was in yeah. Oslo, <clears throat> I went with those guys, with some, some Norwegian guys. We went to like this area, the city they call like Little Mogadishu. And the thing was, they were like, uh, I, I was like looking around. I was like, "Where's Mogadishu? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, this is fine." Now there was some Somalians and stuff walking around. And the reason they like going there was because you could, uh, you could hang out and drink on the street, and the police wouldn't bother you because the police didn't really go down there. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it was. I was like, "Dude, was you would never in, in a black part in a black part of America. You would never do this as a, as a group, a crew of like ten white guys." Like go stand on a corner and and drink beer and stuff at like four in the morning. You'd never do that. Yeah. Right. You would never. You would never do that in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, like a lot of the the places in Europe that some of my friends, you know, understandable. It's all a matter of degree, right? If you've never seen anything yeah. like that before, no, don't get me wrong. Like I understand but, why they had that reaction. Yeah, but, but yeah. here's the thing: like you know, growing up where I did, and you know, like some of those places they call no go zones are like where I'm from, like middle class neighborhoods. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, go go there. There's a no go zone. They're all Algerians. And I remember when I was in Germany, I had you know I was I was there for a bit, and there was this like Turk. There was like a Turkish guy, and he was like really rude. Okay, he was like rude, but like I remember at the time I was with a girl, and she was like, "Oh, I hate these Turks invading our country. They're fucking scum. All they do is cause problems and stuff." Basically, the, the the most problems this guy was causing is that sometimes he would walk his dog and not clean up after it, and that's what was driving her crazy. <laughs> oh, we got into yeah. a little thing. I mean, this is obviously a fictional story. Yeah. Uh, but there was like a little altercation when I was in Norway. There was actually a white girl with uh with a with a black guy, and so people started like saying shit. Yeah. And she wanted to like step to us, and she wanted him to do oh, something, and he was like grabbing her sleeve, like let's get out of here, let's get out of here, because there was ten of us. Yeah. Right. And so like think about that dynamic. 
Like it's literally the opposite of what you. Yeah. No, nobody was hurt or anything like that. Well, there was no fight, but it was like people. People were mainly making fun of her, and she wanted this. She probably had this idea. Like he's black. She probably watched like American TV. Like these guys are white. He's black. Like he's gonna beat them up, or or, or he's gonna have it. They're gonna be pussies or something. But it wasn't happening. And he was like, "Yeah, no, let's leave. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go." Kept. Like he wanted out of there. Right. And uh, right. now, not to say Europe isn't. Now it should never even be that way, right? Europe right. should not be should not have to suffer this, right? Um, but uh, yeah, it is interesting. But it's going. It is changing. I mean, there are also parts of like London and stuff that are, oh, are just yeah, bad yeah. As and America, I would say like sure. Western. You look at like France and stuff. Like yeah, there, oh, God, I mean, France I is as bad as America time, in yeah. a lot of places too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah. yeah. Definitely, like, no. France on, is like the West, really England, bad. France is pretty rough. I, I could, uh, you know, and see. it's like the most Westernized, the most America like countries are the worst ones, of course, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, because you know what it is? It's not it's not that the non the non-whites are the ones that they kind of they kind of test the waters with the local whites, right? So if the local whites are like fierce, you know, if you go out to the Balkans or Eastern Europe, like the, the local whites they, they see blacks and they laugh at them. Like they, they don't they're not afraid at all. Like also if, those countries are poor, so the, the blacks don't the Africans and the and the Middle Easterners they don't want to move there. They want to go to they want right. to go to Germany but, and England and but France. They're, they're in those they're in those countries too, but it's everybody. Yeah, you, know, you, you see them coming coming like, you know, I, I run into them through through the Europe, you know, seeing them around and stuff like this. But white people aren't also take too, they much act, there, though. black people know like when they're at you know, in a place like Western Europe or the Balkans, that they know that they're let's say not in America and they act much, much different. They're like hyper aware that they are, you know, they can't do the same shit that they do say back in America, England or France or something like this. They act much more different. You don't see them. Even the way they walk with their, their whole swagger and stuff, they're much more toned down. Right. As they're, they're there, which is it's all going to change though. Eventually. I mean, <laughs> if, we don't, well, if things don't change, you know? Yeah. You know, you know what's funny too, Rob, is that I remember there was a Southern guy that came up to New York City once years ago that was a pro-white, and he was like, he was from I think Georgia or Alabama, like an urban area though, and he was telling me that in, he was walking through Queens. For, he was shocked at at like the, the the sheer incoherence of it, but he was also saying he's like, yo, the black people here they're not as confrontational. And I was like, what? He's like, he said that <laughs> black people in the South are more confrontational in certain areas he said than here and he said it's because they don't respect the white people there and i was like hmm that's interesting because i i you know i don't know about you rob but you know even growing up like i had some like i had a few like acquaintances and stuff that were part non-white or that dominicans or uh mulattoes or whatever mm-hmm. and you know you just people kind of figure out a way to get along to a certain degree you know i'll tell you what i it's think like that being is in really- prison I think yeah. I'll tell you what that is, I think, really. I think there's more middle-class blacks in the North. That's possible, too. Because some, that, that some of that yeah. really... Some of that really cruel I think there's stuff, real grimy, like Shannon, real grimy. Shannon, <laughs> Shannon, Shannon Christian, like you know where they where they rape the girl and they fucking pour bleach down her throat. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Alive. Tragic That's story. like West yeah, Africa yeah, yeah. shit. Well, like, you see yeah. that you see that more and kind of more like uh, in the, more in the South to some degree than you do interracially. That is well, it's sort of like I think I think my theory is that like the uh, the, the closer it is to to Africa. You know, like the, the, the not not like geographically, but like culturally and and historically, you know, the closer it is. And and I also think that the fact is, <clears throat> up north you have uh, probably more mixed race blacks, and you have more uh, middle class blacks. I, 
I'm in a piss on your theory. That's fine. And uh, I'm almost done. Let me let me just get the last. I'm just piece. saying they are they are pretty grimy down <laughs> south, though. I will say that. Yeah, you know, but I think it's also, frankly, this is ironic, but I think it's also that the south is more integrated than the north. That I think is true as well. And what I mean by integration is that whites and blacks go to school together in places like Louisiana, Alabama, Georgia. They don't in New York. And if they do, the the whites that do go to those schools, they're fucking feral. So, like, I think there's just a lot of complications here. But, you know, I, it really made me a, a little nostalgic. I, I mean, I, I, Rob, like, you know, in my case, like, I was up in New York City. I've been living outside of New York City, but I was up there. Um, oh, that's good. Finally made the move out. Oh, Smart yeah. Smart move. Fucking everyone has actually everyone I know. Nobody's uh, in New York City. No anymore, one's in New York, and everybody left. I left. Striker left. I, I when I when I went back there, I felt like I you know like there's just a, a an energy that you get like like a like a tingle that just shoots up your spine because you're just surrounded by potential threats, <laughs> and you yeah. and you lose that when you leave the city, and you know I think that on some level. I think on some level, bro, like I, I was reading a story about the Columbos recently, the fucking Columbo crime family. And the the older the like the older wise guys were like fucking like saying like I fucking hate the millennial mobsters because Oh, I, I saw pussies. that. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to read that, but I I was thinking like kids from Whitestone and stuff, like all those Xanaxed out like wannabe White mafia Zone? guys that were there. And I was like, Man, that, that article's like, yeah, that rings true. Oh I man, I remember that. Whitestone. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, those you know. dudes. I were saw fucking, an article about this. They were posters, man. The fucking white so dudes. Some I of them saw were an article connected. about how the mafia can't get good people like today. Yeah, yeah. There's a mafia. <laughs> well, they're all like you know gelling their hair out on Xanax. You know, they're they're like right, not- like they all like all the kids of of gangsters. They they like if they had money and stuff, they they got into like that club lifestyle or like the drug lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, clubbing. I mean, they really would be like to be more like. I mean, what was that, what was that show? Jersey Shore instead of you know, right, trying right, to right. actually run a business. Also, too, you know, I think like I mean, not that I would know, but I, I would think that the, you know to be mafia mob boss actually takes some type of smarts. You know, like accounting, yeah. business. You actually have to do things. It's not like you just wear a suit and you go to the club. So when guys find out that it's not like that, they're probably like, like, what the fuck is this? Like, what do you mean I got to do math? Like, what do you mean I got to, you know, yeah. do all this type of shit? I thought also, it was just clubs, you know? They, they were also making, like, boomer arguments, like, they, they won't get off the fucking phone. They're always texting. <laughs> They're saying yeah. shit like yeah, that. Dude, it's really funny how you see that dichotomy pop up, like, everywhere. Well, but, the, the, uh, what they were saying about uh, the, the new general... crime scene taking selfies or some shit. Exactly. Yeah, they, they, probably, saying, they probably do self-incriminating stupid shit. Like, yes. Like, like the, what the, like it's almost like Facebook. the same problem that the blacks are having. Where like the blacks yes. are now rapping about every murder they do, and like yeah, of course the that cops clout, don't. Man, hey, if it's not if you're not getting the clout, what's it worth, right? Cops right. don't even. The thing is, the cops don't give a shit about about what blacks do anymore. They've they've gotten the message like you can do whatever, so they just publish their rap the murders on Instagram and YouTube and shit. Yeah, but like, yeah. uh, <laughs> doesn't work the same way. But yeah, with whites, I, it's, you're not going to get the same. You're not going to get the same consideration. I, I remember though, Rob, that a lot of like the like the wiggers, like a lot of the kids, like even that came from families that may have been connected or not. Like mm-hmm. they were like wiggers, like they were like in a like big in an urban culture and shit. At the same time, they oh, didn't yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they were oh, just, yeah, that phenomenon exists everywhere. Yeah. Like the the middle class kid that like doesn't like blacks but like listens to rap and talks black. 
Yeah. Well, they they would like do the whole urban like Urban Outfitters fucking uh, yeah. Echo, Echo EC, which is like a Jewish guy uh, that runs that label. But the point is though is that they were saying basically that what 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 hurt these kids, what what what's made them so shitty as mobsters is that they're growing up in the suburbs where they're getting soft. And uh, I find that to be also something that, you know, I can see myself that the, er, the, the suburbanization of, of white people from Philly and Queens and Chicago and shit to like, and Boston to like the suburbs, it does actually create like less loyalty. If, if that's, if that's the term, like, you know, like you're less loyal to the people around you, you're more likely to be a snitch. You're more likely to be alienated and isolated or feel isolated and, uh, you know, you kind of just grow softer, you know, what do you think? They're neutered people politically too, not just, yeah. not just in terms of all these, not just culturally, but like culturally it makes you just dependent on the TV. Uh, politically it makes you unable to form networks and groups and so in terms of solidarity, it's just not there because you just right. don't give a shit. You're like, I want I don't care about my yard and my garden and like, you know, I don't give well, a shit. Then yeah. Well, that, yeah. That's something, too, I even think, like, I mean, you guys were talking about the rap earlier and stuff. I mean, not to go back to that, but, I mean, I've had this conversation before, like, with uh, other people and stuff about it. I mean, like, you think of, like, rap, how it was in, like, the 90s. You know, it was about me and my crew, my neighborhood. You know, you touch one of my friends. It's a problem. Today, the rappers are just, like, no new friends. Uh, you know, my money, my cars, fuck everybody else. So it creates this real individualistic um outlook on life and i mean I, that's obviously heavily pushed on purpose and stuff like that and that's oh, like yeah. yeah why i think that that's like another whole thing it's like no longer about the crew or the neighborhood or you're like your friends and stuff actually now it's like the total opposite it's like don't have friends just chase girls just get a gold chain and don't worry about any like don't focus on anything else and that just helps make it you know even uh you know promotes that individualistic ide ideology and narcissism, like, it promotes cruelty. Like, the oh, idea yeah. of, of, like, filming a rap album on the graves of the people you killed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that shit. That's, that's like, that's like, when I see that, I'm like, there's really, you know, my thing is, like, it's like, hey, libtards, if you had some goal of, like, fixing the black community, like, you just, you got to rethink your strategy because right. whatever you're doing is failing very, very bad. Very, very. Yeah, they're, they're fact, actually you know like, what it is. Morally I mean, regressive, like that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're more. They're physically and morally. We all are, honestly, all of us. Yes, all, everybody all is, and the only people, frankly, prescription for is authoritarianism. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't like to frame arguments in terms of what's better for blacks, but blacks are better under an authoritarian white government. Like, they just were. They're better off. I'm sorry. Like, go ahead and call me racist. I mean, get mad about it, but it's true. Uh, and white people are better too. So, like, you yeah. know, people could make the decision for yourself. Like, do you like neoliberal hell or or not? Like, I, it, nobody really likes it. Right. But so people are sometimes afraid to let go of of the little things it offers, uh, not understanding or not being able to contemplate the bigger things that like a better a better system would offer or better yeah. a better whole culture and society yeah. would offer. Rob, do you miss pizza? <laughs> I do, I do. Actually, what I see out out here, people put very strange things. I see ketchup on the pizza, no oh, sauce on it, all these that. all these crazy things. And then when I was in California, they put ranch on pizza, which is you know, I mean, what yeah, kind of thing is this? That is spreading oh, even to where like, I am, dude. Yeah, it, that's oh. even spreading to where I am. And and you know, I'm not that far from New York where I live now. I'm not I'm not there anymore, but I'm not that far. Like, it's still, you can get like decent New York style pizza. But they, everybody gets this chicken bacon ranch pie. 
And I'm like, yeah, no thanks. If I wanted a chicken bacon rinse, I just get a sandwich. Like that's sandwich, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty much what it's became. Now it's just like a pizza yeah. is the open face sandwich. You know, just throw yeah. as much shit as you can on there. You know, yeah. fill it up as much as possible. You just serve it up like that. Good fucking god, yeah. But anyway, man, you know, I, I was just thinking today. I was laughing to myself about the time I was coming home at like three in the morning on the seven train, and on the very in the very last car. There was like a little Mexican guy getting a blowjob from a transsexual. Oh my god! Like that—that's kind of shit. <laughs> that's why, like in my case, like nothing shocks me. I can be very dispassionate in talking about the things that are happening in our society. <laughs> Is that I have seen it all. Rob's seen it all. Mike has seen a lot of it. Fucking. So just like, as you told that story, boys, yeah. I put the text message in the chat. My family does that. Now he was talking about ranch on pizza, oh. but he came into the message box at the same time. That you were telling that story. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I just died. Is. I just died laughing. Anyway, actually, I don't know. I mean, yeah, but the, the thing <laughs> is, man, is that I, I think I think the, the last thing I know I know Rob has to go soon, but the last thing I, I gotta think, go soon too. Okay, yeah, I'll, well, I'm bringing Warren on in a minute, but yeah, the I'll last thing that. I'll say though, Rob, is I think that the reason us three, the reason that we're like we fight so hard, is because like we've seen what the future is 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 going to be like. Oh, yeah. I mean, New York City is the future. I mean, I've said that before, like out here and stuff to people. I was like, you know, like if they can, they would turn the whole world into Queens. It would just be one big one big metropolis just like that, where, you know, somebody dies on the train tracks. You step over them. You keep moving. You shuttle on your way to your Zogbok job, you know, and that's it. You know, you do your grub hub and and that's that's life, you know. Right. Right. You live in a tiny apartment. Don't have many yeah. friends. Your entertainment is provided through the screen, and you just, you know, yeah, it's I sad know. reality. Yo, remember? Yeah. Do you remember the the flushing pimp? Do you remember <laughs> the, the flushing pimp? You remember that uh, guy? With dude, that guy wait, he used like to just pimp? walk around. He was like a home, like a guy who would dress up, and he was walking around the neighborhood. I think something like this, <laughs> if I'm correct. Is that what that is? Right? I haven't yeah, heard I that heard term in a really long I time. Some, I, I, I think that's like what a, that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like a a, a fixture. The yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember. I remember seeing him on on Main Street and stuff like this. He, yeah, quite, quite, quite the guy. Yeah, uh, see, but that, that's the one thing I I do kind of miss about New York is that there are a shit ton of characters, man. And, and it's not because they're individ like like interesting individuals. It's because they're just mentally ill. <laughs> yeah, they're just mentally yeah. just crazy people. They just get to friends. Well, I mean, and, that's, and that's like, like half of New York is like yeah. Uh, Oh, people. I yeah, well, the question place. is, if, you, if in New York, it's like, are you a functional schizophrenic or a non-functional schizophrenic? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And if you're not, and if you're not a schizophrenic, you why, you, why are you living in New York? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're not, then you eventually you're just working on getting out. Oh yeah, and it's a shame too, you know, because New York could be a really wonderful place. It's just that all the white people have left. You know that that's actually what makes it shitty. There's nothing about cities. This is something else. I don't know what your opinion on this is, Rob, but a lot of guys in this thing they get down on cities as a thing, like living in a city. And yeah, I get- there's yeah, everyone like you know the the I, I mean I, I'm not for that whole like you know get the house out in the middle of the woods. You just no, live by man. yourself, zero connection no, to anybody. No, that's a very- I think it's, yeah, there's nothing wrong with city. I, hey, shoot. Go to like some places in in Europe and stuff that are pretty like ma- like high majority white cities. It's a functioning city. It's a great time. You have things there. It's yeah, it's uh, safe. It's a, nice. It's clean. Yeah, I, the I, people are people are po- polite to each other. Like yeah, and there's also I mean, more stuff going on. You have tons of stuff to exactly. You have stuff to do. I mean, if you, like the and the other thing too is like you know you oh. move out into the middle the of the woods. Is this and stuff. Video? Oh, go, go ahead, Rob. 
Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, you move out into the woods and stuff, like, that's good for you. And then your kids grow up and all that, like, majority of the time, like, I, I've always came across, like, the biggest liberals or the biggest, like, left-wingers are those that were, like, the most isolated growing up because they never yeah. experienced to see things through the TV. And they're like, oh, I want some type of excitement, even if it's not that they're, like, really just the leftists, but they come to these places because they're, they're, like they, – yeah. You know, if you're like hiding your kids in the middle of the woods somewhere, I don't know. I don't think it's 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 uh, the greatest tactic. I, I see a lot of people always like push the you know the, the cabin in the woods and the trad and wife, right. and it's like, man, I'm, it, that's not for me. But then again, I push back on that you know? as much as it's, I can. It, it's I'm not like, no, it's a preference. It's a preference. It is, I no, it's my preference, preference is to live in a city. Other people yeah. prefer to. Well, live I think out the country. most important thing is p- people want to make. A lot of times, what happens in this thing is people start. Going when particularly when people are, are black pill and demoralized about stuff, it starts going into like a life advice type thing. Like people stop talking about politics and they start talking about life advice, and it's all just like different escape strategies. Well, and it's like yeah. let me let me entirely... get some life advice from Pepe Frog fourteen eighty eight. Well, I, I, yeah, I understand, <laughs> I understand, but I'm trying to make a point here. Okay, so go, go. so then like what that becomes then is like just a bunch of different people kind of swapping ideas, and ultimately that kind of stuff. A lot of it comes down to like I just prefer this, so I'm going to say that this is like the answer to to the problems, right? right? When it's just you just like that better. But I would say the most important thing. One, we don't. We it would be great to have both an urban and a rural life in America. That yes, yes. both white people could enjoy both. Both and can be wonderful. You want you want people to be able to enjoy both, whichever they prefer. But the most important thing is actually building a white community. Like if you yeah. don't do that, you could move wherever you want, and it won't matter. You'll still be isolated. If you if you do build that, then you could also live. You know, obviously, if you live in the woods, you're totally cut off. But you could live in a less populous area. Right. But the point is to build a community of people around you. That's which is what we're trying to do, and that's the most. That's the most important thing. Wherever you live, that well, is. Think the most about important. think about if like a hundred WNs move to the same city, even like the same few blocks in a city, and they just click get, up. They send their kids at the same. They they send their kids at the same school, and they click up, and they go to the school board meetings, and they start t- kicking right. ass and taking names. Fucking yeah. getting their will imposed I mean, like that. You you yeah. see that in in some places like in Italy and stuff. Uh, I forget that the in Rome there's like a little like suburb Otessa, I think it's called something like this. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but I mean, you know they 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 make like there you could go through like certain parts of Europe and there's like uh there's still like not not like a huge city but small little areas where kind of is very well known for being super nationalistic and they have like you know a lot of guys move there that are within the scene and stuff like this and create these little small uh enclaves you know within them and stuff and uh, yeah it's yeah, yeah like if you if you go to Athens community. if you go to Athens there's the nationalist neighborhood and the and the anarchist exarchia is the anarchist yes, one I have been to exarchia Oh you know, shit I have <laughs> yeah. been there what yeah, a fucking get, place yeah, yeah that shit is really wild you know actually that's what I'd say Queens is really, you know, it's 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 a rough place. But I, yeah. I got to be honest, man. Athens, Greece is, you know, not not to to put down any of my guys from Greece, but man, that place is a fucking nightmare oh, there. Man. Really, Athens, Greece has turned into such a nightmare. It's it's unbelievable. It's really sad to see because you go outside of Athens, it's it's a beautiful country. Beautiful. But Athens is unbelievable. Like really, like dudes just shooting dope in the street, passed out, like on street corners, uh, migrants roaming. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's, it's actually pretty, and then the graffiti too, it's like, it's nuts, like, there'll be like a, um, a dude, like, passed out with like a fucking needle in his arm, and then like, right above it, it's like, 
no borders are sexist. You know, I so I made like that little video and I showed like some of the graffiti around. It's really Athens is is unbelievable. I couldn't believe it, and I and I, I happen to be and right it breaks on the my heart. It breaks my heart to see because that's where all the, this there's all this history there. I mean. Yeah, I you think know, they did that on purpose to set up like the Antifa capital in Exarchia. Because you ask like anyone in, in Europe, you're like, oh, where where's like if you were to say like the the capital of Antifa, most people say Exarchia, Greece, you know, Athens, you know, like Exarchia that is and uh, the neighborhood in Berlin. What is it? Um, uh, Kreuzberg, places like mm. that. You yeah. know, but the thing is, like every every European city. Even Paris has the nationalist neighborhood where the nationalist youth hang out and the yeah. anarchist youth, and then there's like brawls or whatever. But what's yeah. unique about America is that in cities you don't have that. You just no. have well, it's such a big country too. That's that's you know, that's the thing. It's it's a huge country, you know. Like right. ours, you know, so that that's what makes it kind of hard because these guys are able to make move it around. We were you talking know. about how um like the state of Pennsylvania geographically is like roughly the same size as Germany. Yeah. But Germany had like five times many people in it and right. like more cities and, and stuff like that. And so it's like, you know, and I love Pennsylvania, but it's like, you know, it's just, it's, it's like, imagine how much easier some of this would be if we had a, a smaller, um, more populated country. Oh my God. Yeah. It would think this, cause you could drive across Germany in less than a day. Mm-hmm. Right, like here, you get to get the other side of the country. You're driving, it takes a week, and flying, it, it's either it's either a day, and it's really expensive, and then you have to deal with the freaking TSA. You have to yes. deal with like security at the airport, which our guys have a problem with increasingly. So, right. so it's like they really, it's if you want to interrupt, if you want to prevent organizing from happening in America, when you take over the cities, which is where it would happen, yes. and then the rest of the country, it's just hard to organize because it's so spread out among other among other social factors. So we have yeah, a lot of problems bad. that things like the NSDAP and stuff didn't didn't have. Like, they actually had a lot of advantage, a ton of advantages. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, That's um, totally you know, true. Yeah. I mean, even, even in, like, it's also, like, just having your face rubbed in it is going to make you change your perspective on things. Because a lot of people treat what's happening to our country as out of sight, out of mind, right? And that's the the issue they're dealing with now is that it's increasingly hard to ignore the problems of the country, right? So in a sense, like, you know, again, like I'll tell you, like growing up in Queens, fucking every white dude there says the N-word, okay? Every white person, every white man, every white Gentile in Queen, that lives in Queens grows up there says the n-word and not with not and with the hard r by the way <laughs> sometimes also with the soft a soft you know? r yeah sometimes it goes back and forth sometimes they're used interchangeably you know yeah. they go in the same sentence you could use both of them yes exactly but like even like the the, the fucking guy in the do-rag is is like racist okay that's just how it is that's why it's so ridiculous when like antifa is like how could you grow up in queens and and have these beliefs i'm like how can you grow up there and not have them yeah, no, like, no. Somebody, yeah. somebody said that to me one time about like you grew up in such a diverse area and you used to like listen to rap when you were a kid. How can you have these views? I'm like, that's why I have them. Right. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> like, what are you talking so, about? Like, that's yeah, why. If you're not exposed to, yeah, of course. If, you, if you're not exposed to it, you wouldn't be so so woke on it. Right. Right. And and so yeah. So anyway, you guys got to go. I'm waiting on Warren, so I'm gonna wait uh, another fifteen to twenty minutes. Oh, he's late, of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wanted to uh to, to also say too, the NJP doc 
should be coming out this weekend, Sunday, Sweet. something like this. It's just about in the final thing, so I, I look forward to uh, it looks when we great. all get this I, out. I loved it. I, I watched that. a preview of it, it so and good. it is like top-tier filmmaking. So I can't wait for it to come out. I think it's going to be a game-changer for us. You guys did a great job. Uh, I know we want to work with you guys again on that, and also, you know, obviously, you know, uh, you guys have done some of the merch for us, uh, and that's great too. Yeah, uh, I mean, do you want to? Yeah, yeah, we stuff? plan to do more in the future. Now that the site's down and stuff, but uh, yeah, we plan to do more in the future. And yeah, now like you know, I first wanted to start that media to rise thing a while back, but now I have like a really good team going on with it and stuff. When you know, look forward to keep putting out some more of these. You know. Yeah, Make and, our and, own we're, news. and we're fighting them in a smart way. Like, you know, I, I, you, you, me, other guys, like we understand the power of media and, you know, like it's not just all just like pickets and protests. You need to tell the story as well. And that's something that I find that is we, we lack in, we lack in on that. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we need the, the way you fight the Jewish media is with true media. And uh, I think we're, we're doing a good job. You, you have your talents. I have mine. Uh, everyone's got their own thing that they're doing. But we need actually more of that kind of stuff in this movement, more of that constructive. Um, yeah, creativity and stuff. I mean, it's, it's getting there. I mean, I, you know, like the, the guys who um, came on board, the guy Luca, you have a guy Mason stuff. I mean, it, and, and I'm starting to see just a lot of um, – a lot of new stuff coming out with within our, our scene and stuff. Guys getting really uh, more creative with it, putting out really good content and stuff like this. I mean, with the NJP, with what you guys have been doing. I mean, you guys have been doing this for a while and stuff. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty good. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, no, we're we're making inroads because if we weren't, they wouldn't be so spooked, right? Like, yeah, I mean, we're making inroads, and and here's the best part: we're doing it right by right right through, right by the book, like not breaking the law, not fucking doing anything. So at this point, like they're just going to have to start like putting people in jail for writing articles and shit because they they can't really defeat us intellectually. And also by locking out all white men from all media and art and culture, you're creating a disgruntled class of people that are just going to do it politically. And, yeah, and have that's, to look elsewhere eventually, you know, like okay. if you kick them off all platform, you know, mainstream platforms. Yeah, they're, they're going to be forced to go look elsewhere. Well, if if you're if you're a white man, you want to you want to be like a, mo- a filmmaker or like you want to be a, a fucking journalist or something like you either have to be really connected, like your parents need to own the media company or you need to like know the right Jew or something. But if you're then not, you have to be a total cuck. Yeah. And you have yes. to have the, the most. That's got to be on the resume. Fucking, yes. You have to have the most advanced. Fuck it. And this is increasingly true, by the way, for conservative media. It's not just Vice. It's not just a BuzzFeed. It's also increasingly like if you want to be a paleo conservative, a paleo conservative, you have to be Rod Dreher talking about the was a primordial black penis or whatever the fuck he was saying. Oh my god! You have to be that dude. You have to be that loser. You have so, to be that ridiculous and retarded. Like, yeah. show, like Rob, show me, name me one single white man engaged in culture that looks like he has any testosterone in his body. A guy, a filmmaker, a fucking journalist, an academic. Show me one under forty. Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's really not. And yeah, I mean, everything that comes out today is just super bland, or it's just like. I mean, these journalists, like when I see them write articles most of the time about like there was something that, that was written not too long ago, Vice did, like, you know, on, on the Meet It's Rise, et cetera. I mean, all this stuff is just pretty much like just a copy and repaste of like some a couple Twitter points that they just slapped together. I mean, it's so sloppy, everything they put out. 
it's it's really bland. It's all just a repeat of, of what they do, you know. They oversaturated oh, yeah. too, so it has no impact. Like I didn't even know that they that Vice did a hit on you because I just didn't even see it. Yeah, and, well, and they over. Yeah, exactly. Oversaturated. Like, nobody power, cares they, anymore. Like it's no like, one cares. Oh, yeah, no. Just, we don't. Like, we don't respond to it. First of all, it's all shit that that people have responded time, to five years. I don't ago. even know that it's there. Right. Cause I'm just like I'm not paying. I'm legitimately yeah. just not looking at their shit because it's no one is, and and it's because these people make like fifty dollars an article to write this stuff, which is why it's all generic and fucking just copy and paste. Yeah, just copy and paste. It's literally copy and paste. I saw like that 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 re- you know just as an example that recent one and stuff. I mean, there was like four other news sources that used it, and they pretty much just all quote each other on it too, as if as if one of them is like the actual source too, which is another thing that they love to do is like you know. Yeah. They, Oh, yeah. They'll quote this guy as if he was like the fucking I don't know the guy who was there physically saw it, but you know none of these guys. That's the other thing too is you like yeah, quote really the wanna, other journalist. It's yeah, like, quote yeah. the other journalist. He's the expert. Yeah, like as if he was yeah. he fucking actually did an interview or something like this. You oh, know, but, I, I love I love all these extremism experts, which is like basically a person that says, "Hi, I'm an extremism expert." Well, that's pretty much is a guy who spends a lot of time watching people's Instagram or Twitter. Yeah, I mean, those telling cat guys. I mean, you look at. Look at the Bellingcat guys. Look at that fucking uh, that oh. guy Colbron. That guy sits in his house all day long. You know, he's he's smashing down soy lattes. He's eating chips. You know, and he's just on Instagram. And he's an expert. That's how he's an expert. He sits there, listens to streams, and he just sits there. He's he's never Bellingcat. left his apartment. You know, I, I love I love also when these people in the in the media, these losers writing crap in the media. That they 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 refer to what they're doing as like SIGINT in all capital letters, like signal intelligence and OSINT. Opens oh yeah. Intelligence. You mean you mean looking at the internet? Oh, is that what yeah. SIGINT means? Looking at the internet. Well, exactly. Bellingcat. But first of all, you Bellingcat. Mean I'm pretty doing. sure that Bellingcat has some other shady connections. Like I think they're used to launder certain intelligence. But on top yeah. of that, um, like there's certain CIA shit that they are like putting out there. They're pretending they found it themselves, but mm-hmm. um. They the made CIA the, joke, well, they man. do. No, they I know. But Bellingcat that was, goes that was all levels, first, high level, low level. They, yeah, a lot of stuff that they do, like their innovation was like they, we just do strictly online invest. Like they, they make it a point to not do anything not online. So it's yeah. like literally, you have to just be at your computer. You don't do any real world research. It's only yeah. stuff you get online. Uh, and objectively, uh, of course, objectively, as a journalist, I guarantee you, I have more real sources. Than any of these people do. Yeah, like think about it. If you're only doing on, you can't even cultivate a source. No, you can't even try and find somebody in the know on something. You have everything is based on like posts. And like I remember they did a story. You remember we were talking about that girl, uh, that Riley June what, what Williams or whatever her name is. They said they were accusing her of stealing Pelosi's laptop. And they did. Uh, so she had done some some video where she was making fun of Wignats, and she put on like a uh, you know like a black sun cap and was doing like hitler suits but she was making fun of people that were doing that right and um now they they've totally misinterpreted that of course but they were doing stuff like because she had a mask on in the video and some people were saying oh that's not really her so they literally had this dude like the hairbrush on her dresser behind her is the same as the hairbrush and like this other video. oh yeah they love to do that like, yeah yeah like, and then they call, it, they call it they call it ascent dude. like they, they use like, yeah, like, yeah. like intelligence terms like ascent and I'm like bro, bro like, sometimes what, I what sometimes I'll do that sometimes I'll do that in my art like if I find some shit on the internet like I'll do that too like I'll put ascent but it's like basically making fun of them for doing that that's why 
but it's also like what's the upshot of, of what you're yeah. doing? Like, so who cares if this girl made that video? Like, what? Like, you think that's a story? Right. Yeah. You know well, what they, I mean? They'll and, go about it though. They use they treat it all as a story. And and yeah. uh, striker, you should you should put on those articles like you know I found this due to hard you know ascent intelligence. You know I my my ascent sources got me this or whatever yeah, the fuck I was they doing call it. like like long hours of OSINT research. Yeah. Yeah. yeah OSINT. Yeah. yeah thing yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. Fucking a. Anyway, Warren, I think is ready to come on. All right, so guys. If you guys need to bow out. Thanks for coming yeah, I'm gonna, on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here. Thanks I don't want to burn myself Michael out. Here, Michael Painovich. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, Warren, if you're listening to this, come on, friend. Well, Rob, pimp your site real quick. Oh, pimp your shit. Where you go. Oh, he already got, all right, here. We'll go to will2rise.com. Or is it media2rise.com? Media, media he's, on, he's on Telegram, too. A lot of people know. Uh, okay. it, yeah. Okay. So. All right, I'm yes. out. Go to my site. Oh, the right stuff. Biz. <laughs> and nationaljusticeparty.com. Anyway, all right. I'll see you guys later. And uh, good luck. Good luck. Donations look really good so far. I'm oh, really man. proud of everybody. Keep them coming in. Oh, guys. It's a good cause. Oh, and really, thanks everybody for doing this. You guys are all great. And our, our buddy is going to be absolutely beside himself. He's going to be so thrilled. So thanks a lot. Well, this is the thing, like the thing. The thing about being a nationalist is that you have to, first of all, you have to strengthen your crew. Okay, right. and the way you do it is by just looking out for people too. You know, like this yeah. is you have to be completely well as selfless as you can be. Yeah, and uh, you know, and everyone is pulling together. So I'm glad everyone is is helping out with this good cause. There's a lot of times you know negativity. You can go, Mike, if you want. I'll just yeah. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bounce, but I'll talk to you. I'll, I'll talk to everybody locate, tomorrow. Locate we'll hear me tomorrow. See you guys later. All right, yeah, you're just gonna pontificate for a bit. All right, yes, I yeah. will see everybody later. Keep the donations coming in. Thanks a lot. Yeah. So what what I was saying before is that it's it's important to do this because one, listen, there's a lot of of uh, nastiness going around. People on the internet are assholes to each other, including comrades. Uh, in, at least people fighting for the same cause. So fucking, you know, just just even any excuse to get together and everyone pulling together for something that's an unambiguously good cause, you know. You know, like the 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 cost of of healthcare in this country, like you can't just take into the consideration the uh, hospital bills or whatever. It's also like you know, a lot of people like this guy was telling me this. Like a lot of people that move close to the cancer clinic that specializes in this uh, pediatric cancer, um, they go bankrupt just because they have to quit their jobs and move. Okay, now you would think that there would be some money on the side. You know, one thing that frustrates me is I was reading today. Uh, it's a Barry Weiss article. So keep that in mind, but this was objectively good journalism, uh, writing about the amount of, of thought and money and time and energy and grants that go into, uh, transgendered surgeries. So there was one instance, and this is pretty gross. <clears throat> there was one instance where like these, Doctors got together to figure out a way to make a neo-vagina smell like a real vagina, okay? And trigger warning, trigger warning coming. The way they do it is by cutting out pieces of stomach of the person's stomach lining and then lining their fake vagina with stomach lining, which gives off a disgusting odor. And that's how they actually get uh, the neo-vaginas done. So what I was thinking about today is – there's all these pediatric cancers that 
you know, they get some money, they get some grants, this is for sure. But why would you waste any amount of time or effort or money on this other bullshit? Why would you do that other than pure just a hatred of humanity? Okay, th- th- that's the one thing that really fucking makes me mad about this stuff is that, you know, of all the things that still ail people, you know, tri- pediatric cancers, Alzheimer's, um, Lou Gehrig's disease, the fucking most horrible shit out there. And yet you'll get things like HIV research and stuff like that. Okay, what the fuck? Okay, uh, Warren is just getting into Skype. He has, he has an issue with his laptop. So anyway. The point I'm getting at here is that choices of any kind, there's no such thing as a choice that has no downside. And the choice of, of investing so much money into HIV stuff and to um, transgender shit in the, in the medical field and research, the, the, um, the consequences of that is that there are tons of other ailments that, serious ones with very sympathetic victims that don't actually get the attention they deserve or the money or the research they deserve so (laughs) anyway uh frank what's the update on the donations um i think we've lost count Uh, oh shit it's a good problem yeah i'd say it's over five not right now (laughs) easily over that's amazing that's amazing because you know but behind the scenes we collected a little money for our guy um but the fact that the public is reaching out like this is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you about this guy. I'm not going to say much because, of course, of course, you know, we had this situation before where another guy that has a baby with cancer, this guy's son, but th- this other guy's daughter is a baby, um, put out a give, send, go, and we, the community responded 5K in a day for him. And someone mass reported it. Mass reported said it was a fake thing. He has to now go. He has to get hospital records. He has to send it to Gibson Go. He has to do all this bullshit. And he's also was getting threats that someone was going to dox him. And of course, if you dox someone whose child has cancer, they're going to get fired and they're going to lose their insurance. And then that's another problem. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we we can't even that this this system these people are such evil scum, such evil low life scum, such subhumans, such people that. I cannot say anymore because I don't want to say anymore. These people are so petty that they're willing to go after someone whose child is sick. Not political, not not anything. This is something that you 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 think that everyone could just put aside politics for a second and deal with this, but no. These monsters fucking mass reported the anarchists, and you know what? I think it was anarchist, but you know, it could have also been some spurg with some uh, personal issue with us or something. It could have been any myriad of subhuman, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that they would do this is like, uh, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty. Just I can't believe it's it's a new low. Okay, it's a new low. That's what I mean. Like, it's not just that black people like rapping, like dancing on someone's grave in a, in a rap video. Like, that's not. It's not just them. Other people in America are also losing their minds and becoming scum. They're becoming callous scum. And so, you know, the, the way we can fight against these subhumans is just by being human yeah. and doing positive things. You know, that's the fucking thing that I feel very strongly about and other guys feel very strongly about. But anyway, what were you saying, Frank? 
Um, I, I was just gonna say it's a whole nother level, but oh, Warren has joined us. I see him in the oh, chat here. Oh, is that you, Warren? He's still Ren. muted. Maybe he's got some issues. Right. There he comes. It's MC Ren. <laughs> Don't ever fuck with a name Ren. You fuck with him, you fucking with his Mac Ten. <laughs> Captain Ahab, are you with us? Can you? Uh, I am. I'm on shitty inter uh, West Virginia internet right now, so I don't know how good this call is going to be. Normally during the day, it's fine, but in the evening sometimes good, it's a little crappy. You sound good. You sound good. Yeah, so before, we were talking about Sam Francis. You remember him? Uh, he's cutting out, unfortunately. Yeah, I do. Oh, okay, you're there. Uh, he's a national socialist, isn't he? I mean, more or less, yeah. I, I met the man twice. Uh, he was friends of, uh, very, very close friends of an old friend of my dad's. And uh, on the two occasions that I met him were both at meetings where there were a lot of national socialists where he was talking about that kind of thing. He sat with us. Uh, the one time it was at dinner where I had the chance to kind of pull my chair away and just really talk with him for a while. I didn't know at the time that he was such like a legend with, with certain circles. He just seemed like a really nice man and uh, it was interesting. He, he was a real gentleman and uh, it was interesting to me that he was a professional writer because at the time this was probably 1999 or 2000, maybe 2001. It was something that I was thinking like, wow, that'd be great. Uh, what a great thing to be, you know, a guy who, who does this for a living. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, I remember asking him about, I thought you would find this interesting, Stryker. I, I asked him about how hard it is to make it in that career line. And he said, basically, if you want to be taken seriously, now again, this is before the internet really was like a thing. I mean, it existed, but it wasn't like everybody wasn't on the internet. He said that you basically have to spend 30 years writing stuff that you don't agree with and believe in so that you can eventually establish yourself to the point where you can start saying things that you do believe in, actually. And uh, I know that sounds kind of cowardly, but it, it, was, it was really, it wasn't the in the context way. of the way he said it. It was, it was good. Yeah. yeah, we were having a good conversation just well, about, you know, he, about he things. Was, and, yeah. yeah, he was the one that wrote Pat Buchanan's 1992 culture war speech. He wrote it. And he actually, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you know, Warren, a, a lot of people out there uh, laugh at me when I say that Trump ran as a pseudo national socialist in 2016. And the, the, the now with this information that I've uncovered recently, I, I'm not uniquely uncovered. I've just been reading Sam Francis. I never found him that interesting, but I've just been reading him recently and and about him. And essentially what happened is in 1992, he was. Pat Buchanan's campaign advisor, he told Pat Buchanan to run as America first, to call himself a nationalist instead of a conservative, to reject certain elements of the Christian right, like, you know, their focus on certain issues. He said, no, focus on immigration. Make the campaign about immigration. Reach the middle American radical. He was using the sociology of Donald Warren um, and that we've talked about earlier. And basically what, he's, what, what he was saying is that, you know, run on economic populism, so left-wing economics, 
and racial conservatism, which is just like, okay, he, he, he was talking about when – he, when, he, when he says racial conservatism and when he says middle American radical, he's talking about all those Irishmen that were fighting school busing in Boston, um, talking about the people in California that were fighting integration. At, at, in the 70s and 80s, he was talking about uh, you know situations like that, and also even also free trade. So Pat Buchanan's thing was immigration and free trade, opposing NAFTA and opposing mass immigration. And also, if if you actually look at the culture war speech that Pat Buchanan gave, it was completely different from Reagan conservatism. It was a dark speech. It was that. America is dead. America is over. And you saw all of these themes exactly in Trump's campaign. Okay. Trump essentially yeah. stole the San Francis theory and took it upon himself. And because of different thing, different transformations in how information works, he was able to get elected. Pappy Cannon was contained to the margins. But I mean, even even the yeah. idea, even I, the idea. I mean, this is something I was reading about. Even the idea of using white nationalists to to seed your grassroots campaign, which is what Pappy Cannon, you'll know better than anyone. Um, Trump did that too. So Trump essentially followed the playbook of an American national socialist to get elected to power. Very recently, five years ago, he did, and uh, it's funny because. I just actually was talking to a guy who, uh, I, I won't mention his name, but uh, has been a guy that's been active in our circles for many, many years, and who also, like me, cut his teeth in the politically in the 2000 Buchanan campaign that I didn't realize that he was there with me at Long Beach at the time, and it, was, it came as a great uh, surprise to both of us, and we were both really laughing about it. But yeah, I was talking to him about, about it just this past weekend, that uh, Buchanan, yeah, it was it was trade protectionism, it was immigration, and at least in 2000, it was also, uh, you know, reducing America's the empire, you know, the empire thing, isolationism, or, 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 or uh, whatever you want to describe it as, uh, you know, um, non-interventionism, I guess was right. the term that was used back then. But, uh, you know, the one thing that now that Buchanan, to his credit, was was much better on than Trump was Buchanan was always very critical of Israel but yes. with that with the exception of that uh, you know it was essentially Buchanan's uh, platform at least from 2000 because you know in 1992 I was only 10 years old but in two th but you're absolutely right about the speech that he gave then that one where he talked about you know he, 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 he there's this part in his speech in, in 1992 where Buchanan talked about uh, how the, the the riots that were going on in um, Los Angeles, I guess, the blacks were rioting and burning down the city. Yes, and he, he has this long like they they came up against the only thing that 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 they that is matches that, which is and he described how like the the police or the national guard came went like house to house with M16s, and he's he's saying. They came up with force backed by justice. <laughs> All this, you know, he's talking about like yeah. stormtroopers. And, and think about putting, also Pat Buchanan's emphasis on defending Confederate monuments and even the Confederate flag as America's heritage. Yes. Trump was trying to do that too. Trump was, was deliberately trying to do that. He's like, this is America's heritage. Of course, that's a dog whistle if you want to call it that. These are all 100% ideas that Sam Francis 
brought to Pat Buchanan that Pat Buchanan used for his insurrection campaign in the GOP. Uh, and Trump literally just plagiarized. I'll tell you guys this also. I, I don't feel like this is betraying his confidence to say this. Sam Francis told me something because I, I was, this must have been 2001 or 2002 when I was talking to Sam Francis because at the time I was very burned out on Pat Buchanan. I felt that he, I mean, this is old internal Reform Party politics that nobody remembers or cares about now, but I felt at the time that he, he got hold of the federal matching funds that was $12.5 million of federal matching funds that were entitled to the Reform Party based on Perot's past perform, performance. And then he essentially squandered it, squandered the opportunity. Uh, there was a lot of rumors at the time that Buchanan's sister Bay sort of just distributed the money amongst her cronies. And I was very bitter at the time uh, towards Pat Buchanan because I, because he had made a kind of a promise to build a nationalist third party out of the Reform Party. And right. then he... he, he basically reneged on it. But again, that's water under the bridge. The interesting thing was, though, because I was kind of pissed at Buchanan, and my dad's buddy had told me that Sam Francis was a good friend of Pat Buchanan's, I didn't realize that he had that much to do with his campaigns, actually, till you just said it. I knew he was involved, but I didn't realize oh, yeah. he was that influential. He, he basically created it in 1992. He created the whole concept, but, which is interesting. But I asked, I asked Sam... Because my dad was, like, really also with me. I mean, we both had worked our asses off for Buchanan, and we were very bitter about it. And I asked Sam at this dinner if he thought that Buchanan was trying to, like, you know, do, like, a, the equivalent of a Finkel-Think thing, where if he was trying to sort of be a sheepdog to the radical right, or he was deliberately trying to sink it if it was some sort of a plot. And here's what he told me. He said that he thought that Pat Buchanan was a man with a kind of odd sense of loyalty. He said that Buchanan, in a way, was more loyal to the institution of the Catholic Church than he was basically to the doctrine of Christianity. And he said that he was more loyal to the institution of the Republican Party uh, ah. than he was the principles behind it. And I thought that was interesting, meaning that that because Buchanan even said when the when all the stuff went down in Florida with the, the hanging chads and all that, and Al Gore yeah. got the election, Ralph Nader, uh, they blamed it on Nader anyway, even though it wasn't his fault. Buchanan said at that convention, he said that he was glad because he didn't want to be known as the man who elected Al Gore. And that Al really, Gore. I mean, I was pissed. Al I was like... Well, I, I just thought, you know, so so what? You're going to pull your punch? I mean, George W. Bush, we we all know what kind of president he turned out to be. Oh, yeah. And it's like this all the way. But but that, it was interesting what Sam Francis said about that. It, because it shows, and then later, you know, you look at Buchanan's career. It was only, I was a kid then. I was 18, 19 years old. Only later did I realize Buchanan was like Nixon's speechwriter, you know? So yeah. Buchanan's a guy with George Wallace, because that's the other thing, Stryker, is I think you're a big student of George Wallace. And of course, that's where my dad cut his political teeth, was in the Wallace campaign. And I feel, and that's where a lot of our 1.0 has its roots. The National Alliance comes from the um, National Youth Alliance, which was Youth for Wallace. It was the original right. mailing list. And uh, I feel like that was, even though Wallace also was another one of these, you know, real big populist disappointments. I feel like it's interesting to me that Buchanan was actually on Team Nixon during that period and not right. in with Wallace. You know? But he seems right. to have learned from 
So maybe maybe Sam Francis did and took a page out of Wallace's book. He was he was playing more up to Wallace type issues and even Wallace style populism and Wallace's political style, his rhetoric. Buchanan was playing more to that than to Nixon, who was well, I think, cool, the guy. I, I think Sam Francis's main influence on Buchanan is that unlike the typical Republican or conservative, they weren't focused on owning the libs. They they didn't see the fight as being right against left or left against right. They saw the fight as being nationalists against cosmopolitans, patriotic yes. people versus globalists. You know, th- this is kind of what what Sam Francis's kind of uh, theory revolved around, that there was this group called the Middle American Radicals that actually don't like the Republican Party's economic platform. They think a lot of conservative stuff is gay. In fact, they, they don't even – they don't even identify as conservatives, um, right. yet they, they, they make up the base of the Republican voting bloc, especially in the Reagan era, which is when Sam Francis was at his peak uh, as a writer, in term, not, not good writing, but as a, peak, as a known figure. And what's interesting about Sam Francis, though, is that he got the, the reputation of being a contrarian. Because at the very height of Ronald Reagan's popularity, which was like, I don't I think it was sometime in the mid 80s, he was like shitting on Reagan, like in, in conservative media. <laughs> and they finally yeah. fired him when he wrote. I mean, this is kind of dumb, but he wrote like a like a defense of, of slavery, like a like <laughs> he wrote like a like a like a like an ethical defense of slavery, which is a pretty dumb hill to die on. But he did write that. And then that's when they finally got rid of him. Throughout, they canceled him from <laughs> media, you know, because he was he was a southerner. You know? It's interesting right. that well, Sa- well, Sam Francis was a southerner, but he was definitely more European minded in terms of his um, outlook, you know. Very much. And I'll tell you guys something else interesting. Uh, Buchanan at, in, at the at the convention in Long Beach in 2000, uh, there was an announcement. Buchanan won the endorsement. Of Weirton Steel, which was the or the union for Weirton Steel, which oh, Weirton, yeah. West Virginia, is up in the northern northern Panhandle there, and it was a huge steel plant that that endorsed Buchanan over Al Gore, which was interesting. Now they were the largest union to endorse Pat Buchanan, and again, that was a very tiny, small effort, the Reform Party effort. But I that was still, you know, that shows to what extent uh, Buchanan was appealing to populists to workers i mean i don't think even trump uh, did trump get any major union endorsements i think the teamsters no. were flirting with it for a while i don't think they ended up doing it because trump was fundamentally not really pro-union i mean he would say things about it but he didn't actually do much well what happened was that um the union officials endorsed hillary but their workers voted for trump so that that's what happened right, in 2016 right, right. 2016 yeah 2020, right. I don't know, but uh, I know that in 2016, I know I know guys that in, in organized labor in New York City, and all of them, all of them voted for Trump. Every last one of them. The the people, yeah. the, the reason why the union bosses in a place like New York or Chicago or or Philly have to endorse the Democrat is that they rely on on access to the Democratic Party to get contracts for their union. So if they're seen as disloyal, then they lose the contracts and they just don't hire union for, for city contracts. So that's right. that's like a whole political thing. It's understandable. 
but I think the last time it was the the Sergeant's Benevolence Association, which is the largest, the second largest police union in America, uh, endorsed Trump in New York. And now they got the feds raiding them. Have you heard about this? Yes, I did. I thought this was uh, RT uh, shared it. <laughs> there, that's where I first saw it. I yeah. thought that is really interesting because I mean, it's obviously political. Everyone admits it's political. It's not even a secret. Yeah, it, even if it's even if it's they say it's about bad bookkeeping. If they say it's about child porn, no matter what the cover story they yeah. put on it, we know exactly why they're doing. it. Right. They're doing it because the police unions were the only ones to not bow down to the almighty gods of BLM over the, yeah. and actually stand up for the, the right of police to do their jobs. And, yeah. uh, and, and so it's remarkable to me that the FBI is, is coming down on them. I mean, you think of the disillusionment of police right now. Huh. I mean, what do you think, Strike? Is the FBI just screwing up, or, or is there some strategy to all this? Um, well... I think it's a combination of both. Um, I think that the FBI is its own thing. Like when I when I was watching Tucker Carlson last night, and he was making it about Joe Biden that like the whole thing about Merrick Garland sending the FBI after teach uh, the, the parents at the teachers conferences and stuff. He's making it about Joe Biden, but I think it's obvious that well, first of all, all the people that are working at the FBI and most of the people working at the Department of Justice under Biden were working under Trump. So that's the first thing. This right. is the permanent bureaucracy. And the second thing is that I think in the case of the FBI, I think that they're just strong enough and big enough to basically be a state within a state, you know, what they call the deep state. And so I think they don't answer to anyone except the Jews. They, they, they will come out and say, they'll say our state, federal, and tribal partners. And I think the tribal partners they're talking about are the uh, Anti-Defamation League and the Jewish billionaires that line their pockets and make political appointments. So that's what, that's what they mean, ladies and gentlemen, when they, when they make the politically correct – it sounds politically correct, but they're just admitting what they are. It's their tribal partners. And uh, so I think that basically it's two things. It's its own thing. It's, it's out of control. No one can control them. Not Biden, not Trump, not – Congress, no one, they don't answer to anyone, okay? Um, they don't answer to courts. They don't answer to judges. I mean, you've seen time and time again, a judge will say, hey, you guys aren't allowed to collect all this information. You're not allowed to be, like, doing this, what you're doing. And they just, like, shrug it off and keep doing it. So there's nothing you can do about it other than Congress just taking away all of their funding. That's the only thing Congress can do. Okay, abolish the FBI. Uh, but in the case of the Sergeant Benevolence Union, uh, I think that they're trying to send a message to local law enforcement. And uh, the, the thing is that things like, you know, I, I have my very strong critiques of things like the NYPD, to say the least. Um, they're not your friend, but police unions are one of the last bastions of labor power and particularly white Gentile labor power because leftists don't join police unions. Jews, Jews are not police officers by and large. Um, you're not going to see a communist or, or an Antifa or someone that's, that's like a, like a labor studies grad student join the sergeant's benevolence association. <laughs> okay. So they're kind of yeah. just a bunch of Italian and Irish guys that, they fight for their labor rights, and they're really strong. 
okay? Because there's 10,000 members of the SBA. That's a fucking strong union. Um, and they have a lot of they have a lot of power because they get to decide if there's going to be crime or not. So these are all things that are coming together, and I think that the federal government, the FBI in particular, they don't like it. They don't like that they they seem to be exercising a bit of self-starting thought, and so they're they're going to send a message to them. That's what I think they're planning to do with this, with what their intention is. Yes. Is it going to work? Because like I said, everything has a pro and a con. So the pro of raiding the SBA and, 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 and arresting, possibly arresting and filing charges against the leader of the union, the pros of that is that you send a message and you scare the shit out of all the local police departments in the country. But the potential cons of that is that the police start to resent the FBI and simply stop cooperating with them in especially in politically charged cases. So when the FBI needs the uh, the local police to aid them, and they always do, to aid them in investigating uh, Jane, the soccer mom, for, quote, threats and harassment against uh, the Jewish school board uh, head, uh, the local cops might be like, you know, you're a fucking asshole. I'm not going to help you. They might not say it that yeah. way. Yeah. But they just won't. They'll just they'll just do what police do when they don't want to do their job, which is just take forever. That's how bureaucrats and police officers and all people work. For yeah. them. The way they veto you is they just go really slowly. And so that's something that they're risking doing by going after the cops that directly because they ultimately need the local police. There's not enough feds to fucking t- terrorize the whole country. They need local police to help them and they can't. And if they keep doing this, well, they're not going to get it. Federal, federal agents. I mean, FBI people are not like the kind of, I mean, I, I <laughs> You know, in, in Pittsburgh, where I was living, I saw, I saw, um, you would see the, the cops that are going around patrolling. And uh, I, I happen to know in Pittsburgh, they, they cut the police force a number of years back down from like, I think it was 1,200 down to 800 officers. But I would see these guys going around in their, in their squad cars, and they looked like, you know, tough working class white dudes, like grizzled, like strong tough guys like because because you know there's a lot of i mean pittsburgh's a fairly white city but there's still there's still a, a healthy uh criminal element <laughs> and uh, i imagine that's true of uh a lot of these cops but it's not true of um fbi men as we see the fbi agents are not like i mean a lot of these cops in the inner cities these white like, like irish and italian and others or, or you know, in a city like Pittsburgh, probably a lot of like Polacks and 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 Germans, and I mean, they're they're like the Marines going into these neighborhoods. They're they're strong, tough guys, and it seems like the FBI agents are are not. They're they're like pumped up bug men, like that guy yeah. that we saw yeah. that was beating his wife. They're not really they're not really of that they're type. Soft, you know, they're, they're a little college more, educated. They're, yeah. Yeah, and they're because they're not. Their job is not. I mean, don't they call in uh, when they have to do a like a raid or something? Don't they use uh, the U.S. Marshals or they use they yeah. use other? The torpedoes are not F, are not actual FBI agents. They're like investigative guys. But then it's the people they call in to do the actual brute force work. Like well, the they, guys, the that, FBI you know, raid. has like its own SWAT team and things like that, and those are just all ex-military guys. But the actual agents that do like the investigations and stuff, those are like bug men, gender studies guys, uh, accountants, like right, like yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, 
lawyers and yeah yeah and that's interesting because uh you know you wonder what you wonder what i mean you can only speculate what the plan here is because i i've often thought i thought okay well maybe what they're trying to do with with uh the um with the red flag laws i mean something dad and i were actually just talking about your your theory that the way they're going to implement gun control in this country is more selective you know the way they did charlottesville rather than a than a big crackdown on everybody you just target certain people and then people are like oh well i'm glad it's not me i'm not a racist nazi right. nut you know i'm just a good constitutional patriot although you have to question whether this really is their strategy because they use this heavy-handed brute force shutting down the first amendment at charlottesville and then three years later they're using it or four years later they're using it on trump trumpers trump grandmas yeah. so maybe that's just a case of like mission creep but what i was going to say yeah. was them, when you look at them purging the military and then doing stuff like they did after January 6th where they where they filled the uh, capital with like uniformed fat lesbians and others who had been politically screened to be not right wingers and then you look at stuff like this maybe they are just maybe they are just doing like a Hail Mary and they are trying to disarm maybe they see some sort of armed thing coming and they're just trying to drive they feel like it's safer to just drive right wingers out of the military yeah. really you know put police unions on the leash drive the way and and then maybe their theory is that they can replace the uh thugs the 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 the, the actual just torpedoes who go and and do the dirty work yeah with uh just blacks and my uh, other minorities so you have this like turner's diary situation where there's you know the thing, like you know, you know armed, like black you know thugs I, going around i'm the police you know what's, I, what's I, yeah but what's ironic about that is that the fbi is probably the least diverse racially diverse uh federal like or government agency in america like the, your local police department oh. is going to be far more quote diverse than F like some like eighty five percent of FBI some like eighty eighty five percent of FBI agents are white, uh, and the overwhelming majority of them are male. So the the Zionists yeah. the Zionists like when when they they only diversify things they want to break. When they want something to be functional, yeah. it's uh, hyperborea. Okay, it's the SS. Okay, it's the fucking <laughs> only you know you got you got you got to prove your lineage back to Sweden for a thousand years like that. That that's when they want something to function. Okay, because I've I've yeah. never I mean have you has there ever been an FBI director that isn't like a Germanic man like <laughs> like a highly competent German yeah. type right like that that's who they, they they're not going to put like a black woman in charge of the FBI like they do tons of police departments across the country the Houston police department's uh sheriff or whatever they're called is a black woman right uh, they don't do that at the FBI so i think what they no. want now on the other hand though is that they're putting a ton of stress on them so the FBI now is yeah. entirely centered around suppressing people engaging in the first amendment that's the only thing they do now that is the only thing they do is spying and suppressing and oppressing white people that have right-wing beliefs right so and and some of them that are just literally parents that want to have a say in their children's upbringing and education which is new i was talking to mike about this that even back in the day i remember mothers would go to the school board meeting to complain about gay stuff in the curriculum no one would dream of sicking the FBI on them. 
Not even the most hardened liberal at the school board would dream of doing that. That is new. That is a new kind of ghoulishness that that comes from because here here's why everyone is so mad about that, right? They're indignant because, like I said before, at the same time that they're using the FBI to shut down and criminalize legitimate political debate like they do with us, like they do with the moms, like they do with uh, conservatives increasingly – the, at the same time they do that, the actual crime rate is blowing up, okay? Yes. We were talking about this yes. with Mike. 7.8 per 100,000 murders. That's a new record. Yeah. Like this, It's like the first time since like the 80s, and it's, a, and it's a, the biggest jump in American history from one year to the next. And 2021 is going to be worse than last year. It's already worse. So. Yeah. This is happening yeah. on their watch. Like here we have actual gun crime, right? They, they say they're concerned about red flags. Like they want to do red flag laws because they don't want crazy people to have guns. Meanwhile, there's a, a fucking shootout in the middle of Chicago that's on video where someone died and no one gets charged. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're not concerned we, about gun uh, crime. They're not concerned about terrorism. They're not concerned about intimidation in the actual sense, which is like, you know – the stuff I get in my email box, which is like fucking uh, anarchists saying, I know I, I, I've had anarchists say they, they know who uh, a relative of mine is and they're going to hurt them. And I wouldn't even dream of, of, of calling the FBI over that because I know that if I do, all they're going to do is start investigating me in some way. OK, so right. I mean, like you can't even go to the FBI for that. But and if I did send them that, they would just ignore it. And, and, and better yet, they would not ignore it. They would be like, oh, can I see your emails, by the way? I just need to verify this. And then they would try to fuck me over. So that's what they do. They don't actually fight crime. OK, on text so, or on text driver, when uh, Travis Bickle says, uh, you know, this, you know, this uh, Secret Service guy, he's like, I saw some suspicious-looking people over there, you know, and this, uh, yeah. and he's like, hey, you, you Secret Service man, what kind of guns you carry? You know, I might be good at that job. He says, well, I'll tell you what, you name and address, and I'll give you all the information on how to apply. <laughs> well, yeah, but tra- Travis, Bickle, Travis Bickle, objectively, I would trust him with law enforcement more than, than the FBI, because... Travis Bickle had a moral, had some sort of moral compass, despite being a paranoid schizophrenic. <laughs> Let's face it, Travis Bickle did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he 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 was. Uh, I don't know, you know. But the point is, though, is that yeah, it, it's it's to the point where it's not it's not possible. I think you have a point. I think it's a mixture of incompetence and. They're doing it on purpose. It's a combination of the two. And and what I think is that America is such a large country. It's such a massive, incoherent, and frankly dysfunctional country that Jews can't micromanage everything. All they can do is kind of change the sails and steer the ship in a broad, general direction. And so that's the intentional part. But then, like, the rocks you hit on the way, which is, like, okay, these freaks, these Antifa freaks, these, these people that, that, that were taught to, to hate white people in college that are now in the FBI, you know, like, th- those people, they're going to abuse their powers, okay? And that's going to cause yeah. a little problem. This, this defense secretary that we have right now, I thought, is an interesting case of how things are, ch- are changing. Because 
they get a guy, I call him King Kong. I mean, he looks like a silverback gorilla. Mm-hmm. And and now he's the Secretary of Defense. I mean, he's the top man. <laughs> like, if you're in the military, that's who you answer to. Right. Uh, only, only under Joe Biden. You know, so Joe Biden is your <laughs> supreme commander. <laughs> but, you know, next to him, that's who that you answer like to. Joe Biden's orderly. Like, he's like <laughs> Joe Biden, yeah. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's, uh, Joe Biden is... Uh, Joe Biden, like, like, like uh, being in his office and having a slow moment, and then uh, Lloyd Austin is just, like, slapping him. It's like, eat your, eat your pudding! Eat your pudding! Open your mouth! Open your mouth! Just, like, like the, like the, I'm like not the a big fan of folks home. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of the uh, Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movies, but it, it, he's definitely like in the uh, Fellowship of the Ring when the old aged wizard Saruman, you know, is filled with evil and corruption. So he like creates this giant like ape orc thing, this new breed of orc <laughs> that comes emerges from well, emerges from the slime. That that guy know, is, that's, is, that's is how there. That guy's there for corruption's purposes. So either he's not actually running the Department of Defense or he's like paid off. You know, he's got all these contracts and ethical conflicts of interest. That's another thing in America. You know, there was a point in this country where the world actually admired the lack of subjective lack of corruption in at least public officials. Right. But it seems like they've completely taken the top off of that. And now, like, you can like. Okay, Lloyd Austin is a is a military contractor, and he's put in charge of the military. Okay, well, <laughs> you know, is there going to well, be any questions there, like well, conflicts of interest? No, no, no. It's it's okay. It's okay. He's black, uh, so that's he also yeah. He gives me vibes very strongly of these African dictators like Idi Amin. Although I don't want to insult uh, Idi Amin by comparing him to, him to Lloyd Austin. For Idi Amin, yeah. Yeah, but he definitely. Uh, but it's an, it's an interesting change. I'll I'll say this that uh, to your point about this. I mean, the thing of the Jews like sort of steering the ship. I mean, something you and Mike have talked about extensively that I I completely agree with is this bizarre uh, phenomenon we have with like third and fourth generation. Keep, keep talking. Privilege. I just have to uh, grab a water. So just keep talking. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, but the idea of, of Jewish privilege with um, guys like Jonathan Greenblatt or um, Jared Kushner or also you have um, just there's a whole generation. I mean, Jamie Raskin is another one uh, who, who's been on all these committees investigating you know, Trump and white terrorism and all this. And this guy has a, has a pedigree. I mean, he is the privileged like, grandson of rich Jews. And a lot of the Jewish elites, this is something that those guys have talked about a lot on Strike and Mike, a lot of the, the, this generation of Jewish elites, they're very, um, they're just, they're young and arrogant and very, very privileged. They have never known what it's like to be a ghetto Jew, to be a Jew that's excluded from polite society, uh, to be a Jew that's that's in an Ivy League school where you have a bunch of wasps kind of you know, looking down their nose at them and being like, okay, well, you know, you're just a dirty ghetto Jew. You, you know, you, you need to like, I mean, you can get close to us by virtue of your money to a certain extent, but you're, you're not actually one of us. Um, or, or just the, the general fear that Jews like, uh, and this is again, something that those guys talked about a lot, that Abraham Foxman, who was the former ADL head, that guys like that still had 
memories of Hitler and when they were kids or their grandparents or their parents remember, you know, when, when whole nations were going anti-Semitic and kicking the Jews out. That's something that this younger generation of, of sleep. Yeah, that's just saying this younger generation of like sleek younger Jews like, like uh, Jared <laughs> Kushner or John Greenblatt, they're just so arrogant and so privileged that they've lost the, the, the connection They've lost that sort of uh, good spidey sense for, for when not to piss off the Gentiles. And I think, you know, something that's interesting is the Jews in this century, I was just talking to a guy who, who's a, a, film, a film buff like myself, and he was saying how the, even in old Hollywood, that the, um, the stuff that you had with Harvey Weinstein, the casting couch Jews, you know, getting their hands on the blonde shikses from, the, from Nebraska that that's something that has been going on since the since the beginning of Hollywood, since they wrested the film industry away from, from Thomas Edison and those people. But what I was going to say was, is that the Jews for a hundred years, basically, have done this thing where even as they're subverting America, they are simultaneously, even as they are subverting white America, they are simultaneously flattering the hell out of it and flattering its values, flattering its characteristics. I was just saying to someone how you see this even with Gone with the Wind, yeah. Uh, we know how Jews, how anti-Southern they are, but the Southerners in, I know this from my grandfathers, the majority of professional military men, career military men, when World War II broke out, the guys that were careerists were mostly Southerners. Southerners had a long tradition of military uh, heritage and military service. So yeah. when you see a film like Gone with the 1939, all these Jews making, kind of flattering the Southern military ethos why because you need them for cannon fodder but my point is that up until this war on terror and bullshit like chris kyle american sniper you've yeah. had this kind of jewish flattering of like big strong tough manly man american you know go kill the mayrabs you know right. and and all of a sudden that has just stopped in the last two or three years it's like uh, you know since trump took power maybe they just don't trust white America at all anymore after Trump. Maybe yeah. they think this thing is far. Maybe they're just off their rocker, you know, like maybe Trump derangement syndrome got to them. I don't know. But they have stopped even with that. And that's really going to put them at a disadvantage down the line with with internationally and domestically. Well, it's, it's having an international. So you have to understand that that they're not like uh, uh, an infinite like the, this. This system is not some infinite force. Right. So the amount of resources that they have to expend on just like thwarting us from having the debate you know, just just to prevent another thousand people going out in the street and peacefully marching while chanting Jews will not replace us. The amount of resources that takes because of the, the material conditions in the United States is enormous. They are spending an enormous amount of money and time and manpower wasted on this crap. And on top of that, they also have to purge all the competent people from their institutions because they don't trust them. OK, it's, right. it's kind of like uh, if you if you look at Venezuela, for example, Hugo Chavez and more so his his uh, the his, the guy that came after him, they had Maduro. to yes they had to they had to purge their their police forces and actually disarm them from heavy duty like assault weapons and stuff because they kept trying to overthrow their government. <laughs> the police were trying to do coups against the Venezuelan government, and um, so what's what's the negative side of that? 
what's the downside of that? Well, the downside is that now Venezuela has one of the highest crime rates in the world. Okay. Uh, and so for the United States, it's at a different level. But when you purge the government of all heterosexual straight white men, right, which is what they're increasingly doing, um, and you have to expend tons and tons of resources on, like, policing, frankly, law-abiding, unusually law-abiding peaceful citizens like us uh, that are just engaging in, a, in political discussion, when you have to do that, you have to make sacrifices elsewhere. And what are these sacrifices? Well, I was reading a New York Times piece about the CIA uh, put out a cable, like an emergency cable, basically throwing their hands up in the air to all the field offices saying all of the CIA informants keep getting killed or captured. So the Iranians, <laughs> the Chinese, the Iranians, the Chinese and the Russians have killed or captured some exorbitant, like, insane number of CIA operatives in their countries. Or they just straight up turn them into double agents. And so right. they, and, and so they were, the CIA uh, people were complaining about this, saying, like, you know, the, the outcome of this, like, there's one incident, I don't know if you know this, like, towards the end of the Obama era, um, the Chinese government basically uncovered the entire nest of CIA operatives in their country and essentially yeah. destroyed yeah. destroyed all American intelligence activity in China. Um, they, they basically captured them all and either bought them off or killed them. Um, and yeah. so the CIA actually has, hasn't been able to really get human intelligence into China for that entire time, and basically the CIA cable was just saying this is because of laziness and incompetence. So the people that are at the CIA running operations against Russia, China, Iran, um, and, and just the federal government's resources in general, those get shuffled towards the domestic sphere, and so the foreign sphere suffers, right? So America is actually losing yeah. tons of influence at an alarming rate for, for the system, right? I don't give a fuck. They're losing tons of influence abroad, like so fast, and it's really accelerated in the last three years, which coincides with the amount of money and attention they have to give to the domestic dissidents. So what am I getting at here? Well, this is at the very least yeah. all, the, all the time and money and effort they have to waste on us is going to at the very least be the end of the U.S. empire. That's going to happen. Because yeah. unless they change something. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. And I think uh, I think that the that's why um, I, I, you know, since we've been doing the NJP, there's a there's a I, again, I'm, I'm on a movie quote uh, uh, role tonight. I'm sorry. I don't know what it is. It's the oh, glow yeah. of the evening. Yeah. Or, yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling particularly uh, I'm thinking about film for some reason tonight. But there's a there's a line that keeps sticking in my head yeah. from Braveheart. From the beginning of the movie Braveheart, when the guy says, well, we can't, the English, you know, the Scots are talking, and he says, well, we can't beat an army, not with the 50 farmers we can raise. And he says, we do not have to beat them, just fight them, you know. And I feel like that's, that's a big part of where we are with the Zog. It's, it's yeah. like any bit of resistance you can offer, any kind of problems that you can cause them. You know, the parents going Including to the school the board. At, yes, the parents at the school board are a problem. Exactly. Right. 
Yes, that that because you know if you study the, the, this past century of American dominance, uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, single weapon that the United States has used in to 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 reach its position of dominance has been the strength of this idea of starting with Woodrow Wilson that we are fighting not for our own narrow national interests, but that we're fighting for the world. We're fighting for peace and freedom and democracy. We're fighting for the sake of helping all these wonderful people. We're the good guys. And this is something that so uh, hard to mentally break that. I mean, it's something that was so powerful in both world wars. It was so powerful during the Cold War. And it was powerful right up through the war on terror, although it right. was losing its edge. But I feel like we are uh, we're we're at a point now where they're losing that ability to do that. The harder again, it's, it comes down to the thing we were talking about legitimacy. The harder they crack down on us and others, uh, the more Trump grandmas they're forced to put in in jail. Right. It's like they are they are seeing that. Edge. Edge, and we see it. I mean, Putin's noticing it. Uh, Z is noticing it, and they're. It's funny because they're just coming straight out with it. I mean, in Putin's case, the first thing he says when the, when the U.S. when the sixty minutes guy was doing him was, "Hey, what about those January six people who are out there just yeah. demonstrating? You know, for Trump, and and you're, you're you know they're being tortured in D.C. dungeons. Like, what about that? Where's your democracy? So so that's it, it's. I know it seems like. Oh well, okay, great. You know, we 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 suffer all this this uh, heat, and all we do is we get Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping or others the ability to say, "Hey, well, you know, you too, you're also doing it," like the Spider-Man meme. But yeah, uh, it does hurt them. It really, really does hurt them. And the thing you see with Afghanistan too, uh, the the idea. I mean, the, the image will not fade from the world's mind. I think for a long time of these like limbs, bodies limbs hanging and flapping the, the, the landing gear of airplanes as they take off from Afghanistan. And you have to think, if you are U.S. color revolution puppet, you know, uh, yeah. anywhere in the world, and we talked about this, Striker, when I was on Striker, Mike, but it's like if you're anywhere in the world, you're a Zog puppet, you have to think, oh, God, I don't want that to be me. And now, like you say with the CIA, now they're dealing with sure, a problem where people are coming to them and being like, oh, yeah, man, you want to... You want, you know, we'll, we'll, hey, you just fund us, and we'll, don't worry, we'll 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 build a movement against the Iranian government or against the Chinese right. government. They always pay I'll, us, and they're like, we found I'll, an agent, and they. Pay. I'll, I'll say and this. Like just saying, hey, yeah. There, there is also another factor going on here is the the just the nature of the liberal philosophy, the liberal ideology, which is to cannibalize every single thing, right? And so what that means is that, for example, as liberalism advances, and this is something Sam Francis used to talk about, it, he was talking about America in the 1950s and then as it goes on making predictions, saying eventually the, the, the very sense, the very, uh, uh, the, the very nature of liberalism means that one day it will destroy even civic nationalism patriotism, the church, all these things that liberalism was seemed to be at peace with, it will eventually destroy those because liberalism cannot coexist with any kind of figurative or solid or assertive kind of truth, right? 
And so you're seeing that now, and that's going to have an impact too. For example, there was an Air Force captain who was a woman, and she was an intelligence officer, and she was captured in Iran, and she basically just immediately defected to Iran and gave up all the secrets <laughs> to, to the Iranians. <laughs> and so if so the combination of, of changing, you know, banning straight white men, there's still plenty of them in the federal government, don't get me wrong, but uh, as 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 the time goes on and there's fewer and fewer of them in, in in this in these fields, you have that. But then you also are bringing people in through the ranks that that go to the universities that tell them that even Ronald Reagan style patriotism is wrong. Even that kind of yeah. patriotism is 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 part of a long history of white supremacy and blah blah blah. And so what happens is that if you're a CIA officer. And those are your first principles. That is your view of patriotism, of, of that America is an evil place because of its racist history. It's a white supremacist place. If you have that mindset and then you go to Russia or Iran and you're captured, you're just going to immediately just give everything up because your primary motive is to save your own ass. So you don't have a higher belief in anything that could make you sacrifice your life, right? And so that's another problem they're having is that there's actually no reason to sacrifice for America. And it's something that is as they as they purge the military from conservative leaning people, that's only going to get worse. You know, that that kind of problem is that no one actually feels any allegiance to America. And increasingly, the 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 goys, the white goys in the middle of the country that Jews for a long time have whipped up with jingoism to go fight in the Middle East. Those people are now starting to realize that, wait a second, this country isn't even ours anymore in the sense of the yeah. government. This is a government that is not representing us and, in fact, sees us as the national enemy. And uh, so the people that you could have to defend your country are not going to do it anymore. So what's going to be the long-term outcome of that? And that's why I, I get the sense that um, you know, they say like live to fight another day. Well, I think our system is making tons of, of really tough calls and basically fully discrediting itself in the short term because they're, they, their only goal right now, they're so nervous. There's so, there's so much pressure that their goal is to live, to live another day. Like that's, <laughs> that's basically where they're at. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, you got to watch. I mean, I've been really, uh, it's sort of like a hobby lately. I've been really, really, really digging into, uh, like when I go to bed at night, I'm reading all about uh, a particular phase of Napoleonic history. I've been reading a lot about the, the birth of, uh, the rebirth of Prussia. After yeah. after Prussia was defeated at Jena Auerstadt in 1806 and 07, and they were just humiliated and destroyed, and, and they realized that, uh, the Prussian leaders, not the king so much, but the, the, the circle of advisors around him, these guys, Scharnhorst and Stein and, and Gneisenau, they all realized that the problem was that the Prussian state had become alienated from the people. Like, they had the best army in Europe, in, in a sense, although they lost to Napoleon, but they had a lot of army discipline, but they didn't have a popular connection with the people. And they worked very hard to build that up over the six years up until 1813. And then when Napoleon got kicked out, Russia, they rose up, and they, they, the Germans called that the Wars of Liberation. They rose up against and were able to kick Napoleon and the French out. But it's interesting because Napoleon really dominated all of Europe for a period there, 
but in areas like Prussia, I mean, they were really pissed off at the French by the time uh, of 1813, but, and, and they were just kind of waiting. There were a lot of people in Europe that were just waiting to kick the French out, but they weren't strong enough. They weren't powerful enough. And, right. and that thing about this period is interesting because uh, it just, I feel kind of like we're at that stage. We're at that stage where we all know none of us, I mean, not anybody, not the Proud Boys, not the, not, the, not the Trumpers, the real hardcore Trumpers, not any kind of conservatives, not these parents at the school board meetings, and certainly not uh, people in the white nationalist movement. We all, none of us, we all feel powerless. We don't feel that we're strong enough to overthrow this thing. But there's a general feeling that seems to be spreading that everyone is sick of it. And everyone yeah. wants it off their back. And, it, and it, also, first, what I was what I was talking the, to Mike yeah. about, which is the elite overproduction, is that the fact that there's so many feral, like nasty, rabid bug men and, and, and people that went to these universities now that they're taught that the, the you know you know like uh, Conan the Bar what is best in life uh, <laughs> these people. Basically, university system now, particularly the Ivy covered uh, ones, the Ivy leagues. Uh, they're just taught by a bunch of yids, like what is best in life. And, and basically it's, you know, murdering white children. And then the ones that survive turning them into trannies like that, that's basically what they're taught. That's the only thing that fuels them and motivates them. And increasingly a lot of the elites that are coming into power, they're not even motivated by money anymore. Okay. That's something that is also interesting. They're not even motivated by profit anymore because it's actually not profitable to be woke. Like there is something to that, like go woke, go broke. But if you look at the New York Times, like the New York Times is perfectly happy to put like to, to just like lose money. They would rather lose money than than um, change their editorial line. The New York Times could right. make 10 times, 100 times more money than it does now if it just became Fox News. Okay, Fox News yeah. is what uh, a media platform that is built for profit looks like Fox News, but increasingly also like this other crap that's coming up like OAN. We talked about One American News and Newsmax. Like, If you want to make a lot of money really fast with very little, like I don't know if you've ever seen like OAN, One American News, but it looks like it, it's so fucking shitty. Even for, it, there's a lot of money that goes into that. Like, you're talking tens of millions of dollars that go into news uh, OAN. But it actually looks like if fucking uh, – if, if, when you're watching a movie, like in the movie, they'll have like a newscaster on the television. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Godzilla destroys city. Yeah. That's right, what right, OAN right, looks yeah. like. Like that. It's such yeah. crap production value. There's no genuine journalism. There's no money that they spend to send people around the country to actually do investigative journalism, which, by the way, the New York Times does, as shitty as it is. The New York Times does do that. So what I'm getting at is the New York Times could make a lot more money if they took that tack. But see, this is the fundamental distinction between, frankly, not just the left and the right, but also even Aryans, at least in America, and Jews, um, that – Jews, Jews are not as interested in pro they see profit as a means to an end. The end is not just this, more profit. I will yeah. say this though: I think it's not only it's not only that it's not profitable; it's that it will incur such heavy 
economic sanctions on you. I think, like, for instance, I'll give you an example. The video game industry, people don't realize in this country that the video game industry has long eclipsed the film industry as far as how much money it makes. I think, I, I believe right now the video game industry makes more than movies, television, and music all combined, which is staggering. Like, I didn't realize, I mean, no well, wonder no Hollywood money. sucks. Twitch, Twitch streamers are making millions. Oh, yeah. 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 Hi, Borzo. Um, I, I think it's 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 crazy that uh, this we're at this point where the video game industry is that big and that gigantic and it makes that much money and again if you were to look and and make a profitable game I mean again it's to, to play an anti-hero or or something like that or to do like a dark character I mean for the Diablo series you play as demons and devils you, you there's games where you could play as as, as murderers and killers and everything. Why not just do uh, a game where you're like a true believing Wehrmacht officer, a Nazi, you know, <laughs> and, and like have it, you know, make it at the end, like uh, make it like that uh, the Young Lions film with Marlon Brando, where at the end you get you get killed, you know, and you and it was all for nothing. But like, just do a first person thing where you're a Nazi, a badass Nazi officer, like leading a Panzer squadron. Yeah. That would that would blow out. I mean, you would make more money than God if you made a movie like or a, a video game like that. But it's not just that you can't find a Gentile businessman who's like, yeah, you know what, I'll put the money up for that. It's not just that, that the Gentiles don't think, Gentile businessmen don't think in terms of, let me invest in this propaganda because it will help my people. It's more just that they will come under such heavy attack by the financial system, by the Jews, that they will just be wiped out. And that's the thing, Rockwell even used to talk about that, is how much pressure the Jews exert behind the scenes, you know, with, with publishers or with, with newspapers or because they control, you have powerful Jews on the boards of financial groups and, and things that, that back, you know, shadow things that are there where there's like a money behind the money behind the money. Yeah. The Jews have a lot of pull. Uh, but it is remarkable that there are so many things that, well, that the they, point, will, they will the take point, lose money on the point or, making, or though, things that are that would be right. wildly profitable well, the, the that we just don't making, see in this supposed free market economy because the, of Jews and their right. influence. The, the, the point I was making, though, is that leftists and liberals appreciate the value of power and even be, you know, being more influential. There. Are you there, guys? Oh, there you go. Okay. Can you hear me? Hello. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you fine, Striker. Oh, what about Warren? I think he might be. Uh, yeah. Oh, are you there? Hello. Hello. I can hear you now. Yeah, I hear you now. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. No, I was going to say that the main point though is that like, um, well, like you know, again, the 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 whole thing that profits. Like, you know, profits are everything that a lot of morons like Tim Poole will say that the go woke, go broke, you know, that kind of shit. Like, it's just not true. OK, it's just not true. But anyway, let's go to the donations here. What how, what, what are we at right now, fellas? Uh, I lost count. Um, oh, I think shit. I think we're 65 or so. Whoa! If, if I had to estimate. Whoa, that's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. There's also, a lot more, there's also a lot of crypto that's not being accounted for oh, in there. Shit, yeah. I've, I've been running around doing stuff, so I, I've all hey, I've been able to do is send out the, the Bitcoin addresses. 
Yeah, in the in the TRS and and NJP um, uh, networks, like the the private networks, we were passing the hat around. We got him like four or five grand. So this is actually my my goal for this guy was like, okay, if we get him ten k, so he can move closer to the place he has to be and stuff for to treat his son. That's uh, what I want, but it looks like we might actually exceed that. So that's yeah, fucking. There was. Just, there was. I also know. I also know. Great. I threw it in in the in the thing, but I know also know of. Uh, they wanted to stay anonymous, but uh, somebody uh, who we can trust donated five hundred directly to the oh. to yeah. the well to them directly. One of the ways that we know. Yeah, I can imagine because I I had people ask me for direct ways to donate to him. Obviously, like I said before, you can't do it. You, I can't post his actual PayPal's or his cash apps even, um, or even his Bitcoin because there's going to be leftist scum that will leftist, and also some people that are mentally ill that are not leftist that will try and hurt this person just because, uh, frankly. A few of these mentally ill people are just Jewish, like literally Jewish descended. And then uh, in other cases, leftists, they're just monsters. So we show the opposition that we're better than them. And uh, there is a power to that. You know, I mean, there's a reason why they can't allow this to happen. Okay, thankfully, because of uh, the, the free speech platform of Odyssey, they allow us to discuss or to debate, to engage in political debate thanks to odyssey they they have some degree of first amendment protections at least for now uh so we're grateful for that we don't need youtube anymore um and so i hope everyone listening to this if you're listening through youtube the only reason we we put it up on youtube is because um we weren't sure because odyssey was having some 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 streaming difficulties today and stuff but uh next we're going to keep doing the people square and uh we're not going to be doing it live streaming it on YouTube anymore. So get on the well, Odyssey. I don't, know it, I don't, and I don't know if you're looking at the numbers striker, but the the YouTube numbers are not that much higher than the Odyssey numbers right yeah. now. It's so we got 520 on on YouTube at the moment and 450 on Odyssey. So right, right, yeah, that's pretty good for Odyssey. And increasingly, Odyssey, unlike BitChute, Odyssey actually gets traffic from, from people and there's actually movement going on. And I think the fact that you need to, to have like a bit of, of – uh, how do you, can you explain how it works real fast? Because I don't know how the um, – how, how It's to, a block. It's a, yeah. I mean how their stream works. I don't know, know exactly how it works. Uh, also, I just looked – I don't know because I don't know how their like little coin thing here works yeah. or these tips. Uh, we have two we have $2,000 that uh, – and as a pending balance as well on the Odyssey, so that's oh my a, god, what the? So like, oh. here's the thing. Here's the thing, When when Frank's giving you his rough estimate of how yeah. much is in there, like he's basing it off of like what I've been able to send him and oh, what he has. Okay. So there's probably well, now I know there's two kids. So there's probably anywhere from two to five thousand. Probably more, more wow. close like two to four thousand. That's not accounted for at the Holy moment. Holy fuck me! I I when because there's so much going on when when this is all done. Like I'll do a ta- I'll do a proper tally of everything. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a little but bit nuts right now. That's why that's I, fucking that's insane. What, I mean, it shows yeah. you also that nationalists are the most generous people out there, right? Like this is another thing. Like we're actually the people that are for real. Like this is this is something that we we help each other out. The amount of solid. Listen, there are a lot of downsides to this life, 
But I can't tell you how many times personally I've been in trouble, like, you know, financially even, and someone will just reach out and just, just the offer. I never take anyone's money. If I'm in, if I, if I need money or something, I just like, I, I stop smoking uh, camel lights and I start smoking rollies. Like that's how it is. Cause I don't like to take generally don't like to take money from, from movement, although I do need to live too, but that's another thing. The point is though, is that, you wouldn't believe people in this thing will offer a stranger their house. They will uh, go and out of their way to drive. They will fuck in. If someone needs needs their, their, their child is sick or they, they need money to, to, to pay for a lawyer for something or whatever, people fucking turn – they will fucking turn their pockets out for this, which is why, which is why it's so important to never take advantage of that. Never take advantage of that. You know, yep. that that's that's another thing that makes me upset about Trump and the conservatives. You know, I don't know if you've seen this, but Trump has another pack now. It's the Save America pack. It's totally a scam. Now, he's going to probably run in 2024, but he keeps hinting at it. Do you know why he keeps hinting at it? Trump keeps hinting without confirming that he's going to run in 2024. Because if he actually announces that he's running in 2024, the rules for his campaign spending change. So he's collecting money from his PAC, and he can use it to pay for his, like, bills. He can use it for a salary. He's not actually using it towards political campaigning because he hasn't announced yet. So these are the special rules that they're using, which is why Trump is not – is starting to talk about running in 2024 now – but he's not going to probably announce it until probably like a week before the fucking election. Okay, so people Thanks, like Trump disgust me. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I just want to say, since you're in the business of raising money tonight, I happen to have here a uh, retired um, peanut salesman. Oh, I guess it was uh, pistachios. Uh, oh! Was once, one time, oh! Very pistachio salesman who could, can say hello for a minute. Oh! Hey, hey, hey! Hey! How you doing? What's, What's up? up? Hey, congratulations on uh, all the money raised. This is amazing. That's right. You know, we. I, know I, have, a, I have I have a friend. Uh, anyway, no, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I said I didn't realize Odyssey was so good at making money. <laughs> well, I don't even understand how this works. So, like, just by streaming, you get like, you get um um you get cryptocurrency, right? Is that it, Borzoi? People. I don't know. Well, how does it work? There, there are people that have tipped. It says here like $417 in tips in this stream. Um, Jeez. But, but I know that there's a way to, like, just by streaming, you make money, like crypto money. So, uh, oh, so someone, oh, Randbot, a good, a good friend of the show here, Randbot says, come on, Striker, Trump's serious this time. Come on, just one more ride on the train, Striker. I promise he won't shake down the elderly for 300 <laughs> <laughs> But just imagine if all the money that gets wasted on on Donald Trump gets put into what we're doing. Like, just picture that. Like, yeah, one 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 millionth one one millionth of the money that gets wasted on Trump gets used on us because he's 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 doing billions and billions of dollars uh, wasted on his nonsense. You know, again, these people at this point, like, it, it would be much better if if like. You know, shit like that didn't even exist. It would be much better if it was just us and Mitt Romney and then the Democrats. 
That would be a much better political system for us. Much a much better political debate, even. Okay. But anyway, uh, how how are you doing, uh, Emily? Good. I've just uh, been editing our latest episode of Modern Politics, which uh, I don't know if Warren told you is about this um, recent case where that uh, Ian Cranston um, shot that nog. We can say mm-hmm. nog on Odyssey, right? Uh, That's the cool thing about yeah, Odyssey. Eggnog. <laughs> eggnog. <laughs> he shot some eggnog. Uh, uh, hitting on his girlfriend, and, you know, I don't know if you guys talked about that yet, but, man, what an enraging case. Well, here's the thing about this. This is something I've been discussing with people. Like, at this point, we just need to have a legal group for white people because the thing is, it's just overwhelming. Like, you don't know where to start. Just just when you're about to, like, say something about this, it happens again. Um, like, this oh, yeah. Is- like if you have any kind of interaction with a black person in America and you're white, you know you are risking. You have to choose between dying or going to prison. So a black guy can kill you. I know. I know. Yeah. So, like that. <laughs> with that, our that, politics, yeah. it's you know it's better risk. I always say with our politics, I you know I'd rather just get shot. Honestly. Well, I'll say this: like the one advantage we have in this thing is that we have networks of people that will advocate for us, that will raise money for lawyers. So actually, it's kind of ironic, but if you're a white person in America, you don't even have to be political. If you're a white person in America and you're a part of the nationalist movement, you actually have a better chance at fighting when you're being set up than if you're just a lone, like, average guy on the street who's just going to the club and some black guy's groping your girlfriend and you tell him to stop. He doesn't. He attacks you. You have to shoot him. That guy is in deeper shit than a lot of our guys are in that situation. It's just a fact. Okay. So at least with us, we have a fighting chance. You know, we have people, you know, I know there's a a couple of uh, Robert Rundo was able to uh, win for a while. Now he's got like, it's up in the air. It's another, it's a whole thing. But uh, Will Planer, he beat his case twice. Um, He got a hung, he hung the jury twice. Fucking guys that, know how the system works. That's the first thing. These guys have been through the system before. They know how it works. And on top of that, the community comes out for them, for lawyers, for legal support, for media support. You don't understand how important it is to have people writing stories that give your perspective, that give the other side. You know, um, so essentially, uh, hopefully- you're actually better off. Go ahead. Video. I said, hopefully Ian Cranston will see our video. It's a pretty good piece of propaganda, I'd say. It it does the whole story, and uh, it's about a little bit over an hour long, and it's normie-friendly. That's what people always say about modern politics, is it's just normie-friendly, and they can show it to their aunts and their uncles, which is funny, because we, we don't compromise at all on our optics or, or our message. We have good optics, but we don't compromise with our strong national socialist and hardcore racist message. And yeah. uh, so because you know what they say, it's like 80% is how you look and how you talk, and they're only listening to what you say like 10%. So if you look good, you can throw in a few N-bombs, and normies won't even bat an eye. That seems to be the case. So I'm hoping this Ian Cranston video, we're, we're going to put this out tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning on, on Modern Politics, um, will make the rounds, because we're the only people fighting for him. We're literally the only people who are fighting for this guy. 
It's quite amazing, isn't it? It's quite amazing that we've woken up. I, I think I think what what is is kind of interesting though is that it, it doesn't matter who you are, or what your politics are. Like, um, you know, look at the Karen thing, right? So if you're a white woman, you have any kind of dispute with a black, your life is ruined. If they film you, your oh. life is ruined. Okay, yep, it doesn't exactly. matter if you're a libtard, your life is ruined. Which is why I think it's not helpful. To be obsessed with owning the libs, okay? Let's not own the libs. How about we own the Zog? My interest is owning the Zog. I don't care about owning the libs. Okay, here we go. Uh, latest count from Frank, eight grand if we can buy that's for, everything. That's, that's from me. That, uh, so that's Entropy, Crypto, and Odyssey, eight grand. So whatever Frank has, I know that's got to have to, that ha- probably puts us over or at least close to 10K. What do oh you got, Oh, my Frank? God. Oh my god. I got That's um, uh, about um, oh, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone's doing a great job here. This is amazing. Twenty-four. You have twenty four hundred, so yeah, we're over ten. Wow. That's incredible. That, that, this is actually completely out completely fucking super 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 uh superior to what i thought we would make like yeah surpassed my expectations of what, what, what i figured we, i figured we'd be lucky to get a, uh maybe a couple thousand but when this when is amazing within the first when, when we hit two thousand within the first hour it's like oh oh wow that's fucking amazing yeah. and we I'm still got three hours to go two hours and a half yeah odyssey's where it's at man we're gonna start probably now that we know this is uh happening you know, Warren and I will probably do some modern politics streams in the future because I know how you say you said earlier we're so bad at, at getting money. <laughs> I know we're like well, yeah. an artist. Like it's like you know if you're an artist you're just like horrible at making money. So you know. Oh yeah. We're gonna try try with Odyssey. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like the thing is that. Um, yeah, uh, there's something about live stuff that people like that is that you don't get the same effect with pre-recorded stuff. You know, yeah. people just really yeah. like live stuff. I don't know what what the why, but they just really love live, like listening in live. So, uh, yeah, you guys, I know you guys are, are doing a great job. I, I mean, I've seen the work you put into the the show, Emily. Like everyone out there, you know. Modern Politics is a show that takes like eight hours to fucking put an episode up. So I, I see sometimes people are like, why, why don't you guys do more episodes? Of, I mean, the amount of work that Emily in particular puts in for the release of every show, the editing, the fucking, the, the, the fucking syncing the sound and everything. It's just amazing the fucking effort she puts in. So, um, oh. yeah, no, yeah. Thanks for that shout out, man. Cause yeah, Modern Politics, uh, it's edited. It's it has high production value. Yeah. We switch back and forth with the cameras. You gotta you have the you know you gotta sync all the audio. You gotta just edit it and yeah, it takes between filming the show and editing it out. And I'd say I'm a pretty fast editor because I'm an animator and you have yeah. to go fast with the animation because it's you guys, you know, so, you guys yeah, really, so you you guys are also building up like a little cult following your thing like it's it's actually taking off a little bit you get a good i mean getting three three to five thousand views on odyssey is for a new platform that's really good you know like if you if you were a new, a new show on youtube that would be good even on youtube 
Um, so that's that's really you guys are gaining momentum. Just keep up the good work on that. And yeah, um, yeah, definitely support modern politics if you can see it. And fucking uh, yeah. So uh, so ha- ha- how's life treating you, Emily? I know you're very happy um, with life. You know. Yeah, yeah, life's been good, man. I mean, the movement is, you know, it's just good to be in the movement. It's uh, good to be free. It's good to be free from normie responsibilities. And uh, isn't it you isn't know, it nice the, to be able to just say whatever the hell you want? That 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 has no price, you know. You know, if I'm on my deathbed, yeah. if I'm on my deathbed, um, I'm not going to ask. No one on their deathbed asks for another thousand dollars. They ask to say the N word one last time, right? <laughs> no, I I kid I kid I kid. Be free, you gotta be free. You gotta be a bohemian. I know you are, are a bohemian as well, Strider. You sit in your in your chair all day long and just write, write, oh, write. You're doing write. the wheelchair thing now, huh? All right. You don't move. Um, no, I don't. No, I yeah. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh let, let's see here uh you know what let's let's actually i feel bad like we're probably not going to get to read all the super chats ladies and gentlemen i'm sorry but let's just try to read some of them just at, as a as a, as a fucking favor to people they are donating money so uh frank and borzoi either one of you can you uh can you start hitting those you want to do it frank or do you want me to take uh pick up where you left off um go for it bro <laughs> we're, we're, are we still are we still at because i last time i saw you said it had stopped in glenn the china is that where we're still at that's where that's where i left off yeah okay uh do you know that now so glenn the chiman donated like he had three different donations we're pro- i'll just let me just read all three of them do you know that not only are europeans are protected by anti-discrimination laws in singapore but they do chinese privilege not white privilege oh, we read we europeans, read that Oh, you did okay. It's the next one. Where where does the where do does they the believe that Chinese? Well, where does the belief that Chinese are working with Jews for white genocide? I guess come from. All I see is Zionists attempting to set up a similar system in the Far East that they have in the West. Do you yeah. know that in Taiwan they are bringing down the Chiang Kai Shek statue and in talks about t- replacing it with an indigenous statue? Taiwanese Aborigines are only about two point three eight percent of the population. What the fuck is a Taiwanese Aboriginal? <laughs> I've never even heard. It's just of some that. other Asian ethnic group that's really like not Yo, that much different. From- I, I don't. I don't want to sound like a bigot, but I bet all you look the same. Like- <laughs> Wait, why? Why you? Why you say that? Why you directing this at me, Striker? <laughs> all you guys look the same. Come on, like Taiwanese Aboriginal, unless it's like the Japanese ones that are like white people that live there like you know you know what i'm talking about you're talking about the i knew the i knew look nothing like white people what are you talking about but some of them look kind of caucasian though they 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 have round eyes and beards and stuff don't they well i mean they do they they look very distinctly different from the uh go ahead frank pull up i knew a i n u they they don't look anything like white people though i don't know where you i've seen some that look like kind of they look like Caucasian people. Like that's that's something that that some like anthropologists used to study. Like how the fuck? Did, did, why do they look this way? But um, that's that's interesting. You know, it's it's like we were talking with Mike the the whole thing about whipping up creating fake minorities and then using them to cause problems in a, in a, in a coherent society like Taiwan or China. 
that that's just a strategy. It's an imperial strategy for divide and conquer. You know, just looking in the West, for example, someone was laughing. Was it was it you, Borzo, that shared a a message from Justin Trudeau, where he was talking about our two spirited indigenous women. And I don't know about you, Borzoi. I don't know about you, Borzoi, but like, have you ever fucking seen, heard, or met a two-spirited indigenous woman? What the fuck well, you, is that? Like, know, is that like an oppressed group that only exists in the abstract? <laughs> Striker, do you know where that term even comes from? Like, that's here's the best part about yeah, all like this. A, that Jew, was, a, a Jewish person, that's it. Yeah. Will Will Roscoe? I, I, it was either Jew or it was a white white homo. I forget. Like, right. But have you both. ever actually met a two-spirited in like a self-described? Have you ever seen one? Like I don't even—they're not even like out there at act. No, I've seen I've seen white people use the term. Well, they—they'll—they don't describe themselves as two spirited. They say uh, they respect the two spirited. But this is like another thing for libtards to like be offended on behalf of. And the the, the curious thing about it is I don't even think these people exist. There's no. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's the thing is like the the term was applied. The, the term was invented by well, Will Roscoe and whoever else to, and it, it's a you know it's a modern construction of what the, of of assumptions they're making or pra- are, are based off of different practices that these supposed groups did. Like I just like there's I don't have to put any stock in it because it's it's all ma- it's made up. It's not based on anything. Oh, it's just yeah. like this is how we're interpreting. Like something that's allegedly that these people did, and therefore yeah, like like some Indians like. As a as a humiliation ritual, put a man in a dress, and then they, the 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 Jewish anthropologist with an agenda says, "Oh, see this this shows that uh, primordial people or pre pre European pre Columbian people are uh, basically two spirits. They're they're fags." And the word is a like the word construction based off of like a supposed Ojibwa word. So even if that were an actual thing, like you're using like it's based off you're using one specific tribe's language to descri- to describe oh a supposed. God. Lucid phenomenon that all these tribes engaged in, which is highly unlikely. Well, I've noticed though that that increasingly white liberals, like people, they, it, it's more so to show off how not like their novel. It's like knowing irrelevant trivia, but it gets you political points and and possibly social promotion to do to to know what a two spirited is. Like what what is that? Like you know, I'm not saying I don't know what it is. I, I now I know, but is that is that is that what they, someone, uh, what they say? Is that is that what they say to you, striker, when you're at the bar? Two spirit limit. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm a twelve spirit. <laughs> twelve. <laughs> twelve spirit instead of standing. Yeah, fucking. Ba- basically, um, speaking of the. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say. Speaking of the. George Wallace, uh, a representative of the Wallace campaign, uh, uh, wandered in here. My father, oh. Alan. Oh! Hey. Hello, Alan. Hey, Strike. We're doing, Frank. Hey, this is terrific what you guys are doing. Uh, it's amazing the generosity of all the listeners. It's, uh, oh, man, I'm moved by it. It's amazing. Yeah. So, Alan, how about you tell these kids some good old the stories about the good old days? Not the not the, <laughs> the bad stuff. <laughs> Remember, there's a lot of people. You know, tell us some stories about the Wallace campaign firsthand. The Wallace. Well, uh, yeah, I was in tenth grade. 
Oh, okay. and uh, uh, so, but you know, I went around uh, canvassing door to door, handing me and my buddies. We went out handing out literature. Uh, there's this one guy. He recruited a bunch of us, you know, high school guys, and then he would haul us around a car, and we'd run up and down the streets, put stuff out, and uh, we'd go to the rallies and stuff. I saw uh, Wallace at the Spectrum. He came to Philadelphia, and it was. Oh, man, there was thousands of people there. I don't know how many. And Frank Rizzo at the time was police commissioner. He was standing down there, and it was uh, the SDS, uh, Students for a Democratic Society. That was like the kind of like the Antifa of the, of the day. Uh, they were put, they were putting, uh, maybe I shouldn't say it. I might give it these reds. <laughs> yeah, <and> I, yeah. <laughs> just, assume, just assume you're in court when you're talking right now because a lot of people listening. But anyway. They they got they fell down they the antifa of the day fell down a flight of stairs and you were a block away. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it was more or less. <laughs> but, but this thing was amazing because I remember when uh, when it first started, you know George Wilde. I mean, he was known as a as a guy who stood in the steps. Uh, you know, segre- uh, segregation today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. So he was like a national figure from uh, Alabama uh, opposing uh, integration, forced integration. And then when he was running for president, I remember it started out like, like a joke. People, oh, yeah, they'd say it's a joke. I'm, I'm voting for Wallace, you know. And then he started seeing Wallace stickers on cars and stuff. And he started hearing about cars with getting their windows smashed because they had a Wallace sticker on it. And, and I think just picked up and, uh, you know, uh, it just grew and 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 he did he did very well he won five states and and uh uh there was a lot of places where he came in second and a lot of people the last minute they voted for nixon because they didn't want humphrey the big liberal to get in but uh no it, it was it was interesting i remember when we went to spectrum we went down on a bus uh to philadelphia and uh we were stopped at a light and it was a philadelphia police bus right next to us and uh, it was just filled with cops with leather jackets and stuff. And uh, us kids, we, we held up our Wallace uh, buttons and stuff, like we'd give them a thumbs up and all. And these cops were like turning over their lapels and they had uh, Wallace buttons underneath their lapels. Right. I mean, well, you know what's interesting so about was- Frank? What's interesting about the Rizzo thing in Philadelphia is that. Frank Rizzo was actually seen as an almost Trump figure in his time. He was seen as like the white working class fighting back against crime and the Civil Rights Act and all that. But like all Republican style or conservative style figures, the more he played to white racial even anxieties or feelings, the more hardcore they were in shutting down actual white advocates I mean that that's something yes. that you I remember you telling me some stories about Rizzo's cops how they they fucking treated you guys George Wallace guys and National Alliance guys they treated you guys oh, really badly oh, Yeah Yeah he had they had a thing uh, I think it was called the civil civil disobedience squad or something and it was yeah. a lieutenant George Fentel I remember his name and uh I was handing out alliance uh leaflets there was a big, uh, there was a Whitman Park project. There was a big housing project in South Philadelphia. 
and uh, the neighborhood was fighting it for years, and you know Rizzo was on their side. So I went down there with these leaflets and was handing them out, and I mean. Rizzo's guys were a little scary, you know, because I, I knew Philadelphia, I know a guy that was a Philadelphia cop for 10 years. He used to tell me stories. I mean, in those days, they, they'd like, uh, you know, there was many stories about Rizzo, even when he was a captain and stuff. He was a big guy. And if you hurt a cop or something bad, uh, you know, Rizzo would like crawl on the back of the paddy wagon and, and like kick your ass on the way <laughs> to the police station. There was yeah. many stories about that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I, I Aaron Fensel came up with a bunch of, you know, Philadelphia police goons, and he just, he just took my leaf. He said, "Give me those." Like he's looking at it, looking at him, and he said, "He says, get out of here." I said, "I don't want to ever see you here again." You know, yeah. And it was just very, very menacing, and it was like Philadelphia cops in those days. I guess you know all the big city cops. They had all kind of tricks up their sleeve if push came to shove, and uh, there was a, there was a. A uh, guy from Rockwell's old organization, Philadelphia, for a while. He had a uh, he opened up a headquarters there. It was when it was the National Socialist White People's Party. It, w- it was actually an old bakery, and the oven was still in there. He had a sign on there that said six million more." It was kind of funny. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. uh, uh, the uh, Rizzo's people called up. Uh, the leader of that group and told him that that guy that uh, Richard Biederman had to be out of Philadelphia or he said he has a week to be out of there or he's never going to leave. That's what they told him. So they, they would do some pretty hardcore stuff, you know? And, yeah. and so, you know, when we look at the, now and the pressure we have now, there was, there was pressure then too, you know, it was, it was, it was different. It was more, it was more honest in a way. <laughs> it just, you know, you yeah. Uh, right, they'll just give you a wooden shampoo with the fucking nightsticks. Like they, they, it's not. There, there's something kind of cowardly and passive aggressive about what they do now because it's more technocratic, and it's also more all encompassing. You know, like it's harder to be a rebel and to yeah. be anti-establishment now than it was even even when I was a kid. Honestly, even when I was a kid, the kids would do stuff where I grew up that you would never. Kids nowadays would never be able to do that. Um, but at the same time, Alan, um, as the technocracy, as the spying on people using the internet and spying on people's phones and spying on people for their political beliefs, as that gets worse, it seems like the the black crime is is actually really just blown out of proportion in terms of how many black people there are. So, the last I saw in the numbers, it was like six percent of the population, which is black males, are committing like sixty percent of murders. You know, that that's insane. Okay. And that has to be something that the police know about and just aren't doing anything about because they that they don't care. Okay. They don't care about that stuff. Um, and there's also a lot of institutional reasons for it. But the point is that this is actually I think it's important to talk about Frank Rizzo because again, um Frank Rizzo was perceived he was hated by the New York Times, he was attacked by the Jewish liberal establishment. And yet he was just as much of an anti-fascist as any SDS, right? And almost more of, oh, yeah. of more more um, threatening because he actually had a ton of support amongst white working people. And so you have to watch oh, out for guys like that, right? Yeah, well, they they love him, and you know a lot of blacks. 
you know, the, 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 the decent blacks that worked and, and uh, they didn't want to see their kids getting shot in the street and drugs and stuff. They, yeah. they had a lot of support among us too, you know, the same as uh, George Wallace did. Um, yeah. And, and Rudolph, uh, Rudolph Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani in New York City, like, you know, there. listen, there's like a 30 or 40 percent of blacks that just want to go to work and have their kids be okay. And they don't want... Honestly, me and Mike were talking about this. Actually, I would say a vast majority of blacks don't like the amount of gun crime in their neighborhoods right now. And it's like their 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 views are ignored by by white basically Jewish liberals. Um so here's here's the irony of this. So here are the big bad Nazis saying, "Hey, let's have some public order. Let's crack down on the black criminals," which would actually in turn mean that thousands and thousands of blacks that would have been shot to death. Again, I don't like to talk in these terms, but this is a, an objective fact. Thousands and thousands of extra blacks that died last year wouldn't have died if actually people like us were in power. So here, here yeah, you're in a situation sure. where the policies that are done, in, the policies Jews promote in the New York Times, Black Lives Matter and so on, which is Black Lives Matter is entirely financed and even managed by Jewish people. Their policies are leading to the deaths of thousands and thousands of, of, of blacks, right? So yeah. that's the, that's that's the, that's the grand irony of it all. And I and I get like that there are black people that are kind of tired of it, but they actually don't have political representation. So they're in their own situation, you know. And forget about whites; like the the white opinion isn't even factored into anything in this country. So yeah, it's so a very complicated. Yeah, like like in the in the sixties, uh, I was born in fifty four. So you know, uh, nineteen sixty four, like the Beatles came came to the states. I was ten years old, and sixty eight, I was like fourteen. Right, so when Wallace, man. So, uh, but you know, the, my my father worked. Uh, I was raised like about forty miles outside of Philadelphia, and it was all dairy farms around me back then. It's all developed now but uh it was like a lot of pennsylvania germans uh it was you know just dairy farms and working people uh but my father worked in these various towns uh, towards philadelphia and he used to always bring home the uh, philadelphia daily news yeah. and in those days it was like uh you know the uh the, the everyday telegram channel where it has the pictures of the, of the black criminals and the victims i mean the philadelphia daily news was like that and I right. and I was a uh, my mother's side of the family. They 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 were actually you know they were kind of out of it. They they were never around black. So I had a great aunt, and she was telling me. I mean, her generation uh, was about Uncle Tom's Cabin and all this stuff. And I you know my mother, my grandmother had a cousin in Tennessee, and she went to my mother when she was a young girl went to visit and saw you know blacks drinking out of separate water fountains, riding on the back of the bus. And she was sort of, you know, put off by that because I think there's white people have a strong sense of fairness and they right. don't like to see people humiliated or made to feel bad, you know. So, right. I mean, that's what I would that's what I was getting. I was raised with all that. And I can remember going visiting relatives in Maryland and uh, it was old Route 1, 95 wasn't even finished yet. And uh, and all these buses from New York and Boston and everything going by just filled with blacks. I remember my mother said, oh, yes, uh, colored people are going to march in Washington for, you know, it was that big King March. And uh, 
So, you, you know, you remember back, back in the day when, they were doing, when I was younger and they were doing school busing, people used to call the bus the rotten banana because it would be the yellow bus with the black kids in the window. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Yeah. I think I actually remember the, the first the first black I remember. I mean, like I said, I was raised. It was only 40 miles outside of Philadelphia, but I was a real little kid. I remember my mother saying to me, that's, it's nice, that's not nice to stare. That's a colored person, you know? <laughs> oh, that's not allowed now. That's a colored person. Is a, uh, okay. Yeah. So let, let, me just, let, let me just uh, – I, I need to take like a 60-second like a break here. I'm going to grab uh, some, some coffee or some water or something to drink. Um, but, yeah, you keep going, uh, Alan. Uh, tell, tell, tell a story about uh, the old days of the ANP as they say, if you want. Uh, well, uh, one that's, uh, you know, geez. that could pass the legal muster. <laughs> <laughs> Hell well, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, after the Wall- when the Wallace thing failed, uh, uh, then, then the people were, were looking for something. Well, what do, what do we do now? And I remember going with with the uh, uh, the older guys uh, to these meetings. We went we went checked out the John Birch Society, and there was clan things. There was actually a big uh, clan, the United Clans of America, run by Robert Shelton. He had a it was it was pretty huge back then in the sixties. Yet, and he had a big uh, group in just north of Philadelphia, in uh, Trevos, Pennsylvania. And you know, so we could go to stuff like that. And then a, a kid in school gave me one of Rockwell's boat tickets. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. Uh, it was a it was a humorous boat ticket to Africa, titled "One Black to Go," and it had all kind of crazy stuff like a watermelon deck or a watermelon patch left unguarded on the deck at night, and all kind of crazy stuff. But on the back of it, it had a thing you could send a dollar uh, for information about the. Uh, racial problems and stuff like that uh it was american nazi party then i guess and uh, so i sent for it and uh it it came to the house and my my mother saw it i guess and she ripped it up threw it in the trash and somehow i came home from school i found it and it was a big fight i took it in my room taped it all back together so i could read this stuff but then i started getting that nswpp literature and uh you know, and then and then gradually I got involved with them. Uh, I was involved with them t- up t- until about uh, 1974, and then there was a lot of splits in in that group, and, uh, and that's when I when I first started going with uh, Dr. Pierce. I met Dr. Pierce in uh, 1974. A friend of mine had gone down to work for him, and uh, <clears throat> then I was right. with him for. Sorry, About ten guys, years, okay. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. So anyway, anyway, yeah. Uh, keep going, uh, Alan, if you if you want. Uh, I think we're running well, up at uh, to at to ten. We're bringing on Josh Neal soon. Um, I think uh, is Nikkei here. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, oh, how you Josh, doing, man? As Good a matter scene. of fact, what? Oh, Nikki, you, it's a good thing you're on because we have a donation from Mongoose that I have to read when we get back to the oh. donations. Oh, uh, let, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, hey, Alan and uh, Warren, th- thanks for coming on, guys. We're going to start going through the donations. We got only two hours left. 
um, sure. and chat with Josh and uh, and uh, Nikkei. So, uh, thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for supporting this cause. Um, okay. and, Congratulations uh, for all the work, and thank you to everybody who uh, came out tonight and contributed to this cause. Definitely. Yeah, it's amazing. Anyway, what, what are we up to now? Uh, what, what, what super chats are we on, uh, fellas? So, Ma- Mongoose Kikamora donated $95. Uh, Shit Grifter and I threw some cash together to ask Stryker what the most national socialist monster girl is. God bless <laughs> HH, never tire. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, you know, um, if I were a pervert, I'd be more into Sonic um, stuff, when you know, Sonic the Hedgehog. So, uh, ah, you're, so you're so you're so you're a sonnet you man, very principled. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's that's. So I'm not going to give an opinion Strikers on. Strikers out here on us. the wheelchair, rolling around at the speed of sound. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you guys see the creepy? I, I never saw the movie, but I remember seeing the uh, the trailer for the the 3D Sonic movie, and it was like this. It was clear. It was clear that a pervert designed that Sonic. Are you talking about the the Jim the one where Jim Carrey plays Robotnik? I heard it was actually yes. pretty good. Well, yeah, this, so this, it's it's really ahead. weird. The uh, people have said it's a based movie, but the protagonist's wife, I think it's Chris Pratt, who plays the protagonist. His yeah. wife is black, and. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the black woman from SNL, like the, you know, big fat one. Um, no, I know. There's no way this wife is Leslie Jones. No. I thought it was Leslie Jones. I've never seen it, but I thought it was. That's Sonic the Hedgehog's wife, or what? No, it's it's Chris Pratt's wife in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Oh, oh, I see. Well, the, the Sonic the Hedgehog was like he had like these really muscular legs and like a really tight ass and shit. Like it was, it was clear that it was some kind of furry <laughs> <laughs> kind of homosexual was the one that. I don't know which Sonic the Hedgehog movie you found, Striker. I don't remember that. I mean, am I thinking, am I am I just imagining this? I think you are. <laughs> am, I, am, I just, am I am I am I just delusional and just drawing these things myself and thinking it's a movie or what? what? Yeah, it is a movie. I don't remember tight asses. People who missed the infamous Fourth of July stream, this is basically how it went. Oh, <laughs> well, I have not had any alcohol, so I'm not going. I'm not going to. I'm not. That, that's after I have my truth serum that I start. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I still have that blackmail material, by the way. I have that whole oh, episode on my. I know. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Like, see, the thing with me, though, is that because I have a, because I sort of have a Queens accent, people just assume I'm a scumbag. So it's not like you can actually, like, offend anyone. It's just an assumption. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the Sonic. What the fuck, bro? The, the, it's the one with the smaller face. That The one with the bigger eyes. The one with the smaller face is the one that they originally did, and they had to redesign him. Not that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, know, I know what you're referring to. Like, the yeah, he had kind of like a weird looking. <laughs> yeah. And there's one where he's like he's like sitting on top of the San Francisco uh, Brit the what's that the Golden Gate Bridge, and he has yeah. like these really muscular legs, and it's really just look up Sonic the Hedgehog movie poster, and and you might find it. Sonic the Hedgehog movie poster. Yeah, that I don't that, know, I don't, that, that no, I don't think I don't think I don't think that's accurate. I think I th- as I recall, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie poster had uh, had Chris Chan in it, being as played by Chris Pratt. Interesting. 
No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> Post the correct one, Frank. Find the one of. Uh, oh, there it is. There it is. You pass it. It's 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 just the shoes over the Golden Gate Bridge. Go up. Go up. Go up. No, no, no. That's not it. I, I'm not actually looking at it in the chat either. By the way, I'm looking at it on the live stream. So, poster. You you actually passed it before. Yeah, legs. Yeah, legs. Just look up legs. The poster. No, no, here's the, here's the real question. <laughs> here's the real question. <laughs> what color is Sonic the Hedgehog's arms? Yes, this is um, actually very important. Blue. No, not that one. Go 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 to go to the last one and look it up with legs, not original. Legs, legs. Delete original and write legs. <laughs> <laughs> Just do Sonic the Hedgehog Golden Gate. That's how you'll find it. I know which one he's referring to. Man, this is quite the rat race. He found it. He found it, huh? Let's see. Uh, the wife just told me that we're being too loud about Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> the, neighbors, yeah. the neighbors might hear. Well, straight up, like, yeah. But anyway, let's uh, let's move on. Um, okay, he's looking at there, 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 there it is. Yeah, that that's isn't that odd? Like, there's something about that that's really off-putting. That picture of him with with his legs out like that, like he has like these muscular runner's legs, and no, that that's too close. But you know what's weird about yeah that one you passed it yeah like you never knew. that one that one that's the one that that that's that's like that's like a picture like when someone sends someone a dick pic or something it's, it's <laughs> you just get that vibe from it it's just it's not for it's not I, oh, oh, awesome this is exactly the point i wanted josh to come in on this excellent oh, here we have the the probably one of the smartest people on the right and glad hey hello josh glad you can join us for this uh, brilliant conversation uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about here. Josh, I actually have a very important question for you. What color is Sonic the Hedgehog's arms? Uh, Jesus Christ. Weren't they white in the video game? There we go. Someone's got yes, it correct. Finally. Man, that's like... You, you, that's like some real useless trivia, bro. That's like knowing what a two-spirit is. You would think so until you make a, uh, <laughs> an advertisement in a GameStop, uh, you know, half a decade ago. If only you had knew how bad you fucked up by making his arms blue. Then you would, you would know. <laughs> you might not have been maced by a tranny. Yeah, yeah. a tranny maced you and uh, vandalized your, your uh, advertisement. Yeah. So anyway, Josh... Uh, so, what's up with you? Are you? Uh, how's your book doing? Is it getting read and talked about, and lots of people buying it and shit? Uh, I do get uh, quarterly reports from Mike at Imperium, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, look, I thought like twenty people would buy it, so so like, the, and we're like closing in on two thousand sales, so I'm really happy oh, about that. That's amazing. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. I don't think I have the record of best-selling book of theirs because uh, recently that guy who always posts pictures of sharks on Twitter uh, published a book with them, oh. and I think I think that uh, I think people like sharks more than they like uh, you know yeah. hot me- takes. Me- like me- meta politics, <laughs> a dispassionate <laughs> metapolitical analysis of extremism. Yeah. It's a it's a fantastic book. You and I, I mean, there's an older people square where you can actually um, listen to a in depth. Um, discussion on this book. It's actually one of the best 
written books of um, – of um, this style of basically it, it, it combines philosophy, psychology, because I know you have a background in psychology, right? Right, Josh? Yeah, I did. I did study and I taught for a few years. Yeah. Ah, there you go. So he combines psychoanalysis with uh, um, a bunch of other different disciplines to basically talk about these different tendencies in, in our society of, you know, what – what motivates? Because see, as as right wing people, and frankly, as Gentiles, you know, the the, the legalism and uh, psychoanalysis; those things are basically the J- Jewish ways of deconstructing things. But um, we we tend to often ignore these things when applying them to the political sphere. So what I mean by that is, you know, when, when we when, when when people look at the the power structures of America. They're not thinking about the subtext of things, right? Um, and if if you're if you're thinking in terms of metapolitics, you know that ideas kind of uh, are precursors to action. And so, studying those ideas and studying the subconsciousness of, of them, and then you know, me and Mike were talking before about Pareto and um, how he used history, uh, historical observation to look at patterns of elites rising and falling, right? And I find that some of that actually even dovetails what, you, what you're doing. I mean, you, you sort of use history a little bit. I mean, what do you think of that? Well, I'll, I'll just say I'm not willing to give uh, give up psychoanalysis to the West Germans. Uh, I don't think... <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, they, they without Nietzsche, you never would have had it. And, uh, and I think you can probably go back to... Uh, People like Plato and Aristotle, and, and it, it goes back a very long time. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not <laughs> I'm not a historian, and so I often feel like uh, I'm missing big pieces of like what the fuck people are talking about in this whole right. community because it's like, oh, I don't know what happened in Spain in, in 1838 or what. I don't even know what the fuck happened yesterday. So I mean, you're you're, you're barking up the wrong tree with me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it. The, you know, I, I, I guess I wrote the book because, you know, uh, I feel like there's a lack of seriousness, you know, and like a lack of uh, self-critical, uh, you know, a self-critical view about like why we're doing all this. And, you know, I, I, I'd like to think I have, you know, pretty good motivations for being here, but yeah. uh, it's pretty easy to get you know, fucked up in the head and, and be chasing all kinds of silly things that are totally incidental to, to what we're doing. But, uh, the reaction to the book has been good. I do think that, uh, people are, are responding to it in the right way. And yeah, you have these trends that, that emerge throughout history. It's one of the reasons when you were saying that I was thinking about Marxism and again, I'm not a, I'm not a, a big, uh, scholar of Marx, but I, you could probably even say this isn't even Marxist, really. But like the whole idea that ideas don't don't drive history, like ideas don't compel people, ideas don't come. It's just all modes of production and and right. historical materialism. Like, it's, I mean, it just seems like really fucking silly nonsense to me. Uh, people do what they do because they have some ideal that is really important to them, right? You know, there's there's almost something 
kind of religious about that in the sense that, um, oh, that's fate. You know, historical materialism is essentially a religious kind of super imposition on the way we study history and, and, and everything because uh, it basically says this is fate. There's nothing you can do about it. This class will perish. This class will rise. Um, and I, I just don't think that's true. And I think that actually the the very elite, you know, the, the elites have an esoteric and an exoteric, right? That That's something that Julius Evelyn writes about, that religious elites have that. And increasingly, the... Uh, the esoteric truth that our elites know is that there's actually a fucking very strong link between cause and effect. That if you try to do something, that if you try to will something, that it might happen. And things like Marxism, things like um, a lot of stuff like that is is essentially like, oh, this this is kind of like uh, it's it's self-propelling. It's free of human will. And what does that do exactly? So if there's capitalist exploitation or there's financial fraud and there's people being oppressed with the power of money, it kind of takes the um, guilt away from the culprits, doesn't it? Like if I was an elite, I'd want Marxism to at least affect the the general philosophy of society, which it has in America, not – with the same conclusions, but definitely the mechanisms of it, um, that world affairs, world history is independent of human motivations and will. What a wonderful philosophy if you're a, a let's just say a West German, as you call them, that <laughs> wants to that wants to control a very large minority of possibly competent people, competent enough that if they got together and used human will, they could overthrow you. So isn't that wonderful? It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, again, with the, the full caveat that uh, well, I read Communist Manifesto one time when I was like 18 or whatever, uh, so <laughs> I'm sure people can be like, oh, this fucking guy doesn't know what he's talking about, and I probably no. don't. But it's just, you know, again, if you want to take a psychoanalytic perspective here, it's a, it's, I think it's a, whether we're talking Marx or Moldbug, there's a <laughs> unconscious motivation for these West Germans to, like, obfuscate the human aspect of uh, political action and history and economics. Uh, you know, I don't want a 2015 post here, but like there's that, you know, the great Sam Hyde quote, like these people have names and addresses like you can yeah. point to these people. You can trace there are people who've done genealogical um, uh, investigations into like exactly what lineage, you know, various CEOs or media personalities or or judges yeah. Politicians are, and how far back they go in history as effectively being uh, the, the 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 elite, the merchant, the mercantile elite. Well, that's something else that that doesn't get enough talk is that a lot of the same lineages, as you say, that were like doing Bolshevism in Russia are now like running Wall Street in America. Like, like oftentimes it's the same people, it's the same families, <laughs> like the same exact families that were involved in the like the same exact people that were commissars in the Soviet Union, they moved to America in the 1930s or for whatever, and uh, and now they, like, run Wall Street banks and fucking – or they're, they're just prominent in various institutions. Um, and so if you have a Marxist 
analysis of history, they just become submerged in this like, you know, okay, they're the property owning class. Um, and that's like, they have no, they have no human will, no, no way to, to change this. It's just a force of history. It's, it's stronger than them. There's no guilt. There's no responsibility or accountability. And, uh, that, that's, I think, you know, where we get, uh, Giovanni Gentile. Do you, do you know anything about Gentile? No, I'm actually, I'm waiting. Uh, Imperium is actually going to publish a book by, I think that, uh, Zoltanus translated yes. on Gentile, but I've, I've not actually read him. So I'm it's not. We're getting a new Gentile translation. What is the uh what is the estimated publishing date for that? When can I buy that? I think uh no later than winter next year, but I'm not I'm not behind the scenes. It's it's on it's on the queue, put it that way. All right. Mm. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Giovanni Gentile was possibly the most influential philosophy and continent philosopher in continental Europe during his time. And he's just been memory hold by Jews because of his connection to Mussolini. Um, so having, bringing back these books, I mean, that's again, there are so many different ways for people out there. There's like, okay, what do I do? Like what kind of activism is there to do? Like we can't march in the street necessarily right now because of all the different problems that come with that. So how do we fight? Well, the answer is very simple. Um, it's basically, uh, the U S army special forces, I believe, was it the green berets that had this It's it's the saying improvise, adapt and overcome. And so there, I think there's something that, that you're right about, Josh, that there needs to be almost a reexamination on the foundation of our ideas because frankly, they were never developed from 2016 when 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 this thing blew up into the the phenomenon that it is. Um, you know, there was a lot of stuff from Alan de Benoit and uh, Sam Francis and fuck and um, you know stuff like that. Like it was it was floating around, but we didn't actually <laughs> we didn't actually come up with any theories on how to win or yeah. even how to analyze this this society like. You have to understand that you have to understand what you're fighting against before you can defeat it. And so engaging in, in the kind of scholarship you do, which, by the way, your, your book is superior. I've read your book. It's superior to anything that's being produced in the academy right now by a lot. And you know how I know this? Because I've showed PhDs your book, PhDs in psychology and so on. I've shown them your book, and they've read it, and they agree that this is actually better than anything being published in their field right now. Uh, that's good to hear. Yeah, so um, I'll turn on his head a little bit, though, because uh, you know one of the things I was really concerned about writing it is like we're under such intense scrutiny. Like, oh, yeah. ev- everyone knows that, and the last thing I want to do is contribute to that and and give another monkey on people's back for them to be like, oh my god, am I fucked up in the head or whatever? Uh, <laughs> the the, the uh, probably aside from the the theoretical. Praxis that you talked about. I think the really big area that we've lost the plot completely. I don't want to say we. I don't necessarily mean you know us folks, but broadly from like 2015 to 2017 is uh, just the 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 West German question. Oh yeah, <laughs> has completely faded out of out of the equation. You Amazing, know, isn't and it? and people talk about you know when I got in this thing was I guess the tail end of like the 
the craze of culture of critique. Like that was oh, that was one of the books everyone talked about, everyone read. It got memed into you know yeah. public consciousness. Basically, Jordan Peterson's talking to Kevin McDonald on Twitter, whatever the case is, and and I don't even really agree with Kevin McDonald. I think I don't I don't even think he 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 did great work. Phenomenal yes. writer, phenomenal work. Definitely, the research is unmatched at the very least. Yeah, on that book. yeah. But like, like the framing of the of the the West German problem was like so. It was. It's like it's fundamentally it was like not a like spiritual analysis. And if you go with like right. historicism and evolutionary psychology, like that doesn't get you very far. And in fact, there are little exit. Uh, stations on on those ways of thinking, like you can get off on IQ nationalism, you can get off on whatever, all these different obfuscatory things. It's like one thing that we've totally lost is just like fundamentally like what these people are about and, and what their character is like and that is what needs to be resisted, right? Like I, I don't have the patience at all for for like grug level like it's admirable in a way like street corner anti-semitism is kind of admirable <laughs> thank you do admire me thank you <laughs> but it's like you know man well, like, the admiration is mutual yeah it doesn't go along i think you know you have to have a, a, a bigger picture of it i think yeah i mean you know i i, I the, the the fear i have with some of that though is that sometimes it goes off into the realm of over analyzing stuff like for example people will, will strongly analyze christianity right like christianity i know that this is actually a common thread in many kind of um radical nationalists or even radical traditionalist writers will look at the christian religion as a kind of um, you know subversion of Western man, you know, but I think that looking too deep into that is like, you know, you could argue, you can argue either way on either side of that. You could argue that Christ, the Christian faith is a expression of, of Faustian European, you know, the man God type of thing. That's what Spengler would say. And then on the other side, you would say, you would see like Sam Francis, who was a very hostile to Christianity, but that might also be marked by his experience with evangelicals. So it gets complicated. But the point is, though, is that my, my, my critique is admittedly very simple. My critique is that Jews are just like a, a criminal organization and they run, they run the world through violent crime, frankly, like through crime, through injustice, through cheating. And so, the question is, like, this needs to be politically resolved, you know. But I do also appreciate the philosophical and, um, you know, kind of the stuff. I actually appreciate all kinds of um, disciplines on this matter because I think that to have a, a, an accurate perspective of the world, you need to have a comprehensive view of it, you know. So – I think that, that, that yeah. there's room for everything, you know, there's, there's room, but I think that you, one thing I agree with you hundred percent on though, is that there needs to be more rigorous scholarship, you know, because you, you're right. If you're not grounded in a methodology for thinking for philosophy, then you have a situation that we're in now where you see a ton of really kooky stuff going on out there, like conspiracy theory stuff that isn't even like within the realm of, you know, 
realistic stuff that that matters. And, you know, it's kind of unfortunate because that's a lot of passion and energy that's being wasted. And frankly, part of the problem is just the lack of, of hard hard methodology and ideas, you know, having a plan or having a, or at least having an analysis and then developing a forward thinking plan from it. And so right now with with the uh, you know, now that it's winter, as they say, political winter right now, this is a chance for us to sit and study what we did wrong and right and how to get an accurate picture of the world that is completely dispassionate, free of zeal, free of prejudice and, and, and editorializing and free of, of uh, our preconceived notions and just take the data, take the facts, take the science, take the philosophy, take it and actually apply it and develop something from it. So that's all right. So let me ask you something, Josh, are you writing any other books? Are you interested in any other things that you want to write about? Yeah, actually, uh, I'm working on an essay for uh, another thing that Imperium Press publishes called uh, The Firstest Journal. And the the working title is Ethos and the Internet. Um, it'll probably be published sometime later this year. And I don't know that I could explain too much about what it, what, what the fuck it's about. So people will just have to wait for that. But um, by the end of next year, I'll have another book for Imperium Press uh, called Suspicious Minds. And I kind of want to do the same thing. I did in the last book with conspiracy theories um, to the point you just made about like, you know, over intellectualizing, so on and so forth. Maybe, but the, on the flip side, if you have the ability to think about these issues, like I'm, I'm not going to talk to you about Hegel and like shit like that. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, our problems have nothing to do with Hegel or very little to do with Hegel. Really? <laughs> Uh, and it, they're like there are critical conceptual problems that smart people should be devoting themselves to that have an immediate effect on like the average person. I, on a on a very fundamental level, I'm pretty much a populist, and I think you have to be able I to am. talk to people, and you have to be able to relate to them, and you have to be uh, willing to work with them and see them as part of the project that you're doing. So if I want, if I'm writing. It's always with an eye in mind uh, to what is going to help, you know, yeah, other people around me, not just fart sniffing uh, uh, intellectuals. But uh, oh, yeah, those yeah. are two things I'm working on, and and not for nothing, you know, I actually am starting to miss the smart, the, the fart sniffing intellectuals. I'm actually missing them right now because I don't know if you follow like the the what passes for a right wing intellectual now, like in in our generation, like the Claremont Institute. Oh yeah. Okay, James Poulos. You sure you, you, sure you missed Poulos? them? You uh, you just read the um, the Rodrier quote uh, earlier <laughs> yeah, not, today on the stream. That's the thing. Rod that's what passes as a right wing intellectual today. Right. That's my point. But the thing is, like, he, he's not actually like an arrogant, like holier than thou. I'm smarter than you. You're like that. If you actually have that level. That's fine, but the thing with Rodrier is in a because he's an, an elite, but he's trying to to look like a populist. He ends up talking about penises and stuff like wieners. <laughs> and he's talking about pr- 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 primitive primitive. What is it? Primitive root wieners. Like he thinks because because <laughs> because because living amongst the people or talking to the people is just in theory. It's an abstraction to him because he's such a yeah. insulated bourgeois homo. 
Well, um, it's even it's also even worse than that. I I actually I asked. So I I have a friend who who knows people, and I asked him if he knew uh, Roger, and he told me I don't know him, but I do know two who know him well enough to call him a friend. Their take is that. Ron is a hick lib who hates his hometown and home people, but knows the left is insane. He wants the big, bad, evil reactionary backlash, but brought on and done by someone else. He is very emotional. He is very sensitive. He will also shit on poor right-wingers at any given chance and is gullible to fall for every op because he's a docile, naive creature. He is weirdly loyal to friends, though. He also is 90% of the traffic at Amcon. I don't know who fucking reads him, but he drives traffic. Well, I was talking some about this today. Like, you know, Amcon used to publish people like Philip Giraldi, Pat Buchanan, whatever you think of those guys. Those guys are serious people. Now, apparently, someone is is funding Rod Dreher to be like the superstar at Amcon. Like, who who is paying for that? Like, what what's that about? You know, that's that's my thing. And and uh, you know. But um, what I was getting at, though, is that, like, you know, there is a fucking crisis of intelligent people on the right in terms of people that are academic, serious and so on. And part of it is that there's no money in it. And if there is, it's like Peter Thiel is like funding people at the Claremont Institute. And Peter Thiel is very partial to clowns. He loves clowns. And so you see a lot of the nonsense that they're up to. And it's not none of it is serious. All of it is dumb. They, they, they're getting the pulse wrong on, on, on middle America, on white working people. Here's the thing. Someone else brought this up on Twitter. People are actually getting less religious right now. Okay. And it's actually accelerated in the last year. This isn't to attack religious people because if you actually see religion as something that spiritually fulfills you, more power to you. I support that 100%. However, if you're trying to use religion – Christianity, Catholicism, whatever, in a cynical way, for political, as a way to, to quote them, red pill the normies. If that's how you see Christianity, you are fucking barking up the wrong tree because people are actually less religious than ever. And so if you're going out there d- doing the whole Steve Bannon uh, wave, wave a crucifix at people and these are people, by the way, the people that wave the crucifix don't go to church on Sunday. They're doing it as a way of polit- – as their idea of political populism. But the problem is there are fewer religious people now than ever. So if your goal is, is to utilize religion as a form of political populism, then you're not going to get very far. And in fact, you will marginalize yourself further when you do the Christ is king. You know, that's your rallying call and stuff. However, if your goal – is to get people to think in religious terms rather than in racial ones. And many of these people create the false choice between them. It's not a false choice. You don't have to choose. You can be spiritual and religious in your life without being an anti-racist. That's entirely true. Yeah, you can totally just ask the Orthodox people, right? Orthodox (laughs) Christians don't have a problem with that at all. Look, I've I've been going to an ethnic church my whole life. I was baptized as a baby in an ethnic church. And I've... Look... If, if you compare uh, every single homily I've been present for uh, to a Rodrier article, you will find no overlap. Well, Rodrier will give you a very inaccurate perception of the Orthodox faith. It's just what do people in your church think of, of converts like Rodrier, like interlopers like that, like walking into your fucking Greek church? What do they think of that? Oh. 
Well, there's we a term for people. There's a term yeah. for people who uh, kind of like LARP the converting very a little bit too hard, which is convertidox. Well, I said this to Mike before. Rodrier went from Protestant to Catholic to Orthodox in like a ten year period. That's not a serious person. That's not someone who's investing himself in any either religion. But yeah, I, I, people who are Marxist and then they're fascist and then they're yeah. Nazbol or whatever. It's just yeah. like it's just clothing that they're putting on. It's just fashion. Like they're not. I mean, I I'm not a Christian, uh, but I have had an almost lifelong, unshaking belief in a kind of God. You know, uh, yeah. and seriously, religious people I know are like that. It's not like this fastidious, like I'm gonna. Uh, obsess over the minutia of doctrine like I'm reading baseball cards or whatever. Like, it's just this cool, sexy factoid that's going <laughs> to stimulate my brain, and then I have to go on to something else and on to something else and something else, and it's just... Uh, yeah, it's it's very disgusting. But I, yeah. I didn't want to interrupt. Yeah, the, the idea of, like, converting to a religion uh, like, more than once in a lifetime, I don't know, personally, I feel it's anachronistic, it's a very modern thing. Yeah. The idea that you find truth and that's, that's like a very meaningful statement. When you convert to a religion, you're attesting to the notion that you have found truth and you've been persuaded of it in a very meaningful way to the point that you've made a decision to accept these beliefs. The idea that you've done more than once within your lifetime, it kind of speaks against the, the like meaningful validity of your you know profession of faith and I, even I, when I mean, most people have converted in the past like especially like in the 20th century it's usually being because they married somebody and that's the compromise that's they, they made on that it is, yeah. i mean there's a very modern t- context especially in the united states because we have such a, a diverse uh hodgepodge of European ethnic backgrounds, like right. just, you know, setting aside the racial question, yeah, uh, you you have like, you know, a Italian Catholic marrying a German Lutheran. So you know, the question is, how do you raise your children? This is only something that really exists in the United States to the extent that it does, just because of yeah. like the de- right. the denominational uh, schizophrenia, if you will. Yeah, uh, th- that it is possible here because of the ethnic diversity. I mean, even within European uh, ethnicities, there are religious divides, and that right. that sort of like breaks down here in the United States, and it creates a context for which people who have been raised in a certain faith uh, don't have the they aren't surrounded by people. Of that same faith, uh, necessarily. Well, your assumption should be that if you're born into a faith, you'll die in it. That's that, it that, should that's, be. The, that's the assumption our ancestors all had for for thousands of years. So, what the uh, hell is this bullshit? Rodriguez <laughs> treating treating uh, religions like they're fucking. Like he's at a wine test, t- wine tasting uh, show, and he's fucking just trying. Oh, oh, this is the California white wine, and this is the this is the Italian one, and this is the Spanish wine, and I love the fruitiness of the Spanish one, so I'm gonna uh, drink this wine, and but uh, with religions. That yeah, that's what this guy does. Clip, clip that, Frank. We get we have new drops. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it it is quite perplexing to me because, I mean, all right, 
you're raised Methodist. Presumably, if you're a guy like Rod Dreher, uh, you've had a interest in your religion from a young age. Mm-hmm. And that means you've taken Methodism seriously for a certain period of time. And then this whole idea of Catholicism is exposed to you, and it just fascinates you. You delve right. deep into the, the history of Catholicism. It in, inspires a new interest in the history of the Christian faith, and you look into its history, and then you say, all right, uh, I submit to Rome. Right. Uh, Catholicism is the one true church, and you know I abide by the doctrine that anyone outside of the Roman Catholic faith is uh, you know, damned to hell, because right. they are outside of the salvation of the church. That's what you say when you go from Methodism to Catholicism. Yeah. You know, if you're Rod Rear. And then, I don't even know how long he was a Catholic. It doesn't really <laughs> matter. Uh, like yeah, five minutes later. Like, he hears about Orthodox. He's like, oh, this church says it's been around longer. You know, personally, I would agree with that. Right, thing. like he's leasing but, a car or something. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like... Uh, I found this uh, this model that's even uh, older and classier, and it was in American Graffiti. And now I have to now I have to uh, yeah get one for myself. And I don't tr- I don't trust people like that, man. I really don't trust people that do stuff like that that change their religion every five minutes and shit. I would, like this people I that give, are. Yeah. I give people the benefit of the doubt when it comes to these things, but I need to hear it in their own words, like why they did it. I mean, if they don't have a really very specific and well thought out reason for it. I just don't think you've put enough thought into why you've done it. I mean, I can understand from a Christian perspective, you see that the Orthodox Church is virile. The Jesus in the Orthodox Church is um, a very masculine Jesus. It's a very warrior kind of Christianity. It's also the reason why Orthodoxy is different is because it's ethnically tied and it's also um, frankly been through a lot. You know, the Turks, the, you know, the, the reason why orthodoxy is so hardcore is because of the amount of blood that had to be shed to protect orthodoxy. I do agree with that. And at the and same time, I don't, I don't want to take away from the, the ethnic component that's been very real in the Catholic Church as well. Absolutely. But Even problem, in America. Here, I mean, you've problem. seen, I mean, yeah. you could go to any like major city and there's the Polish yeah. church, there's the Italian church. Not so much anymore, but it used to be that way, yeah. Yes, more so than in the past. And I I really don't know what what makes it different between orthodoxy and Catholicism. That Catholicism is sort of like uh, become this amalgamation church. You go to a Catholic church in the U.S. today, and you'll see, you know, uh, South American immigrants in the same church as, you know, Austrians, Filipinos, uh, French people, Italians, Irish. They'll all be in the same parish together, and it's, you know, maybe they can get along as a local community. Yeah, no, they don't. They don't. I've seen multicultural churches. I'll tell you because I've seen I've seen this happen in my life. The multicultural churches end up just catering to one group. So basically, like if there's a like if if it's a place like New York City, the mm-hmm. Catholic Church will have a Tagalog mass, a <laughs> Spanish language mass. I'm serious. That's how they do it. And so it, it ends up being even segregated inside <laughs> the church. You know, th- there might be a few people of European descent. They're usually really old. 
that'll stay stay along for it. But usually the the churches actually do cater to different ethnic groups because that's how basically they they get things done. But um, what I, what I was going to say about Catholicism is that. Um, the, the difference between Catholicism and Orthodoxy, the reason why Catholicism, in my opinion, and I say this as a person who is an ethnic Catholic, I'm Italian, Iberian, so the reason why it, it has so many problems, and basically it's, it's on the outs, it's my opinion. Don't take it personally if you're Catholic. I'm not attacking you for it, but I'm just saying I, it's just from my perspective, Catholicism is heavily declining. And the reason for that is that it's just been targeted more. It's, it's, it was more susceptible to infiltration and Zionist attack. It's based in Western Europe and, frankly, in the United States as well. And uh, these places are completely they, – they, it's just been infected with the diseases of the countries where it's been. Um, Russia and Eastern Europe and Greece and stuff, they have their problems, serious problems, but the churches have been able to kind of withstand it better. Likely also because it's harder to infiltrate them because they're more decentralized than the Catholic Church, right? So I do agree with that point. I yeah. think that's the, I think that's the most salient. But don't aspect. worry, the CIA has historically tried to destroy Orthodoxy by um, having things like I, I, you could probably tell me more about this, like the con, the Constantinople. Uh, uh, oh. What's it? <laughs> I, I yeah. could uh, talk about this a lot, but you yeah. know, in brief, that, that's I, all run by NATO and the CIA. That's all I, bullshit. Yeah, I, I am pretty convinced that the current um, patriarch in Constantinople uh, does have a lot of CIA influence put upon him. Um, and it, it's so it's very, like a fake it's, church too, with no power. It's like a fake patriarch. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's got no power. I mean, it's got a concerning amount of power. Um, mm. Especially if you look at the situation in Ukraine, uh, oh, yeah. so in in Orthodox countries, the reli religion is very salient uh, in the public consciousness in terms of identity, uh, and in Ukraine, you can see this play out on a very political sphere as yeah. opposed to spiritual. Right. Uh, the politics of the church in Ukraine sort of outshine the transcendent aspects of it. Uh, in you know. For, for very important reasons, and I think it's because uh, the the Muscovite Church, the the Russian Orthodox Church, uh, has historically had uh, you know uh, authority over the church in Ukraine. A new uh, patriarch is patriarchate is established, uh, you know, within the past few years in Ukraine, and you have uh, this this. Uh, conflict over recognition of this patriarchate between right. Constantinople and Moscow, and I think it's all based on just geopolitics. It has yeah. nothing to do with religion. And the decisions you know, are made in Washington. Not they <laughs> are. They're made. In, they're made in Langley Falls, yeah. Virginia. And, and you're 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 also seeing something with the Catholic Church. I don't know if you if you've seen this. I wrote an article about yesterday, and it's about the German Orthodox the oh, the German Catholic Church is now passed a resolution to, to marry homos. They're going to do gay marriages. Catholic Church in, in Germany. A Catholic Church? Yes. Oh they passed God, a resolution. Unprecedented. unprecedented. Um, it's a resolution they passed uh, earlier in the week, actually. It's very recent. They've been marrying gays in various uh, parishes in Bavaria and other parts of Germany. 
they've been marrying gays since um, since last spring. They've been blessing their same sex marriages. I haven't heard about this. this yes, is, it's, it's a silent, really shocking. It's a silent war that they're running. And so Pope Francis last last March passed um, a decree banning this practice. So even Pope Francis had to do that. He said, you can't marry homos in a Catholic church. You can't do it's like it. the one good thing he's ever done. <laughs> well, I mean, well, here's, here's the problem, though. So he passed the decree, but the German Catholic Church has continued to – the German Catholic Church is not all of them. Some of them have not only continued to do it. They actually had a, a public rally where Catholic priests married like hundreds of gays at the same time. After what? That. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is How shit that's been happening. This? Oh, it, no one's talking about because it, they're not talking about it yet. But anyway, um, you know, so Francis passes a decree. He's the pope, says stop doing this, and they keep doing it. So what does a pope do in that situation? Well, what does a pope historically do? Well, he, he banishes them. He defrocks the priests doing it. He makes some examples. He cuts ties with the archdiocese that is is pat, that does this as a rule, and the Catholic Church pulls away. But now here's the problem, Nike. The German Catholic Church is one of the wealthiest Catholic branches in the world. It's actually wealthier than the than the uh, than the Vatican. The German Catholic Church is more has more money than the Vatican. Okay. And the reason for this is that – I don't know if you know this. This is kind of interesting, and I remember this when I was in Germany, is that if you're a baptized Catholic in Germany, the German government actually takes taxes out of your, your um, paycheck that go to the Catholic Church actually. So they have a state-mandated tithe in, uh, in Germany. And so over the years, the Catholic Church has accumulated an immense amount of money. Like talking like billions, like just just the Archdiocese of Cologne has five billion dollars. And there was a scandal last year, a couple of years ago, where um, one of the bishops bought like a thirty five million dollar luxury home. <laughs> so there's a lot of corruption in the German Catholic Church. And so basically they're pushing the gay stuff hardcore. They're openly defying the Vatican and the Vatican is not fighting back. So what does that mean? Well, Pope Francis probably wants to lose on this one. Because if you look at how Pope Francis treats trad Catholics, he's pretty hardcore. He's going to start cracking he down on them. marginalizes them. He's like, right. hey, you have to get my permission before you can do a Latin mass. Like the most right. innocuous of all traditions. Uh, right. the, the language question is, is extremely innocuous. I mean, yeah. He just uses that as a proxy for what you believe, like, uh, doctrinally. Right. And so the, the problem Catholics have right now that Orthodox Christians don't is the doctrine of papal fallacy, which, you know, has worked somewhat well for many years. It's had its downfall, its downsides, too. But uh, if you're – this is kind of the catch-22. If you're a traditionalist Catholic, if you believe in, in pure scripture, in – uh, scriptural doctrine, then you're in a situation where Pope Francis is tolerating gay marriage in the German parishes, not doing anything about it. But because of because as a traditional Catholic, you actually have to defer to the Pope. And on top of that, the Pope has shown that 
he will actually try and excommunicate his right wing critics. He actually has like there have been attempts to do that and shit. It's it's complicated, but anyway. So, and he, here's the issue with that as well because yeah, it's you and I, with the the issue of papal infallibility. What the what Catholics say and what we say is that he well he's not he's not speaking ex cathedra from the chair. That's where the infallibility is that the pope. You know, that's why like Francis can make statements. Right. That don't actually contradict the church. My concern, and my wife and I have this concern as as Catholics, is that the way I kind of look at it is that he's Francis and and people like him are trying to set it up so they don't ever have to make it official until it no longer matters. They're basically weakening it as much as possible to the point where it's kind of like how how they work around laws. In the United States, like, yeah, technically we have rights, but they've made it so it effectively doesn't matter. Right. The way that the way that it's enforced. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. That's my worry. That's my concern. We got a a very special guest here. It's uh, it's Keith Woods. Keith Woods. How you doing, Keith? Hey, Keith. Top of the morning. Keith. Hey, it's it's fucking late where he's at. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like six in the morning. <laughs> the poor guy. Is yeah, so he's, he's actually he's he's uh he's doing good and coming on. Well, Keith, just inter- Keith, just interrupt me when you're on. I'll just read some donations. Oh yes, but please do. Yes. Until uh until you hop on, Keith. Uh, so MP donated two hundred dollars, given what I can to help. So sad to see. So sad. So sad to have people in the community suffering in this way recently. Sending my best wishes. Yeah. Mugwort donated ten dollars, raises an arm. Arminius Rex twenty thirty eight donates fifty dollars. Great show. Junta Momonari, are you familiar? Five and five. Are you familiar? Oi, oi, top of the morning to you. What's up, Keith? Keith. We had you for a second there. Oh, oh, poor Keith. What's it? Well, just interrupt me again when you. Uh, okay. Hello. Can you hear me now? Oh, how you okay. doing, Keith? Thanks for coming on, brother. How you doing? Yeah, man? good to talk to you guys. Oh, how fuck? It's fucking late out there, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's kind of early now. Yeah, I, I know I said this when we first did the Odyssey thing, and then we kind of we, we tried it once, and then we didn't do it for months. But they, you were a big reason why we were able to get enough library coins to be able to start streaming. So thank you very much for that, Keith. I just wanted to say that to you. Oh yeah, no, oh, Keith good. is a fucking solid member of our community. And uh, yeah, by the way, actually, if anyone is uh, donating, uh, I recommend do it on Odyssey because they take a smaller cut. They only take five percent. I think Entropy takes fifteen percent. So oh, like late donations going in. Oh, we, well, now that Keith is here, I mean, entropy. We're over twenty five hundred in Odyssey right now. Well, I'm sorry, what were you saying, Josh? Just say now that Keith is here, I, I think uh, I think we need to to red pill Striker here on I why Zimbabwe is based and Le Pen can forget fucked. Oh, <laughs> <sighs> I mean, what what I'll, what I'll say, German, man. I, I'll say about I'll say this. Um, the, the thing the thing is that Le Pen is her is the architect of her own downfall, and I think that that is like the the main lesson for optics cucks. You know, whatever happens after that is just irrelevant. The the net the, the front national is over. This is a, the, the the premier Gentile institution is done. Yeah, how did yeah, I, I don't know a whole lot yeah. about it, but it, it is interesting that like after all the work she did building it up, that then. Basically, because that she cooked on so many positions, she can so easily get outflanked within like yeah. a few weeks, basically, by this guy. 
Oh, I'll, t- I'll say this is this is exactly what happened, Keith. So Marine Le Pen has been climbing the optics cuck mountain. So she's climbing Mount Everest, right? She's doing this King for about mountain. <laughs> yeah. So she's doing this for about six years, purging even her own father because he offended the the French equivalent of the ADL, and so she humiliated and purged the founder of Front National, who also happens to be her dad. And so this person is just a mercy. She's 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 about to get to the peak of the mountain. She's got a hand. She's about to get over the ledge, and then in the distance, a jet approaches. It's an Israeli jet, and out of this Israeli jet jumps this goblin man with a parachute. <laughs> <laughs> he lands. <laughs> he lands at the peak of the mountain, just like that. Her hand, she, there, she's about to get over the, the ledge, and he just goes up to her and steps on her finger, and then it's a free fall to the ground. That's pretty much what happened. So all, all, of, all of the connections she made over the years, she, she did everything in her power to placate the Jews in her country, create like a little, little segment of, of Jewry in France that was pro-Le Pen, including the, one of the most powerful media figures, uh, an Israeli billionaire, that runs BMF, BMTV, I think. And he was actually trying to, for years, trying to mainstream and demarginalize Le Pen and did it to some degree. Well, now he has completely bounced Marine Le Pen for Zamor. Like, just like that. I didn't think twice about it. Just said, oh, I'm for Eric Zamor now. Sorry, Marine. After years of Marine Le Pen working for his, for this Israeli billionaire's approval. And, you know, another thing, too, is that she liberalized the party on cultural issues to the point where, like, Zamor can just go and say, hey, man, you know, homosexuality is disgusting. Look at all these elites. They're, they're gay, gay pedophiles. This is a big problem in France in particular, where the line between a pedophile and a homosexual is actually not quite clear. And, um... There's a lot of scandals going on with that, and so the gay the gay shit is like actually kind of unpopular there with a lot of the people that would vote for a front national. And so this guy's just coming around and like, "Hey, I don't like queers either." Uh, so basically, what I what I wrote on Telegram is the great irony of this. And again, it's it is what it is. The great irony of this is that Eric Zamor is overshadowing Marine Le Pen by sounding like her father, mm-hmm. who she purged for sounding too extreme. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess you know whatever. It is what it is, man. You know. Yeah, I thought it's interesting. Like he has a he has a totally different framing for anti-immigration policies than you usually see in Europe. Like, yeah, it's, he doesn't have it at all with the usual context stuff. He's like combining it with like radical sort of anti-capitalist, like anti-modernist critiques. Oh yeah, so it's kind of interesting that that can become so popular i mean france is a weird case as well though. like i have a french friend i remember he was sending me uh some videos of zamor a few years ago uh and like you know they have him on these like mainstream talk shows and he's like going on um and he's talking to immigrants and he's saying that like uh you know Im- immigrants are outbreeding white people and this stuff it's uh i don't know france is a, is a weird case like they're they're well, quite left-wing and they have obviously a huge migrant population but they always seem to tolerate really radical voices yes like, they do seem well, to have a proper commitment to free speech right? like, like the whole great replacement meme is french i mean they've mm. kind of been i think at the forefront of the left and the right for like what 60 years 
Yes. Well, I'll, I'll say this about Eric Zamor, though. This is the caveat. Um, the caveat is that his actual policies are neoconservative and Zionist. That's the problem. If you actually look at some of the things he supports over the years, and, and actually, if you want to read an interesting thing on this, um, Alan Soral, who runs uh, Egalite, it's um, Reconcilier, something like that. He's really good on these things. He's a nationalist. And uh, he wrote like this very long piece on Eric Zamora's history, how essentially his candidacy was developed by, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, Yoram Hazoni. Do you know who that is, mm. Keith? Yeah. Mm. So Yoram Hazoni basically, gave, they, 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 they developed the idea for running Eric Zamora at his conference that Victor Orban and Marine Le Pen's niece was at. And so that's where the idea for Eric, the Eric Zamor uh, phenomenon came from. And because he has his own TV show. So the, the, here's the thing. The, the, it's not that Eric Zamor, it's tempting to think that he's pushing the envelope. And he sort of is in terms of what is allowed to be said out loud. In, well, he's also a Jew, so he can get away with saying it more so than anybody else. That's the thing. He has some very prominent neoconservative and Israeli, like literal Israeli dual citizens that are some of the most high-profile supporters of his. And what 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 Al- Alan Soral was complaining about is that while he sounds like the real deal, the policies that he's proposing are actually just more of the Zionist, neoconservative, even liberal crap so he sounds like a nazi but he's gonna govern like a jew you know and that is basically what he's saying and another thing that that they're saying in france is that um macron and the jewish establishment actually are working together and that's where zamor came out of too Hmm. it's it's essentially to to block marine le pen from from uh, being able to challenge Macron in the second round. Remember, Macron is an extremely unpopular president and, and one of the most unpopular in French history. And that's also quite an accomplishment because France has had some real unpopular presidents. <laughs> um, you know, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of complicated, but it is, you know, it's, it's on the one hand, it's a good sign because it shows that the population is more ready for, for harder stuff than ever. But on the other hand, it also shows the the amazing ability for this the, the for our enemies to adapt to local conditions. Because I'm sorry to say, as soon as Marine Le Pen and the populist movement that she represents is replaced by Eric Zamor, he's just going to go back to Sarkozy conservatism. Yeah, probably. That's just, you know, I'm just saying, man. So, I think you, you can know, still be so. I mean, like, th- this yeah. should be a lesson to, you know, radical, right, Gentile political types. Like, if you got to learn the hard way, I guess. Uh, if, if you think, and this is, you get the same issues happening here in America. I won't name names so as to not to create controversy. But there are plenty of people here who think you need to liberalize your radical movement in order to somehow, inexplicably... It's never uh, worked. Tell, yeah. It's never worked. And, and the, the, the problem is, though, is that I understand people get frustrated and desperate because it's frankly, it's really hard to build your own thing. It's really hard. It's hard work. And actually, it could be undone in just a snap of the fingers. Um, so it's very understandable that that people like, you know, 
And also, you have to watch out not to be or sound like a paranoid schizophrenic that says, oh, this is all a conspiracy. It's all the trick me. It's all because it's not either. Right. But there are cases where just from a pragmatic perspective, the Jewish community in France is using Eric Zamor to not just defeat Marine Le Pen, but to destroy the Gentile right in France. That is something that's happening, yeah. In a large extent, it sounds a lot like the situation in Ukraine with uh, Volodymyr Zelensky. Oh my the god, Jew, Walter the Jew, they, the Jew they elected over there that was supposed to be the, you know, a supposedly nationalist alternative to Poroshenko. Yeah. Uh, and it's just another Jewish Zionist. Uh, so it's, literally, it's literally the Ukrainian Jerry Seinfeld. Yes. That's the Ukrainian <laughs> Seinfeld. Like, it's like if Seinfeld became the president. Precisely. And, and you and, have and we see this happening again. You get these knuckleheads in the Ukraine who are like, oh, oh yes, yes, we stop and kill Jew Putin, Jew Putin. Like the, the same people actually have like a bonafide, like a literal Jewish stand-up comedian is running your country and banning Ukrainian ethnic nationalism and making it illegal to, to, to say anything bad about Jews. And you, like, what's your fucking reaction to that? Because I used to get, those people are really adamant and they used to blow up, accuse me of being a Russian spy and fucking, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And all the way back, in 2015 and 16, when this shit started, I was saying, wake me up when you actually overthrow your American-installed puppet government and there's actually nationalists in charge of Ukraine. Yeah. And since I mean, then, the only thing that's happened is that they're fucking they're, – they've gotten a lot worse in the Ukraine. Like, objectively, the Ukraine is worse off now than it was under the old pro-Russian president. They are closer into NATO's clutches than they ever have been, and a you know a real Ukrainian nationalist movement when that stops being the case. Right. The more NATO struggles to increase its influence, the better nationalism prevails in Ukraine. It's that simple. Here's here's the issue here. Under Poroshenko, I think it was right. Um, Oh well, who is the Russian? The pro-Russian guy that was in charge that they overthrew? Nikkei? I forgot his name. But anyway, when that guy was in charge, like, the Ukrainian National Socialist Party was the third, was like the third or fourth largest party in the parliament. Where the hell are they now? Okay, the, the parliament there is not, it's this all sold-out liberals and people controlled by the U.S. and shit that, like, you're going to have Western-style immigration in the ukraine in our lifetime if if that government doesn't change i mean it's just what it is but you know i don't even like to that 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 whole conflict is so irrelevant now that i don't even like to talk about it it's just such an irrelevant fucking conflict at this point i think it's over um but anyway just just for the sake of the uh uh information you know i think the the person you were uh referring to is uh yanukovych ah yanukovych that's right yeah what, you know, that guy was probably a super fucking corrupt gangster, but like, like even that's better than having like they had more uh, liberty yeah, Matt, from Adam, the Adam di- Sandler. Adam Sandler is your president. That's like the, <laughs> the Ukraine's president is Adam Sandler. Like, that's fucking yeah. No, under under Yanukovych, right he had more had more independence from the diktats of NATO right. uh, and Russia, for that matter, uh, than you do right now. Uh, oh. Now you are close. You were. Closer yoked to NATO than Yanukovych was ever 
yoked to Russia. Right. And like I said, I want to I want to see one day a genuinely like you know uh, independent Ukrainian nationalism, but you don't get that from what the the modern right. mainstream offers you. Right. Not Zelensky, uh, not Poroshenko. Uh, the the actual like independence minded Ukrainian nationalists are in uh, are intentionally marginalized. Right. By both Russian and CIA gay ops. I mean, both right. parties want them to be sidelined, yeah. and it works. But I mean, that, you know, that if you look at the French situation, you see the same thing here. The genuine nationalists are sidelined by the Zionist nationalists, and it's with the cooperation of the genuine nationalists that this is possible. Yes. Because you have the the you know traitorous leadership within you know National Front uh, in, when it turned to National Rally that gave up on the genuine nationalist cause. Right. Keith, are you locked down in Ireland? Uh, I'm not actually in Ireland currently, but yeah, there's a pretty bad lockdown, but they're actually promising to end it in October. I know everyone is saying like, oh, they're going to find some excuse to keep it going forever or whatever. But uh, I mean, they like spontaneously announced um, last week or the week before that they ended it in, I think it was Norway. And Denmark, so the Scandinavian countries are opening up. Still, it's uh, over so, there. COVID is over in Scandinavia. It's just over. Yeah, there. so I do kind of question the heavy leaning on the the lockdown stuff. Oh, don't get me started on that. I'm not. Getting it's started. you know, it's you know, it's, it's weird. Like the I remember when everyone was talking about the post left and like the space post. Oh, they're all and, uh, like you said. Yes. I, f I followed them on Twitter, and they're like, it's like the most disappointing faction ever. I mean, they're literally They've been bought it's off. just. <laughs> It's just like last year's Trump memes. They're just they, like they, they're just like a year behind the Amnats on everything. It's just like last year's Trump memes and um, right. anti-lockdown stuff. That's like all I see from them. Well, well, again, these are people that these are self-described socialists that like think of the working class in theory, and because of that, because they think of the of working people and in the abstraction, they assume that working people just believe in stupid shit. So yeah. they just take up the stupidest shit. And, you know, like I saw him doing some really, I mean, I'm not even going to get into it, but part of it is also that, you know what it is, Keith, is that there's nothing else for them to do. The left is, is over. The left populist movement is done. Um, there's actually, like, they're actually struggling to stay relevant. That's the problem. And the way they feel they can do it with Twitter as their barometer is to join what they call frog Twitter and like just do the, the super gay like fucking uh, the 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 giga chad that's like voting republican and the giga chad that's not wearing the mask and shit and like whatever man like yeah that's that's, that that's pretty spot on like they're like, like uh you know we're rejecting the woke left and we're gonna be of the yeah. people now we're gonna be populist and then they think you know they think what's popular is like the retarded like trump yeah. mega influencers yes and they're they're actually not right about that like i could go into i don't i don't I, I'm I, went, yeah, I went on a you would, you would think if they're post left that they're then they would go and you know fight the left but instead they end up just kind of either just sitting around or trying to police people on our thing and it's well, they're, just, they're just conservatives now yeah, yeah. They're, yeah they're, i actually went on a i went on their podcast a couple of months back the fed post uh one of those is a pretty big twitter account um but yeah, it kind of gets into what you talked about earlier with the Marxism stuff. Like they started doing the whole um, 
oh, you know, like uh, ideals and morality and politics is a spook. Like, you know, they're super like above it all. And I was just uh, kind of said to them, like, well, uh, like, why are you involved in politics then if you right. like don't have ideals or you don't think that what you're doing is moral? And they gave me this big convoluted, like, it's actually just self-interest, but then the working class yeah. comes together collectively out of each of their individual self-interests. But it's like, well, then, like, by that logic, there's no reason to make any sacrifice at all. Like, why not just, right. like, join the Democrat Party and hope that uh, the rest of your class kind of conspires to your benefit? And also, like, I just don't believe them. And I said that to them, I was like, I don't believe you, because, like, when I see their Twitter accounts, it's all... You know, this is the left in general, like you get the, I mean, I think this was kind of Gentile's critique. I haven't read that book, but, yeah. um, you know, they're wedded to materialism. But in terms of praxis, in terms of trying to organize people, and in terms of their critique, the critique is that the elites are evil, you know, especially with the right. lockdown stuff. Yeah. Like, the elites are bad and evil. I, I said to one of them, I was like, like by your logic, then, um, you know, if it's just self-interest, well, wouldn't you just do the same thing if you were, uh, if you happen to be in the ruling class? Yeah, uh, which kind of threw them off, and they were like, "Oh well, uh, you know, I can't speak about that because I'm not in that class." Yeah. Or some Marxian bullshit well, like the, that. The answer is the answer is yes, because they're closer to Sterner right. than they are to Marx. Well, I'll say this: like I saw Amy Therese, like she was putting up this thing with like Ted Cruz is the real proletarian revolutionary, like you know, and that's that's right. like you know, if you're gonna fucking do that, you're you're. <laughs> Well, look, I mean, come on, these people... Watch Ted Cruz own the libs. Like, that's, that, that's like, the shit-tier bullshit that, like, retards do. Like, that's, like, retarded stuff. Anyway, go ahead. The, the, ones, the ones that come to mind in this scene are either immigrants or they are, like, children of, like, like Raytheon or whatever. Like, what's that woman's name? Uh, Liz Brunig, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh and she's doing this shit now? Post-left stuff? They're all the same. They're all different flavors of I'm a cuck faggot. Can I say that? Should I not have said that? Yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> you shouldn't, but you already did, so it doesn't yeah, matter right. anyways. Sorry. He's using Go the off, British King. version of faggot, which is actually just yeah. a cigarette. The DVR is off anyway, so. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, continue. What were you saying? Uh, me? Yeah, you. Oh, I lost the plot. Sorry. I, I, oh, okay. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing the thing about the post left, basically, here's here's what I, I got some inside knowledge on this. What's, what's happening is that um, I was. This is not to be arrogant. I was the one that first started to to talk to these people and exchange ideas with them, and a bunch of people noticed and immediately started to get in, like like an Elliot Rogers right like i consent the girl consents but Elliot Rogers doesn't consent and Elliot Rogers is the Jews so Jews started like aggressively like antifa started aggressively attacking some of these people you know Sean McCarthy and Amy Therese like just threatening them and shit just for retweeting or just messaging or just following me on twitter or whatever and we started exchanging ideas and stuff and the thing is, like, if you're going to change people's minds on this, you have to. It's 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 someone that's already ideological. It's it's a long term game, right? It's a seed that you plant, but you have to keep watering it for it to blossom. Halfway through doing that, I get fucking deplatformed from Twitter and just totally deplatformed from YouTube, from Twitter, from everything, right? And 
then those people stayed on there. And so what happened was, and this this was on purpose, I know this for a fact, the Catholic paleocons reached out to them and they ran their thing. And if you know about the Catholic paleocons, they have access to money. You know, I'm talking about like first things. I'm talking about the American conservative. Like like she has like people at the American Amy Therese, who's basically just a counter signaler and an online troll, has people at the American conservative interviewing her like she's some great intellectual right and so those people have resources and money and so basically what they're doing is josh is actually a big fan of amy trees ah sorry i I don't please don't beat me up josh i love her (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah Yeah, it's something personal against her i don't i don't i don't have anything against anyone it's just it's just uh, this is something i know for a fact is done on purpose and i know that peter thiel is behind a lot of it he funds a lot of these lame-ass paleocon types and they have a ton of money at their disposal Wait, so in the middle of horseshoe theory peter teal he's just sitting in the middle is that what yeah, this comes I mean, some of the retarded shit out there is is it does come it's not a conspiracy theory okay i'll just say that i'm not gonna get it's it's none of my business if he wants to i mean that shit is so stupid that it's just like a minor irritation if he wants to throw his money at that he can go ahead and do it but legend has it if you utter the words clear pill a thousand dollars appears in your bank account the next day clear pill a thousand dollars bill a thousand dollars but not a hundred people in traffic on your site (laughs) (laughs) no nothing of the sort Right. And so the the thing is like there 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 is a network of people that are doing the the Catholic kind of conservative traditionalist non-racist, very specifically non-racist. They are anti-racist. And they have completely co-opted the anti-woke left. And they've spun it off into something completely stupid and irrelevant. And it's is and the irony of it is that these people they're they're becoming irrelevant, but in their heads, they've actually created this simulation where they think they're getting more relevant, which is pretty interesting. So that that's all from being inside shut shut inside the uh, the Twitter echo chamber. But yes, that, this is this is what's happening. So that is an opportunity for left right collaboration and i was making inroads with these people that was basically there was a lot of people that got freaked out by it and they just acted and uh and that's the story of that that's why the anti-woke left is done irrelevant it's over not coming back it's also but like at its core it's retarded because they're like their whole thing the only thing that seems to unite them is this idea that like oh let's just uh let's just like ignore the social issues and just focus like let's just all come together around universal yeah. health care and that kind of thing well they're banned. I mean, they're they're doing. Remember what Steve Bannon said. He said, "We the the left will become more racialist, and the right under Bannon. This is Bannon talking about themselves. We will take up economic nationalism, and so the type of shit that they want to do, that those people are the people on the anti woke left are comfortable doing, actually dovetails perfectly with Bannon. And so that's another thing that's going on too. You know, it's it's a lot of it is also just hipster shit. There's like a lot of hipsters out there that are like." ironically becoming Trump supporters now. <laughs> like, like they're like just being ironic about it. It's like some hipster bullshit, like, like ironically enjoying really stupid conspiracy theories. Like you'll see some of these people, like they'll, they'll do like nine 11 hologram conspiracy theories, like, and uh shit like that. Like you see you people know. on the left doing that. Yes. There are people on the left. Yeah, the on the left. Populism, populism is when you appeal to like 80 IQ people. That's like their idea of populism. 
Well, yes, but they don't notice. They don't touch race. They don't touch Jewish stuff at all now. I mean, they do. Oh, yeah, it's the whole big normie problem. Is like I got this. I got this conception of what I think a normie is, and I have to yeah. carefully what? construct instead of speaking, you know, speaking the truth. Well, you you want to talk about normies? Well, how about you talk about like black crime? Like, what's what's your view on that? Like, that's something normies care about a lot. Um, but yeah, they're they're fucking doing like really shitty, like ironic QAnon, ironic nine eleven truth, but never actually doing the real. Like you know, hey, how about you do Jeffrey Epstein? Or how yeah, about- but also the idea that you can get some fundamental transformation in economics while basically like seeding the whole like the entirety of social issues to the left and just saying like, oh, we're not going to fight on this. Like, this is irrelevant or this is a trap. Like, yeah. Amy Therese says that like, uh, you know, the idea of race just exists to get you into like this meaningless war. But I mean, you know, the ah, idea that yeah. you're like the, the left, like as we speak, are like, you fight you know, they're win. literally changing the definition of like what it is to be human, what it is to be male or female. I mean, the idea that you can like cede that ground to your enemy and, um, you know, that's not going to have any that the economic demand is like completely separate from that. It's just like it's like a retarded libertarian idea. Well, here's the thing. This is actually the the crux of the issue. The crux of the issue is that they have declared a war on this front. This is actually, Keith, I interpret politics as a matter of temperaments, right? You know, some of us here on this live stream, we have more radical temperaments in the sense that we're willing to break with 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 orthodoxy, with taboos. We, We have that kind of temperament that that temperament is associated with the left, right? The other type of temperament, which is risk averse, um, you don't want to, you know, you want to tread the conventional path. You want to do things that have already been built. And so that is the right wing or conservative temperament. And so a lot of anti-woke leftists have a conservative temperament. And so when Mm -hmm. here's the thing, this is actually starting to bite Jews in the ass. So, for example, leftists, leftists are, are, are hopped up on all this extremely crazy view on race and racism and and abolishing nation states. Once in a while now, Jews are noticing that some of their golem on the left are starting to attack Israel right now. And so now they have to kind of figure that out, right? Well, it's not just the golem. It's like the major stream of, of, of like liberals, not just the left. Right. And you know why they do that? You know why the left is actually attacking Israel? It's because they talk shit about every country. They say, oh, every Western country needs to be abolished. Every industrialized country is evil. Every country needs to have open borders. Race doesn't exist. And, so, and here you have Israel, a country that violates every single principle of left liberalism. Every one of them like, flagrantly violates it. They are colonialists. They are totalitarian. They ban gay marriage. They fucking oppress a whole race. They're driving an indigenous race out of its land. They're killing. They ban race mixing. They fucking don't allow any immigrants. So you have this country that violates every one of their principles. And so the left is saying, well, we're not facing any opposition on gender stuff, on on racial stuff in America. And yet when we talk about – when we touch on the Israel stuff, on Zionism, then we get blocked. There's resistance. Suddenly Joe Biden doesn't give us what we want, right? Uh, and instead, we get purged. And so some of them, some of the crazier people on the left, because of their temperament, they're like, and that's why we have to attack Israel 
even harder. You know, a lot of Jews will say, why do they just focus on Israel? Why don't they talk about human rights in Saudi Arabia? It's because if you talk about human rights in Saudi Arabia, no one stops you. If you talk about human rights in Israel, you get fired from your job. So a lot of leftists actually attack that point specifically because they're not allowed to do it. The right, the conservative temperament, is the polar opposite of that. So if you're on the right and you push you you push a button, but the button is jammed, it does they or, or or worse, you push the button and you get electrocuted. The conservative temperament is to stop pushing that button and test out the other button where it's not like that, where you push it and it doesn't do anything. So this is actually what explains why the anti-woke left is being siphoned off so easily into this purely irrelevant, completely fucking uh, not inconsequential world of stupid bullshit, stupid bullshit issues. Um, because if they touch actual things like racial, like if, if you combine racialism with socialism or left populist economics you fucking are a threat to the government you are a threat to the jewish power structure okay if you're just doing silly stuff like silly you know holograms on the holographic plane if you're doing that then like they just the jews are just going to laugh at you and my god if you're going to do like the the the, the uh, american christian right like like tradi- that kind of stuff like Madison Cawthorn, like you're gonna say, hey everyone, you want to see what a real proletarian looks like? It's Madison Cawthorn. Like, if you do that, then they just, they laugh at you. Give me they a break. Laugh. They laugh. Jews laugh. Jews will, will fucking snicker at you. Okay? Yeah, they don't laugh at what I do. They don't laugh at what we promote here. They don't laugh at us. They take us very seriously, and they want to crush us. But if you do that other silly bullshit, they just laugh at it. Even if you're even if you're Fed posting while you do it, they just find it funny. Anyway, sorry guys, continue. I'm gonna actually have to bow out. It's uh, late and I gotta get swollen in the morning. But uh, oh, okay. I will say to the audience, uh, please, please donate. It's for a good cause. Are we allowed to see this guy's handle? How, how many it's, levels? Use, uh, use his handle, but don't give his geographic or anything. I'll but say nothing. Josh, Josh knows him. Yeah, so Fungul is a great guy, and uh, I would really appreciate it. It would mean a lot to me personally if yes. if uh, some of you folks opened up your your hearts and your wallets. So, and uh, he, he is so generous. When I when I was uh, I was visiting someplace, and and <laughs> it, it, he was nearby, and uh, I couldn't afford the I, I was I was having trouble uh, affording the the cab ride to meet some of these guys, and uh, he basically just said, "Yo, I'll pay for it." And I had no idea he was under so many – he had so many issues with his family and stuff. And he's just like a generous – one of the best guys in this fucking thing. You can rely on this guy for anything. Like truly yeah. a great man. He's extended himself to me in the past as well. So, I mean, yes. he's, a, he's a good guy. He will fucking hey. give the shirt off his back to anyone, which is always – you should always help people. But when you actually help someone who's a really great person – that's one of the reasons why actually so many people have come on the stream – too is that people that know him have a lot of respect for this dude so you know this is a, a really good person you know anyway, anyway thanks I'll for having it. me on keith it was a pleasure borzoi gentlemen uh nikkei yeah. take it easy guys all righty okay I'll, I'll uh make this promise right now if you buy josh's book and uh you shit. send I'm, me i'm an e-celeb i get that shit for free bro what the fuck bro? <laughs> if you buy it and you send me a copy of the fact that you bought it, I will match the price of your purchase uh, as a donation to this cause. 
So you buy Josh's book, American Extremist, Imperium yeah. Press. I will match read. your purchase. Yeah, it's a great read. Um, yes. So, uh, okay, man, we're at the home stretch here. How much do we have so far, fellas, Borzoi and... Uh, uh, I'd uh, have to do a new calculation, but let's see here. Um, the, the crypto should, generally shouldn't have changed, so uh, yeah. not too much. So let's look at here, 2,800 there, and then the entropy is, uh, I probably have about, nine, let's let's just say 9,500. 9, Whoa, so it's what, what 11, 12, 13? What do you, what do you have, uh, Frank? Frankie. Hopefully he didn't pass out. Oh, it's fine, it's all right. Can you, can you end the stream if he's... I can end, I can definitely end the YouTube stream. I oh. I'll look and see if I can end the Odyssey stream. See, yeah, we, we, we've had this oh. uh, issue in the past. Oh, it's all right. <laughs> it also is getting kind of late for him, which is the yeah. Uh, I hear you, man. I hear you. Yeah, he okay. Uh, yeah. So Keith, what what's what's new up there? I heard that you got a big nog nog problem. Eggnogs, of course, eggnog problem in Dublin. <laughs> you got an eggnog problem. Is it always winter? Is it always uh, Christmas out there? So, yeah, it's weird. They're trying to they're trying to astroturf the uh, like BLM meets Ireland there a few months ago, um, but yeah, it's pretty. I mean, the demographics aren't as bad as most of the rest of Western Europe. But the thing is, it's a it's such a small country that they can kind of accelerate it so fast, and that's kind of if you look at like the the projections they have for the next twenty or thirty years, that you know they fully plan on having us catch up to. Britain and France and other countries. So, uh, yeah, things are things are accelerating oh. pretty quickly. Yes. Uh, one thing I want to ask you before you go, before we have to end, what is the? Um, so I've been hearing some rumors that there's a lot of British intelligence agents that are infiltrating the Irish government at high levels, including law enforcement. Have you heard anything about this? What's up with that? Um. Well. Like Ireland has, Ireland has never really had, I guess, not since the there's DRA, but doesn't really have a proper intelligence service. Uh, like that's why I think like the nationalist movement is able to operate fairly freely here. Yes. Uh, so they tend they tend to lean on British uh, intelligence services, um, and you know there there will be a lot of suspicion that they're getting more and more involved in terms of ah. uh, dealing with the right here. Um, ah. But yeah, they're looking, you know, because there's a lot of like former, um, you know, people that worked in British security and so on that were appointed to higher level positions. Um, but yeah, that's the thing is like, you know, that's something people talk about a lot that Ireland was kind of a lot behind other European countries and caught up Definitely. very quickly. Uh, and you kind of see that like in the censorship and the fact that, you know, we don't have hate speech laws yet. They're bringing them in. But uh, you know, there isn't like the advanced, you know, I mean, the in the UK, it's crazy. It's like, uh, yes, you know, I, like, I've been I've been to Ireland and I'm not going to give details, but it, it, there was respect for free speech there when I went in a few years ago. Like the, the, there is an expectation that you can go to a university and you can have like. You can have like Keith's worldview and debate it with another academic and there's not going to be any problem. But that seems to be changing in, in the last year or two. Um, and um, but the thing is, like in Ireland, uh, again, like you were saying, it's the, the 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 frankly, 
And and you you can I don't know what you think of this. Frankly, Keith, the thing is that Jews are just not that like powerful there, or and they're starting to be. There's just not many of them in Ireland, and they haven't really paid much attention to Ireland until very recently. Okay, but there's a lot of factors that you know. There's pros and cons, but the the, the con is that Ireland is a tax haven for U.S. Judeo, Judeo capital. That's the uh, Google Silicon Valley and so on. And so that creates a bit of a problem for the, the country, doesn't it? They, they, they have a lot of non-governmental organizations and toxic crap that they're promoting there, no? Yeah, there's already, there's already a strong Jewish element, so it's much more the left is... Uh, yes. It's much more kind of just aping the American left. I mean, I think that's why you see, uh, like, in terms of attitudes around Israel, like, Ireland is generally the most pro-Palestine country in Europe, and the left is still, you know, like, there's no, there hasn't been, like, an organized Jewish element to try and kind of psyop Zionism into the politics somehow, so it just and doesn't really exist. Watch out for the right on that one. They're, they're oh, yeah, definitely. Right oh, yeah, I mean, there was a, you know, there's, like, a, an anti-EU party in Ireland that's kind of, it's kind of, like, presenting itself as the UKIP type. I remember, um... Like just you know, suddenly out of the blue, like at the time of the Soleimani strike, was like uh-huh. uh, you know America is like dealing with terrorists and all this kind of stuff, and like suddenly start taking these weird neocompositions. So, oh yeah, uh, yeah, you know, you definitely see, you definitely see signs of it. Yeah, it's harder for them. There's two things that hurt them. One in Ireland, the left was nationalistic, maybe in a civic national sense, but. The left in Ireland is historically like a third world, this nationalist left, right? And the second thing is that because of that, it was always very close to the Palestinian movement. And so that creates challenges for Jews for infiltrating something like Sinn Féin, right? Yeah, now, I mean, you, you, may, you may not know this, but there's, always, there's actually probably... I don't know what you say, most nationalists, but definitely a lot of like the older guard of the IRA... Uh, you know, just talking about like British involvement in the national scene, an awful lot of people do think that uh, Jerry Adams and Martin McGuinness were possibly British assets, uh, and that the whole you know the whole peace process. Yeah, Adams. Well, I mean, Adams was the guy that got the IRA to decommission their arms to yeah. move I'm, to peaceful politics that turned. I know that much, the, but the the idea that he was like a, a British asset would be like. It completely changes the context of his motives for doing so. Yes. Right. Well, he also oversaw Sinn Fein becoming like a gay globalist leftist party. But uh, right. I mean, that's been that's been a popular theory for a while, like amongst you know the more because there was I mean the provisional IRA was like you can read a document they put out in the seventies called Air Nua that was the uh, it was like the policy statement of the IRA Sinn Fein. And in the 70s, it's like, you know, it's ethno-nationalist, it's like third position, and it's all about like yes. trying to have uh, economic independence and so like on. Like Gaddafi or Yeah, something. yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it was Gaddafi. And you can find a bunch of Gaddafi paint. Like, like Gaddafi was a popular figure to be painted in uh, in Ireland. I've, they have well, seen he, was, he was aiding them. He was aiding yeah, the, was, the Irish Republican there, Army. Right? Yeah. And so were the Palestinians. The, the biggest supporters of the IRA were the, the Libyans and the Palestinians. Like the PLO or whatever the equivalent was back then, but um, yeah. So, but the, the, it's still true though that the Irish left is still very anti-Zionist. So that 
is probably a not like that. That's going to make international Jews, like especially from America, think twice about empowering them too much because they don't want that either. So Ireland is actually like when I went there, I was like, hey, this country is ripe for a nationalist movement. Like this is this this could be easy, actually, if you guys do it right. But it's never going to be easy. Right. They're noticing. So that means you guys are doing something right. And good job out there. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I want to actually, before we finish, I just want to talk a bit about Odyssey because uh, you were talking about yeah. It earlier. Yeah. Um, I know that the like people maybe get spooked that the CEO is Jewish, but I think he's actually really. I think there's a a, a different guy that's CEO now. Um, oh. And he's he's okay. gone. He's gone. He's actually this guy. He's like Indian Australian or something. But he's he's actually gone on the Ralph retort like two or three times. I could have well, sworn that the CEO was an Indian guy. Like yeah, that. yeah, he, I think yeah, he is the CEO now. It used to be uh, Kaufman, but it's that Indian guy now. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, he's 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 gone on the the Ralph retort. He defended but, uh, me by name. Like some some Antifa journalist was whining that I uploaded like half of a show like three months ago on Odyssey. I wasn't even <laughs> using it. <laughs> yeah. And this and this retard. This, so this, I think it was the retard Jason Wilson. Um, the, the dude that looks like a fucking, he looks like a character from the Hill has eyes. You'll, you'll know him if you see him. This dude, this, the retard, like, said, Did you know Eric Stryker? I just did a big, uh, uh, OSINT open source intelligence investigation, and Eric Stryker uses Odyssey. Would you have a comment? And they basically just told him, was like, well, as long as they're not like going too far, breaking the law or anything, they have. If they're just talking about different issues you don't like, that's allowed on Odyssey. So they, the, the, and it was the Indian guy that did that. So yeah, they're also like their their official Twitter account was uh, promoting when Marcolette was meant to debate Destiny about white genocide. So uh, it's kind of interesting. Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, well, the like BitChute is like if you go to BitChute now, like if you were. Uh, sort of casual viewer and you open BitChute, you'd think it was a, an InfoWars type site. So it's like it, it looks really like extremist when you open it, like the stuff that pops up, you know, like they're like uh, you know, the vaccines have monsters in them and, you know, the elites are eating babies or whatever. It's all cute yeah. stuff. But then if you search uh like if you search Hitler on BitChute, you up. get zero results. Zero results on all and I actually I actually had a look at, at uh what comes up on Odyssey? If you if you search Hitler on Odyssey, um, Warren's show Modern Politics is like the eighth result. Their show about <laughs> Hitler, and if you search nationalism, um, yeah, there's a speech by a guy called Tony Hovader. That's the sixth result oh <laughs> that he gave. Uh, it's on the NJP channel. Let's so go. Like a, I yeah, love so that Odyssey speech that like, Tony gave. Yeah, stay stay away from Tony. And JP exposed has exposed him numerous times. <laughs> nah, was, nah, you need more Tony in your life. I can't say no this. It, it, it's actually quite brilliant what Odyssey did in that you need a little bit of tokens to upload a video. Like you need a you need someone to vouch you in basically to upload a video, and that actually helps. Like basically, that helps prevent. You know, infiltrators, agent provocateurs, and frankly, retards from using it. Like they can just go to BitChute. Like well, BitChute like is literally the, the worst. They spooked BitChute because BitChute is based in the UK, and they could just—I mean, they could just point to like the trending, and they could say like, "Look, the BitChute front page is promoting like Nazis or whatever." Whereas Odyssey, Odyssey is like you know, you go to the main page, and it's just you know, it's a it's a video sharing yeah. website. Nothing, no, if if it it's doesn't something... scream extreme, but then they have an algorithm that works. 
So if you search Hitler, you're going to get Warren's show because, you know, it has more views than other results. And, right. you know, that's the algorithm outside. So they can't really smear that. Like, they can't really smear them for having, like, an algorithm that works. It's going to be a lot harder for them to... Well, and they're not based in the UK as well, so... Well, here's the thing. There's, an, there's another video streaming platform that is extremely gay that Peter Thiel is funding now. Oh, is this Rumble? Rumble? No, is it? Yeah, Rumble? he he paid he paid Glenn Greenwald to start an exclusive show. Not on just Rumble. him. He pays he pays all the all the leftists that are on Rumble are paid to be there. That's that's. Did, did you see? Did you see that change their terms of service when Trump joined? Yes, them? yes. Trump would not join unless they banned anti-Semitism. So it's just wow. like the low IQ, low IQ YouTube. That's what it is. It's <laughs> yeah. Like, so like you literally you have like lower, lower IQ, YouTube. literal YouTube. Yeah, yeah like you actually have Canada. like they're looking at like YouTube and people leaving it, and they already have like the fake alternative set up where it's going to be right. run by. Uh, yeah, but I don't see it. I, is it gaining any traction? Versus, I see, I see the energy, the momentum. I'm sure Rumble is larger than Odyssey, but I see the momentum with Odyssey because this is the actual free speech platform. Rumble is just like, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Rumble is like, bitch, Rumble Man, is like, yeah, you go to Rumble videos. and it's just like, yeah, Dinesh D'Souza and all these people and, yeah. streams like. It's It's fucking retarded. Yeah, it's like, you know, the the various alt-light figures. You might see some Groyper stuff there, but none of it is fucking worth anyone's time. And fucking... uh, All these these conservative attempts at taking on big tech are always retarded. Like, what what was that one a a couple of months ago? Get her? (laughs) Oh, my God. No, that's just (laughs) another Trump scam, bro. That's just like Trump... That's a Trump stake. It's tr- <laughs> get her a tr- Trump Trump book, face Trump, and it's and then there like, was you know then there was Parler and someone just hacked it and realized that they had like the shittiest Parler was ever. a joke. Parler was a joke. Fucking everything that is like that is trash. Fucking Rumble is trash, but the like the, you don't you don't want uh, you don't want old tech. You want new tech. You don't want you yeah. know like I hate the way right. Torba markets Gab as well, where he's like. Right. Right, right. You know, yeah. if you're a Christian Trump supporter, you can come here. But then he was posting that he, he, I mean, remember, I don't know if you saw it a couple of months ago, he was bragging about that he banned all the Taliban accounts. And he sent an email out to all the users saying, wow. uh, even, here's, here's even, a here's a cookie. Yeah, here you go. Yeah, you know, even Twitter and Facebook won't ban the Taliban, but we will. It's like, it's just like, you're, 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 so you're even shittier than, than Twitter. Do you, do you, it's also, do you not understand your own audience? I mean, the, the meme makers love tel- the Taliban. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty, well, that, that was to own Taliban. That's what you get, Taliban. You ain't going to talk. Your, your, your Taliban's uh, fans aren't going to come on gab. Like, that's the thing. Like, if you're going <laughs> to, that's not the point. Like, you know, why can't we just have a principled free speech defense? Let's let's go. Let's take a step back and go back to that. Like a fuck. How about everyone gets to speak as long as they obey the law within the confines of not Fed posting or fucking threatening someone? How about we just do that? Why is that? Yeah. And Odyssey seems to be one of the few fucking tech groups that is actually fucking doing that. But I hate. Honestly, I fucking hate all the Trump crap. All the the, the little fucking the little cottage industry of scams that have accompanied Trump's rise and fall. And that includes oh, yeah. things like parlor. It includes all the social media grifters. That's what they are. I hate to use that word, but it is perfectly, perfectly fucking fits them. They're literally grifters. Like all that shit was just like, I just want those people to go away. 
They yeah, well, it was go- like Bit- Bitshoot was be- was kind of doing what Odyssey is doing. They were just being like a neutral yeah. file sharing website, and then the Q well, tards came in and just took over the algorithm and took over the trending section. And then the guy that runs Bitshoot, you right. could see on his Twitter and stuff that he started like promoting, uh, you know, like the stupidest con- uh, conservative stuff, and he started promoting right. like these accounts, and he he basically just. You know, he saw the the easy clicks of like just appealing to that market, but he also made himself he put a ceiling on Bitshoot and kind of made it irrelevant doing that. But that right. seems to be the trend. Like some kind of old tech pops up, and the first crowd are those types, and then you know the the platform leader kind of sell out to that and put a ceiling on the, itself. The owners either play to that or they see them as potential easy profits, and they 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 completely do that or better yet a combination of things where in the case of the bit shoot guy he was getting he was getting like dragged to the british parliament by the local jewish groups where they were just complaining about anti-semitism so his as a businessman his his business calculation is like okay i'm just not going to allow that anymore i'll just not you can't search for it anymore you can't you can't search the word hitler on a motherfucking open public social media platform you search Hitler and nothing comes up. I mean, how retarded is that? Is that your solution for? Yeah, essentially, like how YouTube fucking retarded is, is that? Like, if you search it on YouTube, you get a few million. You results get more shit on YouTube than you do on Bitchute, which just makes Bitchute retarded. Uh, yeah, you know, it defeats the purpose. Like, and and you you know the 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 off the charts stupid shit on there is is another question. But whatever, I'm for free speech. But if it's just retarded stuff. And you can't have actual political discussions. And what the hell is the point? That's why Bitchute is just basically just running, just just spinning. It's kind of like uh, running its course, and it's not going to be around in a couple of years. You know, that's the thing. Okay, I think the the deep platform and kind of had its own benefits in a weird way, though. Like, um, you know, like if you like think back to the alt right, like just keep talking. I, I gotta I gotta hit the can. One second. Yeah, I mean, if you think back to the alt right and. 15, 16, like someone could get banned with half a million YouTube subscribers and they'd just never be heard of again. Whereas, uh, you know, the censorship kind of forced, uh, like, our audience, I guess, or this group of people to uh, be more anti fragile and, you know, use things like Telegram and encrypted communication and even like crypto and this kind of thing before everyone else. So, you know, if there ever was to be another kind of uh, wave like 2016 uh, you know if nationalist movements were ever to kind of have their time again uh, they'll be in a lot better position in terms of being able to resist deplatforming and so on I'd like to shout out uh, the show The Nordic Frontier which is a English language uh, show put put on by members of the Nordic Resistance Movement uh, they have always been on top of the most open platforms for free speech and they have only seen continued growth uh, over the period of their you know uploads as a as a show they are always growing they have never stopped growing they have never faced any period of decline because they have always out uh, maneuvered the the vectors of censorship and I think that's a very uh, good model to follow. Uh, their show, their show is also excellent. Uh, I highly recommend. Are they a group that got banned off Bitchute? 
Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. The, the, Nordic, the Nordic frontier was kicked off bit shoot, but yes. they didn't lose a beat with their migration over to Odyssey. Right. It's a legally, uh, it's a legal registered political organization in Sweden. You know, Sweden almost has more free speech than Britain and all the Anglo countries in a sense, because they fucking are, they get their balls busted. They have to pay fines and they get dragged to court. Some of them go to jail here and there, but they don't do the kinds of nasty shit they do to us in America. Like, you know, it's one thing if you say bad things Jews don't like and they drag you and you have to you have to go to jail for a week. Mm-hmm. It's a different thing when they make up a fake federal charge and you have to go to jail for five years. Very different. OK, very fucking different. So, yeah. But anyway, uh, we got 15 minutes left. I am uh, I'm still going, but uh, I'm starting to my, my fuse is. Uh, Starting to go out. Uh, so yeah, right. I might drop out if you guys want to read some super chats at the end or whatever. Yeah, yeah, do your thing, man. But uh, thank you, Keith, Rant. for making it. I know it's very late where you are. Uh, very, very late. Highly appreciate it. Um, thanks for coming on. And we're bringing back the people's swear, so we'll probably have you back on the oh, show yeah. at some point. Keith, we'll talk about the various things. Yes, yeah, uh, good. All right, plug your thing, man. What do you, what do you have... Uh, what do you have out there? Do you think? Yeah, just, uh, I guess, sub to my YouTube. You'll find all the other links and stuff there. Yeah, well, sub to the Odyssey, actually. I'd rather get yeah. people over there now. Sub yeah. to the Odyssey. I mean, that's where I listen to you, Keith. That's where I go for all of your new videos. I don't I don't check YouTube anymore. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if you're uploading good stuff, I assume it's going to be on Odyssey. That's where I look first. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. I actually watch more stuff on Odyssey. It's actually... I mean, it's actually better than YouTube in a lot of ways. It's not like where you're begging people to go to BitChute and wait 10 minutes for a video to load as some kind of solidarity <laughs> thing. Like, the thing about the new tech now, it is actually... It's getting better. Like, for the first few years, it was just like, uh, we'll have this for people that are banned off YouTube, but now you are actually getting new tech that is, like, genuinely better than the alternatives. Like, I mean, Telegram is miles ahead of WhatsApp, oh, for example. Yes, much better than, than even Twitter. Like, like most I, of this stuff has only come in the last three or four years, so it is really yeah. kind of exponentially. This stuff has grown. Yeah, no. When I tell when I tell people, yo, I'm gonna put it up on the gram, they think I'm talking about Instagram, but I'm actually talking about Telegram. <laughs> uh, so that's <laughs> yeah. So so when uh, fucking uh, the 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 only thing is there is a little bit of censorship on Telegram, and some people are censored unfairly, but like. You know, like you still get tons more leeway than than Twitter. Well, right? people need to learn to stop going onto the app store; just download it directly. That's yes. how you avoid. Right. That's another brilliant thing that they did is have have that as as a way around it. Okay. But you know, Apple. you know, Dorov basically got kicked out of Russia for refusing to hand over yes. data of of Ukrainian dissidents, yes. and he refused to, to get bought off. To get bought off by the, uh, by the, I think that they forcibly, too. like he, he set up VK as well, which is sort of like Russian Facebook. I think they forcibly nationalized it after that because of that. Right. But yeah. He's, he's the type. That's the thing. When you have these like really sort of spurgy committed libertarians, yeah. uh, some of them you can be kind of convinced they're, they're not going to yes. compromise. Well, I, I also like if, if, if some tech 
company is run out of like a country adversarial to the United States. I actually trust them more than, you know, even if it's a, a someone like, like, uh, you know, something like VK or something like that's probably, I've never used it, but it's probably more. Like I, I'd much rather have like very like sort of autistic libertarian types, even like the Kaufman guy, who's just like a sort of classic, yeah. like extra libertarian. I'd much rather have them running things than Trump people. Oh, going to. yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, please. Yeah. It's not even up for debate. It's not even <laughs> the, the, the Trump people have no principles. Yep. They have no principles at all, man. No, they don't, they don't care about so They have principles on, on censoring you for anti-Semitism. That's oh, yeah, the only principle. Sure. That's, the only, that's the only thing from the Trump movement that you can say is consistent about them. Everything else is like just they just make it up as they go along. No so, Russian ever called me anti-Semitic. Yeah, well, the th- the thing is though is that yeah, t- t- I have more fo- th- this is why this is why it's retarded to censor me because now I have I'm on Telegram and I have a shit ton more followers than I ever did on Twitter. I never got past 10,000 without getting banned on Twitter. Yeah, now that's I then when you were done. It's like the the few years of censorship has really made the nationalist right more anti-fragile like in a way that it'll be very hard for them now to ever you know in 2015 16 17 there was a shock where they could do the censorship and people weren't ready for it but now if they ever you know if if there was ever another 2016 and there was like a a wave of of popular sports something and they tried to do something like that and people are using crypto and telegram and this stuff it's going to be very very difficult for them to get a handle of it yeah i mean they're 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 trying they're going to probably figure something out eventually but by the time they figure how to beat this we'll just have something new yeah um so that's that's the thing like how about you know how about like they just stop being assholes like that that's actually isn't it funny keith i always say this like Notice all the people, they become like the world's best pickpocket or the world's best cheat, you know, money, 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 speculator, whatever. Like all the effort and time and energy you put into that could just be used in doing it the right way and figuring that out, right? Like, hey, all that time you use in being the world's best pickpocket, why don't you just become a carpenter and be the world's best carpenter, right? But they they just can't have it. So we're just going to end up winning anyway. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm starting. I'm starting to. It, it's. Right, it's I, I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. thanks for coming on, Keith. Bye, right, buddy. Take care. Yeah, it was good to talk to you again, Keith. Yo, Keith. If uh, I want to get you back on the the young whites, Wait, how can I get in touch just, with he, you? He he just left. Oh, shit. I, uh, I, I have a, I, oh, I have a yeah, Skype. Geez. I have a Skype. Well, we, we get <laughs> okay. So I, I want to get back in touch, Anglo and I. Want to talk to him again real soon? Yeah. Okay. So I want to get as much of the super chats as possible, if if possible. Probably um, not. Okay. I'm not, I, can't, me... I can't comment on them. Just so you know, everyone, I'm not going to comment. Yeah. Just read I've... them. Read what yeah, you got. Got. <laughs> If Hunta, not, just Hunta read Hunta Mowen... the names of the of the donors. Read the names of the donors. Yeah. Junta Momonari donated $10, and there's a thing in me for that. I'm just going to say, because I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, Junta, I have no idea what you're referring to. I forget almost everything I say after I've said it somewhere, so I don't know what the context were to what you're trying to correct me about. Sorry. So, uh, August 95 donated $10. Um, 
Hatchet JY2 donated 25 race overall. Exoteric Hoob Zoner donated 140. Here's the rebellion against Rod's traditional Judeo X values of cutting kids for no reason. The Prophet <laughs> Mine, the Prophet's Mine donated 1589. Uh, final victory comes in many forms. Uh, Commandant VHS three dollars. Good luck. Castizo Chorizo ten dollars. God bless the Young Nationalist twenty five dollars. Uh, Crab donated uh, fifty three dollars worth of Monero. Uh, Ed Smith, uh, fifty. Uh, our our buddy Thomas, uh, the one that always does the funny cop pasta one, donated twenty five dollars. Uh, fuck YouTube ten. He's got like a list of books here. Uh, nice. Oh, Amer- American extremist uh, is I think is on there. Or mem- oh, yeah, nice. number six. Yes. Number Let six. me reiterate: if you buy a copy of American Extremist and send me a copy, a screenshot of your uh, order. I will match your purchase with a donation. So you can get a copy of American Extremist for the price of one donation, courtesy of me. Do it now and send me a screenshot. Yep. So far, and, I've, all, I've had over $100 in copies whoa. so far. Let's keep going. Whoa. I'm going to apologize in advance to people I, I miss because so many of you donated, and the crypto ones are the hardest ones to keep track of. And actually, the li- a lot of the library ones are just not going to be read. Um, I, we all appreciate it. I'm just going to have to just read as many as I can. Uh, Skeeter Finklich donated 25. Hope it gets better. Louis Conde donated uh, 25. He's been collecting old copies of Father Coughlin's uh, social justice newspaper. He's going to digitize them. I'm sure you're interested in that, Striker. Yes, uh, I, I know Louie. I'll, I'll get you in contact with him if you need to. Uh, Kent donated a hundred. Uh, this is for the little soldier. Negro lunch donated fifty. Uh, starting out a six-hour marathon with primitive root wieners. Super <laughs> <Mario Rachel. laughs> May your cancer and Zog go into remission soon. Krebs since donated eight fourteen. Uh, page seventy-four donated fifty. Fatidicus donated eighty-eight. Uh, Ice swallow come. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Grew up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> donate, donate 50, bless up. Uh, Rogers, for your dream, donated 10. I wish <laughs> the kids were the best. Mike donated 15, get vet, get vetted. Storm Petrol donated 5. Um, it made me so angry to see that one chair to get taken down by leftist scum. It really woke me up to the struggle we are facing as nationalists. Oh. 5 from Madness Incarnate. I only squat Natty. 25 Sigma Seed in my prayers. Uh, $50 from Mazic, pulling for your boy Fung. Uh, library coin, Maxine Waters, Blacks are the Real Aryans Now, White Boy. Uh, 25 from Podcast Nation. Have you seen the alleged pedophile of the Nazi memorabilia collection in Brazil? Seems too perfect. Uh, yeah, I saw that article. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hulk Hogan, 1988, donate 100. I'm Polish to America. My wife's just on his Oh, I love the variations people do on that one. Uh, Marcel Rick donated 25, Hail Victory. Mahungi donated uh, 50. And Julius Seedhard donated uh, 30HH. Joe Schmo uh, donated 10. Deutsche Doggy donated 25. Urinal Splash Guard or Break <laughs> Demacia donated 114 for the ch- ch- chilts. I don't know. Transylvanian Hunger donated 50. Larry Ridgeway's The Modern Day Jane Goodall. White Sands donated 50. <laughs> Hail. <laughs> what? Larry Ridgeway's The Modern Day. Wait, wait, sorry, because I'm going so fast. 
Uh, Transylvania Hunger doing another hundred. Uh, I love you guys. How could anyone consider us evil when we're contributing such a good cause? God bless the family. Hail victory. Uh, yes, Mike is wrong about horror movies. Yes, that's correct. Uh, hundred from Oliver. Thank you for doing this. Fuck YouTube. Donated ten. Uh, Gaelic Nord. Uh, five euros. Hope your son, friend's son pulls through. 125 library coins from Eagle is Born. Good night to all white people. Good luck to the little champion and kicking cancer's ass. Uh, oh, nice. Jewels. What's, what's what's a what's a how much is is what is a library coin? It's apparently worth a lot more than I realized because that's what because we have Damn. we have let's see I have in the wallet right now like it looks like nineteen hundred uh, library coins and it seems to be translating out to just under thousand. So how much? It seems to be translating to just under three thousand. All right, Woo! let's go. Library coin is worth more than a dollar. Or is worth what? It's yeah, it's worth more than a dollar. Somewhere between like a dollar quarter, I think, something like that. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Yep. Uh Jules donated fifty in Bitcoin. Billy Mays donated twenty five. Anon donated a hundred for eradicating cancer. Let's do it. Sparks donated fifty. This is a wonderful thing you're doing for your friend. You're good men. Uh, Zoe donated ten. Prayers being sent to the kid. Hail Mary. Uh Elgbo donated fifty. Uh hope this helps with all the other of all the other hope this with all the others helps our kid. Uh, also, the FBI raided a small courthouse in East Tennessee today. Any thoughts about the striker? Well, yeah, you, I don't know what the come. I, I haven't seen that, but I'll definitely I'll definitely take a look. Yeah. It, it's yeah, yeah, I'll definitely take a look. Uh, Rem Rep donated five Canadian dollars. Uh, John Wolf uh, five USD. Uh, how can we convince the youth about to save the race? Uh, Julius, here we go. Here's the big one. Julius donated five hundred dollars. Hope this helps. Wow. Thank you, Julius. Fucking amazing, man. Thank Hail you. Caesar. <laughs> Thank you, Julius. Anyway. Not a Russian bot, 150. Happy to support such a cause. Noel Patix, uh, 20. As a parent, I can't imagine going through this. Love you guys. Anonymous donated 50. There's a whole bunch of uh, library coins here. Um, sorry, I'm not going to, like, I'll just read the names. Uh, Nate Hill 2020, Podcast Nation. <laughs> Martin Heidegger, Knight uh, Sir Leon, Bortom, Didn't Do Nothing, uh, Bortom, Will's Channel, uh, Nathan Morley, five U.S. dollars, keep the fight, Dakota Jim, 100, thanks to all the folks making this happen, Unknown California, 10, so glad I tuned in when Mike was on, Mike is the juggernaut, Minraku donated uh, 1.488 XMR, Monero, which donates, which translates to $416. Thank you so much. See yep. Kyle. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Kimbrian, Simbrian, do- four twenty donated fifty. Romanized Visigoth donated a hundred. Hail Striker, hail Mikey. Nice. Zeke Kyle donated uh, fourteen eighty eight. I'm glad people are coming together to help be the fascists together yeah. strong. Anonymous. Right. Uh, so yeah. I already referenced this one before, but yes, um, some friends of ours. Oh, I'll tell you who they are after the show. Striker. They donated five hundred direct to uh, to Whoa. them, but they wanted to remain uh, anonymous. I agree. Monolith, uh, the heretic, donated one hundred and ten dollars total. Ben War Room donated ten. Uh, keep up the good work. Jordan B. Peterson donated twenty five. See, he's not such a bad guy. <laughs> to your comrades, buckle. Oh, buckle! I, I, well, did you did you see that fucking ruling at the Canadian Human Rights Court? They, they it's now illegal to not use they them. Like, you, like he he's lost that fight. Like, the, it's yeah. illegal in Canada to do. To be Jordan Peterson. Take your leaf, L. Uh, yes, 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 indeed. So anyway, continue. Glacier Glider donated 50. Die Butler de- donated 40. Hans 
Ulrich donated 20. Uh, Foster Kinda. Sina uh, Bergness donated 25. Anon Commando donated 50. Carl Dolphin donated 30. Take care. Alfred Wainwright donated 5. Euros, best of luck to you. Primitive Root Velton Chong donated five. Uh, <laughs> was that, was that pr- Primitive Root Welton Schlong? Is that <laughs> what it was? Is that, was that what it was? <laughs> <laughs> huh? Oh, I got it. Uh, Sazabe donated 20. Thank you, you guys, for everything you do. T donated 25. Hope to do my little part. Uh, Blue nice. Chicken Man donated 20. Content Consumer donated 25. Roger's Cowardice is a unique type of disgusting evil. Larry Ridgway is a professor of African studies. Stratman 9009 donated 25. Praying for our guy. Miss Abyss donated 88. Pakistani Anarchy donated 3. I said on TPS the Bad would win. Uh, Perseus donated 3. What do you think about the Vienna Marku? Uh, a Shy Semitic donated 20. Prost. Sprigley donated 100. This is for the Cancer Fund. Claire Hershey donated 10. Julius Seathart donated 5. I'm from New- fucking New York. The Prophet's <laughs> Mind donated. Did you see the chat uh, in the NYC that painted the Floyd statue again? Euro donated 100. Ocho Ocho donated 50. Thanks to everyone who organized this. Mr. Massachusetts donated 3. Here's the thing. I'm late, been busy. What happened in TLDR form? Uh, Carbon Cringe Life form donated 10. Going through this time. Uh, yeah, did Adam Blake of Smolder, uh, Stryker, check out the band. He's doing 25. Check, Stryker, check out the band Crumlick from Canada. It'll get your spicy med blood pumping. I haven't uh, heard of them. I'll check it out. Yeah, Late War donated 25. Sorry to hear. Janet Alls uh, donated 25. Uh, Momchillo Nevesky donated 40. Death to liberalism, death to capitalism, death to Marxism. Amen. All the dogs were losing it. Uh, Normie Jack donated. <laughs> 10, praying for the boys' recovery. Kelly Yuga Surfco donated 50, chipping in. Virgil Kane donated 100, praying for your son to pull through. We'll need him for the future. Famine Survivor donated 50. Mazellus Walls donated 50. Razor 101 YT donated 100. Nurex donated 20. Uh, okay, I can I can count for these. Uh, Graham M2R donated 200. Patrick PF donated 100. Mega Nico donated 50. Alexander donated 15. Cooper donated 100. Nefarious Wilkins donated 50. Get well soon, friend. Jungle Monkey donated 10. Seamus the Red donated 50. Side Channel donated 25. Steve Brule donated 30. Anon donated 25. Q donated 50. Leafnet donated 25. MCP Pants donated 10 for the shorties. Uh, hmm. Benavidi donated 20, Hunter donated 14, Carl, Mark, Stein, Goldberg, Kaikenschmidt donated 50, <laughs> people, white family, some broad donated 40, Zombie Floyd donated 14, Tactical Boomerism 14, Papa Emeritus 25, Chauncey Butler 50, George Marcus 50, Hunter P. Johnson donated 50, Xi Jinping donated 10, Chris 25, John donated 10, just thanks for what you're doing, just some guy donated 3, Based Ohio donated 25, help, I'm Italian, ah, Moon Man tonight. <laughs> 10, Avi Victress, um, the, the Anon donated 50. My family went through the same thing when I was a kid and beat it. Uh, David Nordstrom donated 25. Uh, artistically designed uh, steel slats donated 10. Uh, Honor Nelius donated 1488. Bog, uh, Boggers, Nick X donated 10. Sorry, I couldn't donate more lads. George Murphy donated 50. Paultron don- donated 25. Space Drone V2 donated 25. Alisterius donated 75. My Gunufak. Three donated fifty. Greetings from a Quebecois nationalist. Viva la Quebec. 
Uh, Dancing Israelis donated 10. Ouija donated 115. Eric Strikers Wheelchair donated 10. Fast Travels for Betas donated 50. Uh, Western Folk donated 10. Space Drone V2 donated 50. <laughs> Striker Chew. Eric Strikers Wheelchair donated 10. Custer <laughs> donated 35. Uh, somehow Still Here donated 50. Some Dude donated 500. I'm really sorry to the people who I might have missed. Uh, there's so many donations. Uh, a lot of the crypto people, I didn't have a chance to put you guys on the list. Um, a lot for a lot of you guys. If, if 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 there's like a, a list of them, we can read them next week. Yeah, I'll take the time to go through all the stuff, and I'll have to get with Frank and figure out the rest of them. But we'll we'll have archives of of like of the of what all the donations say and the names that were associated with them, so I can we can put something together together and try to, especially the ones that that were more topic oriented, figure out what we can do with that. I got we one can, directly from Anglo. He says, "Viva del Taco." Who's that? Who? My co-host uh, on the... Oh, Anglo! Yes, yes, yes. He says, oh, Viva yeah. Del Taco. That sounds like some fucking... Yeah, that sounds like Viva Diarrhea, man. Fucking, you ever eat a Del Taco? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That's fucking... Yeah. Is, is is there anything more? No, I, I, I could... Like, There's so many more donations that came in on, on Entropy. I, I do want to shout out some of the big ones, though. Uh, Pants Blankly donated 200. Cheers from our Simon. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mr. Mike 88 donated 800. Make Europeans great again. Um, <laughs> I see the, I see the show. Oh, there we go. I see uh, Anglo. Shout out to Del Taco. All right. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. There's, yeah. I, at first I thought it was Anglin and I'm like, oh, Andrew Anglin. Like no, that not guy. Quite, no. Not quite. Not quite. No, this is a, this is someone who's more relevant. <laughs> No, I'm joking. Perhaps. Anyway, okay, yeah, I'm I'm getting I'm being told that I got to take care of the dog, so let me play it play it out, and I'll try to end the stream. One sec, one second, fucking. So, uh, Frank is in, is is asleep. I'll try to I'll try to figure. I'll try to. <laughs> start the stream. I, yeah. So you guys are gonna have like white noise for the rest of the night. Just you know, tomorrow we'll we'll probably take off that stream. But one one thing, Borzo, before we go, how much did we raise overall? There, shit. What about you, Nico? Are you there? I'm still here. Oh, I'm okay. here. Frank, nobody's Bobby, asleep. I think, I, I think we fucking uh, we got like twelve or thirteen grand, probably some somewhere between ten and fifteen, which is remarkable. Yeah. I, and behind the scenes, we got like five to six grand for them. I'm gonna but let you guys. So I got I got to take the dog huge, out. That's gonna make a huge difference. What What's up, man? Oh, the dogs are bitching. Get it? Get it? Oh. Get it? He's at the strip club. Yeah. <laughs> if I... <laughs> so where did where did Borzo go again? He's he's oh, doing some he's doing something with the dog. I hope it's not the peanut butter trick. Just oh no! <laughs> <laughs> no, this uh, this has been a very successful stream, and uh, just huge thanks to everybody that uh, pitched in for the good cause and completely, completely exceeded my expectations. And yeah, that's big. 
this was so big i'm considering you know it's inspired me i'm considering doing another uh charity stream sometime probably uh late november early december for our guys locked up it's always uh great to send them some money uh around the holidays around christmas you and me will discuss that behind behind the scenes we'll do we'll do yes So, you know, if you're out there, you couldn't donate today, maybe you could donate in the future, uh, be on the lookout. I'm yeah. really dedicated to this. Uh, you know, it's this this outpouring of support is very inspiring to me. I think this is the most important thing we can do. The solidarity that is shown yeah. in these moments is... Well, is, it's great. It's great for one of the reasons why um, they, they attack these things, because again... It's not you don't really have a moral high ground when you attack us for doing this. The reason they attack it is because it is solidarity building. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately in America, there are very few ways to ha- actually found any kind of solidarity in politics or otherwise. And so when you do actually create a space for it, that shit is contagious and it multiplies and eventually you know people people of European descent in this country, you don't have a, you don't have a political party other than the NJP, of course, but you don't have an uh, institutional political party. You don't have a newspaper. Fucking people of European descent don't have um, an advocacy group. They don't. Have, they don't. Fucking, we don't have a church. Frankly, yep. We don't have a school. Uh, a celebrity defender. A fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. All we have is each other. That's it. That's we do. All we have. And so and you we know just what? have to make do, and you know what's even better? Fuck the ever, everything else. Fuck them all. Yeah, we I can like it better rely this on each other. We don't have to just. I, uh, I don't have we don't to have rely to on settle. Any, we don't have to settle right. for each other. We can rely on each other, and that's a big difference. We're not settling. Right. We're exactly. counting on each other, and we'll come through. Right, and that's Tonight, and that's how you. Yeah. And that's how you build the the momentum where people get to a point where they're willing to die for each other. You know, that's that's another thing too. Exactly. We're really willing to sacrifice for each other, and that's and, and we're actually building something new here by doing this because you can't find. Show me another fucking place where you can find something like this in America right now. You can't. You can't. Every every dollar that you've given, you've given back to yourself. Yes. You never know when it's going to be you who needs help from your brothers, and this is. All the proof you need to show you that this is yep. a movement that has your back as much as it has anyone else's. The, the thing with the political prisoners, I think Will Planer is saying this in the chat, is that you know they can always use a, some money. That's true. But uh, the main thing with when you're locked up is letters. Letters, uh, you know, just interest, things like that. Because imagine a lot of Particularly nowadays, political political prisoners are put in solitary confinement. So when you wake up every day, the highlight of your day is the letters. So when people start forgetting about you and you're doing a long fucking stretch, that's like really bad. Like you feel like it's terrible. You know, sometimes Let me tell you- your only communication with the outside world is your letters. I mean, there are guys that are in, in solitary confinement like James Fields. I mean, he doesn't respond to letters anymore because he's in a hospital. But he, I've seen letters that he's written other people. 
Um, and he was saying, like, I'm losing track of time. I don't even know what season it is. I don't fucking know what month it is. Like, they, they're fucking they, – the American prison system is one of the most cruel in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily just physically cruel, although increasingly now it is. Uh, it's psychological torture. Under the United Nations Treaty on Torture, the United States is a flagrant violator on it because they say very clearly – Solitary confinement, putting people in solitary confinement is an act of torture. Um, And yes, there are many other different kinds of uh, issues there. Like, for example, if they send you to a federal prison in a black area, like you're going to have to go into uh, PC, right? But the thing is, they should have alternative methods to avoid it being solitary confinement. Like all the dudes in PC even, they should let them communicate with each other and shit like that. But no, they don't do that. They don't do that. This is this is a fucking evil system, you know? This is an evil system. So what can you do? You can bitch about it, or we can just build our own thing here, you know? That's it. Let me tell you the, the easiest and best way you can write a letter to somebody uh, locked up for our cause. Oh, Frankie's at... The- hello, hello, Frankie! Frankie, where the fuck... Right. What? Oh, oh look... No, he... He is back, uh, but the the best way you can write a, a letter if you don't have any money to give, if you the only thing you have to give is a stamp and your thoughts. Here's what you say: You talk about your own life in very general terms. You don't need to be specific. Talk about what's going good, and talk about what's going right in your life. Talk about how your life has gotten better over the years. What you've done to improve yourself. And improve your lot in life, and let them know that well, you—they're not forgotten. Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. If and, uh, I got, I got to say something here. If if it's someone doing life in prison, don't do that. <laughs> don't don't fucking talk about how great your life is. Talk about them, and maybe maybe you know blow some hot air up there on their on their ego and stuff, and say, listen, man, you're doing you, you did great things. You, I hope you're doing well in there. I know it's tough. You know, try to be empathetic if someone is doing like a long stretch. Like if someone's doing twenty years, don't talk about how amazing your life outside is. Like don't be like describing uh, the amazingness of a cheeseburger. You know, like <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe not, but just let them know that you know, despite what they might be going through, you're still going ahead, and you haven't forgotten about them. Right. You're progressing, and your progress is in their memory, yeah, and right. they're not going to be forgotten when they're back out on the outside. Exactly. I mean, they want to know that everything's still going in a positive direction, and I think, you know, uh, above the idea of, you know, being locked up forever, the idea that everyone else is still making progress towards, you know, our collective mission, our, co- our racial end ah, yes. game. Keep them that, up on political They want progress. to know that. They want to know that we're still getting right, better. Right, And also that and it's that... It doesn't that, have to that, be, like, so personal that it's just like you're bragging at them. Just yes. let them know that you're still making progress, they're not forgotten, right, right, and that right. our race is winning together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that way people are, when, when they're inside, they don't feel like they're in there for no reason either, you know? Like, exactly. Like, that, I mean, if I was in... In, in there, that's what I would want to yeah. hear. The last thing I would want to hear is that nothing's happening on the outside. Right. Because, you know, they know that they can't do much from where they are right now. They already right. know that. They're very right. well aware. 
What, right. they can, what they don't know is what you're doing, and if you're making progress, that'll brighten right. up their day. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Anyway, uh, let's, let's uh, Frank, before we go, what's, uh, what's the haul so far, buddy? Do you, do you have the numbers? If not, don't worry. I, I don't have an, an accurate count, but I would say it's, uh, it's somewhere in that <laughs> 6.7 to 8K, Ooh. somewhere range. Plus plus the other stuff, too. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be like 12 or 13. That's big. Huge. That's big because that that's basically what it costs to have to move for a year mm-hmm. to where they have to go because they have to move. And they have to pay out of their own pocket, and they have to move to the clinic they need to go to far from their home. And that's they, this guy was telling me like this is having a big impact on my financial situation because it's like twenty thousand dollars. So we basically cover it for them, and they have a little bit of breathing room now, which is fucking amazing. Completely outstripped my expectations. It actually yeah. revived my faith in a lot of people, you know, because it gets ugly out there. And people are doing and saying ugly shit to each other and doing nasty shit. So this is good. It brings your faith back, and it also makes you know the faith in in our own thing. Yeah. So um, thank you again, everyone. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, can can you shut down both the the streams, Frank? Yep. Yep. yep for sure. Um, oh, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Frank. Specifically, Frank and Borzoi, who have been here the whole time. Thank you very much to them. Yes. Uh, MVP. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, fucking, uh, what you gonna call it? Uh, thank you to Keith Woods. Thank you to Josh Neal for coming on. Thank you to Mike Enoch. Thank you to fucking Warren and Alan and Emily. And, uh, yeah, thank you to everyone that listened, and especially thank you to everyone that donated. So let's get the bug out of here. Right. Hail victory. Yes, indeed. Oh, the people square, they don't really do that very much anymore. But, um... Oh, <laughs> get out of here.